Hey, welcome to the 6th Annual Tupperware Awards Show. I'm one of your hosts, Brian, and I want to explain what this is. This is not a regular episode. This is the episode where we go over our favorite television movies, toys, comics, directors, actors, animated movies, everything that we've watched all year. These are our favorites. Now, hold on. That does not give everybody free reign to, like, say, hey, why didn't you add this or why didn't you add that? Okay? These are our choices. So maybe you love something. Something was beloved to you this year. That is fantastic. I want you to hold on to that near and dear to your little heart. We didn't choose it. Okay? So I don't need to hear about it. All right? But anyway, this is our choices, our selections for the year. Okay, it's all very subjective. If you have your own choices, I feel like I'm doing a lot of lecturing here at the beginning, but I'm telling you, man, these are things you got to anticipate when you do a podcast. Also, if you do have your own choices, it might be a great idea for you to start your own podcast to get those ideas out there for other people. But anyway, this is the Tupperware Awards show. Six annual, six years we've done this now. So these are our choices for the best of 2018. Episode 266. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. It's a trap. Good at toss it, good at taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture, pushovers, pop culture. Leftover. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, four, three, three two, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, whoopty fucking shit. Hey, it's uh six annual Tupperware's awards show, Jake. Wow, six of these bad boys. That's that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I've done all six of them. How many have you done? You've done like five? I think I've only missed one. Yeah. I think I missed number two. Yeah. No, I you missed the first one. Was it the very first one? Uh-huh. Okay, okay. I knew it was one of the early ones. Yeah. The earliest being the first. who were the other people on that episode sean yeah sean and alil both now with the league of geeks podcast oh man Uh, they were those are worthy people to replace me exactly so uh this year we do have a special guest with us welcome back rebecca daling thanks for having me my first time on the tupperware awards i'm Mm -hmm. super excited yeah we're gonna be handing out tuppies for our favorite things in 2018, and we have a ton of categories to go over. So, yeah, this is a lot of fun. 
uh, you know, all the things that we watched and read all year, and now we get to hand out a uh, fictitious award to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I wore my tux. I so. yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm literally just wearing some uh, underwear that's barely hanging on by one elastic thread. <laughs> And that's it. Well, at least you I, wore your... I at least put on sweatpants, you yeah. know. <laughs> I still got a little bit of vomit from the split pea soup that I ate this morning. Hanging out, just kind of chilling, chilling on my leg. I'll get to it later, you know. Wow, you've had a rough day, Brian. <laughs> no, this is, a, this is a standard Sunday. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I feel overdressed. Yeah, you, I'm, yeah, dude, it's ridiculous. Nobody can see us, Jake. Nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just yeah. gets me in the mood, you know? Yeah, this is number, I guess so. All right. <laughs> hey, this is number six. This is the sixth time I'm doing this fucking thing. So we are going to jump right in to all the fun. <laughs> <laughs> All the fun. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into the first category, which is what the fuck is going on over there? Did someone's laundry finish? <laughs> Sorry, that's my fault. It sounded like somebody I'm... honked a clown nose over there. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay. My fault. No, no. What was it? The mystery's out there. No, it was. I was getting a Facebook message on my phone. That's what was <laughs> making that sound. All right. And Facebook message of the year. That <laughs> I'm going to give that award to Rebecca Daling right now. Thank you, thank you. The message was from Joe Vitale, so that's, right. uh, yeah, very exciting. Thank can, you. Can you message him back and tell him to fuck off for the next couple hours? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to step in and disqualify all of this. These are 2019 messages. <laughs> that's true. Oh, he's right. Man, Jake. Always got to follow the, the rules. No, all right, fine. Yeah, Jake. You ever heard of a fucking joke? Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 we got, and the Poindexter Award for 2018 goes to fucking analytical Jake. Um, yes, I've been vying for this for six years. Oh, God, you, oh, you've more than earned it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you need to let up a little bit because you're like literally next year's champion and the year after. So you can like let up a little bit, okay? Take your foot off the gas. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is time for our first category, which is Comic Book Artist of the Year. Comic Book Artist of the Year. Picture pages, picture pages, time to get your picture pages, time to get your crayons and your pencils. Picture pages, picture pages, open up your picture pages, time to watch the Cosby do a picture page with you. All right. Yeah, we've had the same bumpers for six years. Six years ago, Bill Cosby was uh, a beloved <laughs> figure, so <laughs> not so much anymore. But I'm too lazy to change the bumper, and it ain't changing. All right? <laughs> that bumper makes us feel so ancient. I it love it. It does. Yeah, it really dates us. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, Rebecca, do you have any runners-up, or do you ha- who's your winner? What do you got? I've got two runners-up and a winner. Um, so my first runner up is going to be Nathan Fox, who is the artist on the weatherman. Uh, weatherman was my most anticipated comic of 2018. 
Uh, I was blown away by it. It met my expectations. It exceeded them. Uh, of course, the writing was amazing, but I love the artwork. I love the colors. I love everything about that book. Um, Nathan Fox did an amazing job drawing that. Um, I had to give him at least some attention. So that's my first runner up there. Um, my second runner up is going to be Mika Andolfo. Um, now she she also wrote this book, but I'm giving I wanted to acknowledge her artwork for Unnatural. <clears throat> Excuse me, that was the art um, that is the comic book about the um, anthropomorphic pig girl that lives in the world. I, Brian, you know you oh, read yeah. it too, but um, yeah, I, I absolutely love her work. Uh, her art in that, the way that she draws the characters, the way that she she makes these animals uh, just really come to life, like the way that she draws them. But um, my number one, my absolute uh, number one comic book artist of the year, uh, I give my tuppy to Lorenzo Di Felici for his work on Oblivion Song. Uh, another comic that blew me away this year, his artwork is out of control just incredibly imaginative the way he draws the oblivion song the way he draws the monsters the expressions he gives his characters uh able to convey sadness and hope and anger and all these different things just through uh just a few strokes of his of his pen and pencil I, I give my comic book artist of the year to Lorenzo Di Felici for Oblivion Song. Oh, nice. Very cool. Very cool. Um, my, I have uh, one runner-up and then a winner for this one. And uh, my runner-up is actually your choice for your winner, which was uh, Lorenzo De Felici from nice. Oblivion Song. Yeah, I think he's awesome the way his creature designs these monsters, the way that he uh, draws facial expressions, um, landscapes, uh you know, just everything. I, I think it's just fantastic. I love Oblivion Song. Uh, my winner, though, is uh, Carl Kerschel for uh, Isola. Uh, this is a mm. book that's uh, written by Brendan uh, Fletcher, and it follows the story of two women, uh, Queen Olwyn and Rook, her captain of the guard. They're on this journey to the island of Isola in hopes of reversing a curse that has transformed the queen into a tiger. And it has a very anime-style look to it, the, the art. Um, and Kershaw and Fletcher, they both cite the films of Hayao Miyazaki as an influence on the tone of Isola. And the art is just amazing. I think it's beautiful. The colors pop. It looks very anime, like I said. I absolutely love Isola. So i got to give it to Carl Kershaw this year for Comic Book Artist of the Year. So great choices all around. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on into our next category, which is going to be Comic Book Writer of the Year. Comic Writer of the Year. Let's do this. Rebecca, I want you to give me your runners-up. I'll give my runners-up, and then we'll both alternate and give our winners. How about that? Perfect. Awesome. I have got uh, three runners-up here. Um, runners-up, uh, I've got Gail Simone for Domino, uh, Red Sonia and Tarzan, as mm. well as Plastic Man. 
damn yeah she had a fucking banner year i know like she put and these were all limited series well actually no i take it back domino is ongoing but um Red Sonia Tarzan and um, Plastic Man were limited series, and I enjoyed all three of these. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorite stuff, just fun stuff that I read this year was Gail Simone. Um, I didn't know much about Plastic Man, didn't know much about Domino beyond what I had seen in Deadpool 2. So reading her stuff really just opened up a new world of these characters to me, Red Sonia and Tarzan. I, I know both those characters fairly well. So, but it was fun to watch her throw these two characters together. Um, and I'm a, unabashedly a Gail Simone fan girl. I'll read pretty much anything she puts out. So, uh, but I, I had to give her some attention this year for that. Um, my next runner up is going to be Jeff Lemire specifically for Gideon Falls this, this past year. Um, Gideon Falls was one of my favorite books that we read this year. And it was kind of like a horror, but like mysterious novel about a novel comic about this town, Gideon Falls. And it was like uh, stuff that I read that I probably wouldn't normally have picked out, but um, I was pleasantly surprised. And it's not like Jeff Lemire's up and coming artist who needs attention, but he's, he's, uh, he blew me away with the story in Gideon Falls, the way it's been unfolding. Um, and then my hey, next Rebecca, runner, oh, real, yeah, real quick, I uh, I was trying to get Jake into Gideon Falls, and I told him I said it's about this clumsy guy named Gideon that keeps falling <laughs> down. <And> Jake, <laughs> had, well, you spoiled it because that's, that's the end, man. I know. I'm sorry. Stupid! This is a terrible joke that I I totally like. You were in a. It's group. not an ongoing, right? <laughs> It's it, ongoing. And it's an ongoing joke. Every every issue. Yeah. <laughs> it's ongoing, yes. Uh, that was a good dad joke, though, Brian. Oh, fuck I, you. I, fuck you. It was, a, it was a dad joke. I, I, I went for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I went for it. I was like, oh, let's try it. I was being experimental. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh. Uh, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Where was I? Oh shit. Okay. The, my my last runner up <laughs> um, is going to be a, a repeat, not a repeat, but sort of a, a, a mention of this a comic I've talked about just a minute ago. Uh, Jody Lee Hupp for the Weatherman, um, an amazing sci-fi uh, comic about a guy who's a weatherman on Mars. Um, it's so out there, and then he gets accused of a crime, and he can't remember committing this crime. Jody Lehup, who also worked on another one of uh, a book I also enjoyed uh, previous years, Shirtless Bear Fighter, just absolutely knocked it out of the park with such a different tone to this book and a different genre, of course. I absolutely loved The Weatherman. I mean, I'm still reading it, and I just absolutely loved it. So those are my, uh, th- those are my runner-ups. Nice. I have one runner-up for uh, Comic Book Writer of the Year, and my runner-up is Jerry Duggan, uh, who wrote Analog. Nice. And uh, this is a story. It's set five years from now. The security of the Internet has been totally destroyed. Secrets are no longer sent over the web. They're entrusted to armed couriers called ledgermen, like human punching bag Jack McGinnis. He's got a gun in one hand and a briefcase handcuffed to the other. And this is just an amazing comic book. I loved the 
you know, there was this cyber attack that changed the world, and and um, this main character is just a badass. And I absolutely love Jerry Duggan's uh, book, Analog. I think it's fantastic. So he's my runner-up for Comic Book Writer of the Year. Who do you have for your winner? My winner is Robert Kirkman for Oblivion Song. Um, I cannot get enough of this book. And I will tell you, up until about an hour before we recorded, I was flipping back and forth between Robert Kirkman and Jody Lee Hupp to who to give this to, because those those two books were just the two favorite that I read this year. But uh, Robert Kirkman with Oblivion Song, I mean, from the second I read it, I knew it was something special. Uh, again, it's not like Kirkman is some brand new guy who needs my attention, but the fact that when... I was reading that first book and I was so sucked into the story and then reading that he already had 13 issues in the can done, ready to go. Once I was over just reading that first issue, I said, this guy has a story to tell and he is going to, he it's clear in his mind and every issue has just blown me away. Every issue has added to the mystery, the twist that we've read, the turns, the intimate human stories in set in this incredible, fantastic uh, fantasy world of Oblivion Song and Earth, it's just incredible to me. And so, yeah, I have to give it to uh, Robert Kirkman for Oblivion Song. Oh, nice. Uh, my winner is Robert Kirkman for Oblivion Song. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I mean, you know, I love everything about this book. I mean, I love the artist Lorenzo De Felici, and I love this book. I love the story of Nathan uh, and the fact that there was this event where 300,000 people in Philadelphia were suddenly lost in a place called Oblivion. And Nathan Cole has been making trips injured dimensionally to rescue these people. And... The monsters are incredible. The story's incredible. I love this fucking book. We do a podcast on it called Oblivion Song for Crying Out Loud. And yeah. that's not its not the reason it's the winner. It is just the winner because I feel like this was the best comic book of 2018, in my opinion. I, I love this story. And this I can't wait to just uh, read this. I hope it goes on for years, just like The Walking Dead has gone on for 15, 16 years now. Uh, so yeah, Oblivion Song, far and away the best comic book in my opinion of the of 2018. So yeah, wow, he Kirkman swept it in the comics. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but it's hard, it's hard not to give it to him for his work on this <coughs> on this book. It's just, it's unlike anything I've ever seen, yeah. and and the stories are just like. It really is amazing to me. He can tell this incredible, fantastical science fiction fantasy story, but yet tell you an, an intimate story of two brothers yeah. or tell you the story of a man and a woman and and how they're trying to figure their relationship out. And you believe it and you're engaged and you're wrapped up in it. You don't want it to ever end. And I hope he never stops writing this. I, I want to read it for years. Like, as you said, I just want to keep reading more and more of this book. You know, it's like we always talk on the show about, like, the water cooler talk with TV shows. You know, oh, yeah, we get together and we talk about, like, you know, what, what was uh, what was the last episode of The Leftovers like? Or, like, you know, people that watch Lost, you know, like, oh, you know, what do you think is going to happen on Lost? People talking about Breaking Bad. 
this is a comic book where you can – I feel like if more people were reading this, you could go to your comic book store and you could have a water cooler discussion at the comic book mm-hmm. store about mm-hmm. like, what you think is going to happen in Oblivion Song. The story is that engaging. It's that cool. You've got one issue where it's basically you've got you know characters going to Oblivion Song and they're being chased by monsters. The next issue, they're trying to pull off a heist to steal a device from the government. It's just – Anything and everything can happen in this book. I've fallen in love with the characters, even though half of the time I can't remember their names when we do the podcast. But I still, <laughs> I still love this fucking book. Oblivion Song is great. So, yeah, let's move on into our next category, which is Ongoing Comic Book of the Year. Best Ongoing Comic. Ongoing comic book of the year. I only have one runner-up. What do you got, Rebecca? I've got one, one runner-up as well. Um, my my runner-up is going to be The Weatherman. I, <laughs> I fucking love that book. I don't care what anybody says. I love that book so much. Let's say, and, what's what's uh, the forecast for uh, your runner-up? Oh, it's The Weatherman. The Weatherman, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see a chance of a slight drizzle of the weatherman taking the runner up. I don't know. Eighty percent chance yeah. of weatherman. Yeah, I, I saw it coming. No, yeah. that's, that's. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm totally. I'm like. I'm like hijacking <laughs> Rebecca's winners and and just making dad jokes all around. Oh no 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 no! I I only have the one the one runner up. Okay. Is, is, is the weatherman? I have two runners up. Ooh. Um, my uh, I know. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, first runner up is going to be Analog again by Jerry Duggan. Um, nice. We talked about that earlier. And then my second runner-up, Rebecca, this was a book that uh, you turned us on to on our comic book podcast, Number One Comic Books. My uh, other runner-up is The Savage Shores. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. I, you know, that book surprised me. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did, uh, but that book yeah. was amazing. Yeah, any book that deals with, like... You know, uh, it's set in the 1700s, a period piece, and we're dealing with, you know, vampires feeding on colonizers. It's just an amazing fucking Crazy. book. It is such a great Crazy. book. It's written by Ram V with art by Sumit Kumar, and I love it. It's called These Savage Shores. It is a great book. I could honestly see this being adapted into a television show or possibly even a film. It is that amazing and i love it um i highly recommend that you pick up these savage shores rebecca who is your winner for ongoing comic of the year like i even need to fucking ask <laughs> it's gonna be the same as yours it's oblivion song i'm sorry i just can't like i don't get me wrong there's lots of books i read this year that i loved i loved these savage shores i loved juke joint that you picked yes. also to brian yeah. for number one comic books um Analog, I also enjoyed. Uh, I, I was so many that we read this year that I loved, but I just, wh- when I sat down to make my list, Oblivion Song was the first thing that, that I wrote down. And I just, 
I, nothing else I read compares to it. And so I got to go. I mean, it's sweeping my tuppies. It's, it's Oblivion Song once again for ongoing comic of the year. Oh, shit. Oblivion Song is mine as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sorry. It's I know it's not, it's not like a fucking broken record, you know? And the only song that's on that record is Oblivion. <laughs> It's like I got a fever, and the only prescription is more oblivion. It's yeah, it's the cowbell of comics. Yeah, pretty much. Oblivion song, people. If you haven't already gotten the hint, you need to pick it up. It is it is an amazing comic, and Robert Kirkman is an amazing writer. And um, yeah, earlier this year, Robert Kirkman did a uh, interview with Kevin Smith on Smodcast. And I highly recommend that you listen to it because not only does he talk about, of course, he talks about The Walking Dead, but he talks about his personal life. And he also talks a little bit about Oblivion Song. And this guy is just awesome. That's why I love Robert Kirkman. He's, he, he's comic book first. Yeah, it's like he's got the whole Walking Dead thing going on on TV. But this guy bleeds comics. This guy is, he's like, and like when it came to like image, like he was the guy who got like Rob Liefeld and like McFarland to kind of talk to one another again, you know, like this is, wow. you know, just, just an amazing human being. So I got to give it wow. to not only just for being an amazing human being, but for also putting out a great comic book. He hasn't let the success get to his head. He's still making great comics. So, mm-hmm. um, got to give it to oblivion song. So let's move on into our next categories, which I ain't got shit. And I don't know if Rebecca <laughs> has much either. These are basically Jake categories. So we're going to jump into our manga of the year. This is our manga comic of the year. Manga comic of the year. J-pop America, fun time now. All right, the floor is yours, Jake. All right, yeah, I'm going to give this one to the very first spinoff series to My Hero Academia. It is My Hero Academia Vigilantes. Um, this is a really awesome kind of side spinoff series to the main thing, and I think it makes a great companion piece if you're just watching the show and you want to read some manga rather than having to read a dozen volumes to catch up with the main show. You can jump onto this thing. It just came out in July. There's only two volumes of it so far. It's a really fun little series. It basically follows a trio of characters that take place outside the main school. They are illegal superheroes, and it's kind of like your Marvel Knights type of characters within this universe. You know, these guys are your daredevils and your punishers. And uh, the main character's name is Knuckle Duster, and he uh, (laughs) recruits two younger characters, two 19-year-old, a 19-year-old male and a 19-year-old female, to kind of, you know, be – under the law, not approved by the school, not legal superheroes. And it's a really interesting kind of side story to My Hero Academia. Is it, um, is it, are you saying academy? It's academia. Academia. My apologies. <laughs> academia. I was like, what are you talking about? Academia. <laughs> Macadamia. Yeah, my Hero <laughs> Macadamia nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a really cool series. And I think even if um, you don't read the main series or don't watch the main show, it, you don't feel overwhelmed here. You could read easily, just read this series and pick up what this universe is all about. And it's just a bit more of a um, mature take on this universe, honestly. Um, I'm not sure if this is ever going to get adapted into any kind of a TV show or cartoon, but 
it's here for you right here in manga form and it hmm. shows no signs of stopping i think it's scheduled to go at least five or six volumes and those aren't listed as the end so yeah i highly recommend this if you're a fan of the show and you want to do some reading check this out i love so, that i love that first season man but i haven't jumped back on the second season. i watched like the first episode and i haven't dove back into it i gotta make time for it yeah season four is coming this year it gets really yeah. dark the last i just caught up recently with oh, the wow. last stuff and nice. man it gets dark nice all right yeah so check that academia check that academia out. <laughs> you know how it is man you just you read so much yeah. and you don't ever like speak to people dude i like, have like oh trust Christ. me i have mispronounced so many different things and then people send me little messages and they're like i you know hey just want to let you know that you pronounce this wrong and it's like I'm here. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're only the fifth person, though. So thank you. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I, trust me. I know, man. I get it. All right. Let's move on into our next category, which is video game of the year. Video game of the year. Welcome to Video Land. Kid Icarus sounds like like the puberty boy from The Simpsons. <laughs> oh man, he does. He does. I I used to love Captain N, dude. Oh man, everything I was prepared to say was completely ruined the minute I heard Mega High. Mega High. It's like it's like you know Mega Man sounds like he's like a smoker and he's like on that. He he had like one of those. Uh, uh, what is it? What is it called? Where where you had tracheotomy? Tracheotomy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that always fucked me up as a kid because I always thought Mega Man was like kind of like a robot kid. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, yeah, they 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 got a lot of things right. What, what, uh, King Hippo's nipples always used to freak me out. Yeah, yeah, they had to make him green. <laughs> green. They couldn't like it was nudity to show him with his shirt off, so they just made him like day glow green, yeah. so it didn't count anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think they already had like all the art done, and then like last moment they're like, hey, yeah, either you put a shirt on this fucker or you turn him a different color so his nipples don't look so weird. <laughs> oh man all it's all it's problems so i love that fucking cartoon all right jake so which nintendo video game won won the category this it is it is not gonna be a nintendo shut game. the this fuck up the first and only year <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it, which it which, not a nintendo which game. mobile game did you have your head in all year that wins this no it's not thing? a mobile game either it's not a mobile game either this is definitely I mean, this is the game of all time for me. This is the game I've been waiting for since I was 19 years old. So, yeah. I'm giving my video game of the year to Magic the Gathering Arena, the first ever proper video game PC representation of one of my favorite games of all time, Magic the Gathering. Finally, I can play with the same cards in a video game that I go to the store and play with there too. I don't know why it's taken 25 years to figure out this simple formula, but here we are 25 years later, we have finally figured it out. 
we've implemented it and it is the biggest time suck that's ever been created for me. Mm. I absolutely fucking love it. Um, it just gets better and better every month. So yeah, this is easily video game of the year for me. Nothing was even close. You do realize every other podcast that's doing like a best of, it's either going to go to Spider-Man or Red Dead Redemption 2 or Fallout or one of those, right? Yeah, you know, I I saw Red Dead Redemption. I've seen about 90 minutes of it now played yeah. in front of me. Yeah. I got to say, I'm not impressed. Like graphically, it's yeah. pretty amazing. But it looks pretty awfully boring to play. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like either people are loving the boredom or they're uh, – <laughs> it's weird though, isn't it? Because like it is beautiful to watch. I mean – Oh, it's, it's stunning. Yeah, like yeah. the first 15 minutes, I, I had no opinion because I was just stunned. I was also, then after a while, yeah. it's like you're not doing anything. Hey, Rebecca, wouldn't it be funny if like for every category, Jake mispronounced something in his winner, like the name <laughs> – that would be hilarious. Like, 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 like we just thought it was Magic like. Magic the Gathering Arana. Yeah. yeah ma- <laughs> Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. And like, and like at first we just thought it was like this fluke, you know? But like later on, like towards the end of the podcast, me and you were just like, we're just like, this is a thing. This is like what he does now. <laughs> every- yeah, and then you find out an hour before we started, I had an aneurysm. So what do you, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you got to make me feel all bad about an anur- it. An aneurysm. <laughs> no, <yeah>. no. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I had I had an anal prism like an hour before we started recording. <laughs> yeah, but why is everyone laughing about my anal prism? <laughs> uh, yeah, Jake, I know you've had like uh, this year has been kind of like you reconnecting not with like f- old friends and 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 people it's you reconnecting with magic the gathering <laughs> <laughs> well i mean one has kind of led to the other honestly. true I yeah have met, i have reconnected with some old friends because of the game and some new friends too and i mean this game has just kind of been the cherry on top it's just it's just been absolutely amazing i i, I honestly don't understand what's taken this long like they they've had at least 15 other video game versions of magic the gathering Mm -hmm. and it's always the same old crap where there's just here's a hundred random cards we've thrown in the game they don't give you any ability to actually create your own deck it's just a real truncated version of the game and i i just don't understand with modern technology why they haven't you know fed into this more and they wizards of the coast is putting 10 million dollars into esports for this game for 2019 there's actually a league with 24 people and there's going to be televised tournaments and they are dumping a lot of money into this thing so it's only going to make it bigger and bigger so i'm really excited for the future and the prospect of uh of magic man hopefully i'm in tournaments in the next couple years winning a couple mil that yeah that'd be pretty incredible that would be cool. I, I, I wouldn't put it past you, man. I know you're talented at that shit. So, um, My cat is wanting to get in on this action. He is on the table right now, aren't you, buddy? You, want, you, want to <laughs> you ever seen those um, video games for cats that you can get like for your iPad? Uh-uh. You, know, you can get like there's actual apps you can download that cats like. There'll be like a little thing oh, that moves okay. around. And when the cat's mm-hmm. paw touches it, it bounces a different direction. That's cool. Yeah, we used to actually have one of those for Clark. Even they're um, they're good for dogs too. Like he would follow like this. It's like, it's like a little bouncing ball on a screen, and then he would like touch it with his paw, and then it, it it'll bounce in another direction. It keeps him busy for hours. 
it's great. <laughs> yeah, pretty neat stuff. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I read an article about it and then downloaded it. And yeah, sure enough, our cats were pretty into it. That's awesome. All right, let's move on into our uh, next uh category which is cat toy of the year which is now it's it's actually toy of the year so we're going to jump into toy of the year best toy of the year get those wonderful toys it's also the shortest bumper that i think i have (laughs) out of all these it's 10 seconds yeah it's a 10 second bumper Rest of them are. My favorite toy of the year was the sock I masturbate into. Jake, what's yours? <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's yours, Jake? Uh, I'm going to give this one to you. I, I had a hard time with this one. I, I really wasn't much of a toy buyer this year. Money was tight. Um, I'm going to give this one to an oddball. I'm going to give this one to Zombie Strike Nerf Guns. Have you guys seen these things? Oh, my God. Just... Oh, that old thing? Yeah, that thing. No. <laughs> I have three. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just, I just For the first time ever this year, I, I got to play with and mess with modern-day Nerf guns. Now, I don't think I've done this in 15 years. And I, I was pretty blown away by how fun these things were. I mean, just legitimate feeling like pistols that you cock back and shoot little nerd darts out of and Tommy guns and Gatling guns, and the whole line is geared towards you know <laughs> taking down the zombie invasion. So, are you and Michelle in the backyard shooting each other? Like, what's going on here? No, I went to a uh, I went to Christmas with her. Like, she's got a nephew that's ten. Yeah, and you got like ten all kinds of different Nerf guns, and it ended up in war. And I, I was like, these are the greatest things ever. I'm going to buy these for was, my next family Christmas. <laughs> Jake was calling himself Jake Wick and like doing like, <laughs> little flips. <laughs> Little flips in the backyard. It's like I can Jake. I can honestly see you doing like a like a uh, um, <laughs> like a like a little tuck and roll and shooting with us and still having a cigarette hanging out of your mouth the whole time. Oh, totally. I was I was getting people like through the stair banisters and everything. Oh man, yeah. it was a good it was a good time. One of the most I haven't reverted to being that young in a long time, and it was definitely due to just how crazy these modern day Nerf guns are. They have come a long way since I was a child and had Nerf toys. Wow. Nerf, you've come a long way. <laughs> Still fun. 2018 was your year, Nerf. <laughs> <laughs> a real coming out party for Nerf. Yeah, it was. Rebecca, did you have anything for this category? Yeah, I do, actually. Like, so I don't, so Rebecca I don't chooses own... the same thing. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that, fuck, that fucking Nerf gun. <laughs> oh, yeah, the sock. <laughs> uh, so, did you get the that sock are very close. It's okay? crazy because, like, the sock is actually a docker sock, and I'm docking my dick in that thing. So it's, you know. Hey, was that a dad joke, huh? Huh? Your dad's no, not, my God. not at all. Your dad telling those jokes, huh? Jesus, Brian. I can't help it if you're telling dad jokes in the beginning of the show. I, I, can't, I can't help it. Oh, shit. I got to, you know, I got to loosen up a little bit. I got to get into this thing a little bit There's more. There's nothing wrong with dad jokes. I like dad jokes. Dad jokes are great. I'm, wow! Yeah, no take backs. Saying. Double down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. So, um, other than the masturbation sock, my toy of the year is going to be. I, I don't own this thing, but I a couple of my friends do. It was like the toy of the year to get, and it's the Infinity Gauntlet uh, toy. Um, so that's the one that is like all articulated, and you could just slip it right on, just like Thanos. Um, you can even clench your fist with it. You can give the middle finger with it. 
Um, I mean, these things were selling for like a couple of hundred dollars. Like there were people who were selling them on eBay and whatever. And then there were, uh, you know, a thousand imitations that were, you know, they were selling for 20 bucks that were shit. But uh, this was like the toy that I saw all of my nerd friends going crazy for this year. And when they got it, they were not disappointed with it. They thought it was absolutely uh, the best thing ever. So I'm going to give it to the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, that's my toy of the year. There you go, the Infinity Gauntlet. Can you stick in your Can you stick your dick in that thing, Jay? <laughs> you probably could. I would imagine. I was going the same place. I was just, can you can you use the sock with it? I put mine in, and one of my balls disappeared after I got done. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah, you use it with a sock, and a couple hours later, there's like a lots of dust at the end of the sock. Mm. <laughs> let's see here. All right, let's move in and uh, move into our next category, which is going to be the announcement of the year. The announcement of the year. Let's go over our runners-up first and then go over our winner. If you have runners-up, go for them. Uh, Rebecca, we'll start with you. Um, I just have one runner-up. Um, that's going to be the, the announcement of Brian K. Vaughn signing with Landmark Entertainment. Um, for sure, there were like tons of announcements this year that were really cool. But to me, that was one of the most exciting uh, just because I really love Brian K. Vaughn. He's an author. He's done some incredible books. I mean, of course, Saga. And he's done Runaways, just to name two, but he's done so much more than that. Um, and the fact that he was going to be developing new entertainment uh, or, excuse me, uh, original content, and then they were going to be producing some of his established stuff, uh, one of the most exciting announcements for me this year. That's that's my runner-up. It's a fantastic, fantastic announcement. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get to see that Paper Girls TV series, right? Oh, my God. I... I just read uh, the first trade of Paper Girls recently, and I was like, what took me so long to read this damn book? It's so fucking good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, like, a, a show about that would be insanely uh, popular, I think, because it cashes in on that 80s, 90s nostalgia, which everybody loves. But then just the fact that the story itself is so original and different and amazing, I, I think you could do so much with that. You know, with that who, property. you know who I hope gets it? I hope Hulu gets it. Oh, okay. They're going to be owned by Disney, and I think Disney, honestly, they're going to once they get Hulu, they're going to put some money into it, and it won't be on the mm. Disney Plus. And I think they could put some real money into it, and I think that they would want to make Paper Girls kind of stand and go like toe to toe against Stranger Things. I think you give that to Netflix, they're going to be they've got so much invested with Stranger Things. I don't know if they're going to put as much right. into it as I think Hulu, which would try to come out swinging. So that's a that's a great point, because if you give it to. Yeah, that's a great point. If you if you give it to Netflix, it almost becomes like a conflict of interest. Like how many 80s teenage kid show can we have that we can give our full attention to? But if you give it to Hulu, they are going to and then they got Disney behind them. They are going to pour money and time into that and they are going to produce something 
incredible uh, that could rival. Star- oh my yeah. god, just talking about it makes me like so excited. I know. Yeah, I know. So cool. Jake, do you have any runners up? Yeah, um, a little bit along the same kind of lines of that mode of thinking. I have my runner up is um, the Mark Miller Netflix deal, nice. and just my excitement for Miller World projects on Netflix and what's going to come of that. We really still haven't heard much since the initial announcement. No, so we I'm have. We we, this ha- year we we had some news. Uh, we're getting a Huck series. We're getting. Um, uh, we yeah, they came out with a bunch of stuff that they actually are going to do. I know we're getting Hunk Huck. I think we might get Empress. I can't. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, they. This was more recently. So. Okay. Yeah. I'm just. I'm super pumped. I. I love Mark Miller's writing. I think the way he writes is perfect for a bunch of these different. You know, really unique like miniseries. And I'm just really excited for this. You know, project to to bear fruit. Nice. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more runners up? No. All right. I've got two runners up. Uh, my uh, first one that I wanted to go over is uh, Eco Ues to star in Wu Assassins on Netflix. I I'm a huge fan of the Raid films. Everybody knows this. I loved the Raid Redemption. I loved the Raid Two, and Eco Ues and uh, just just those martial arts films are incredible. And we're gonna get Eco Ues starring as Kai Jen, an aspiring chef who becomes the latest and last Wu assassin, chosen to round up the powers of an ancient triad and restore balance once again. And this is coming to Netflix. We don't have a release date, but they are going to start production. And I cannot wait to watch Wu Assassins once it hits Netflix. My um, second runner-up is going to be the Picard TV show coming to CBS All Access. I, uh, oh, good. <laughs> I cannot wait for this show. I, this is one of my most anticipated uh, shows of uh, probably all time, to be quite honest with you, if they do this one right. And I, I can't see them screwing this up. This is just this is a no brainer. They're going to hit it out of the ballpark with this one. I, I cannot wait to see this new Jean-Luc Picard Star Trek TV show hit CBS All Access. And I can't wait to see the subscription numbers for this service go up once they do, because this is going to be fucking huge. This is going to be an event. And I cannot wait for it. So that's my runner-up. Let's move on to our announcement of the year. And uh, Rebecca, we'll start with you. So my announcement of the year is the Picard series. I knew it. I <laughs> fucking knew it. I knew it. It had to be, right? Yeah, it had I mean, to be. This is, I'm like number one Trek girl over here. Like, um, when they announced it, I'm not going to lie. I actually cried a little bit. I was so happy. I was so excited. And then... On August 4th, Patrick Stewart put out a statement on Twitter. Um, I I will not read the whole thing. I just want to quote one little piece of it where he says, um, it is an unexpected but delightful surprise to find myself excited and invigorated to be returning to Jean-Luc Picard and to explore new dimensions within him, seeking out new life for him when I thought that life (laughs) was over. He had very publicly said he would never return to the role of Picard. He was done with that role and he was enticed back. And a lot of it had to do with the fans just raving about what Jean-Luc Picard meant to them. And he agreed to come back into this role. And from the moment it was announced, I, I just, 
I don't know, like that that's just been my focus as far as like the next show that I'm dying to see. And he's been involved in the creative process. He's met with the writers. He's met with the showrunners with Alec Kurtzman. Um, he has been 100 percent involved in bringing this show to life. And I cannot fucking wait to see more Star Trek on TV. And uh, that is absolutely my announcement of the year. It was the first thing I wrote down. <laughs> it was like, and I had to really like rack my brain, like, wait, I know there was other stuff this year. What, what else happened this year? But it overshadowed everything for me. Um, yeah, it, it's the Picard series. I, I knew it. I knew it was going to be. <laughs> and I can't fault you. I can't. a big leap there for me. Yeah, yeah. I can't fault you for it. It's a great announcement. I, I, I know what Jace is going to be. It's going to be that those zombie Nerf guns. Oh, man. I wish. <laughs> Do you know something I don't? Is there new ones <laughs> No, I have no clue. Jake, what do you got? Um, my announcement of the year is the you know the stuff we more we've learned about the Star Wars TV show. I'm just super excited about that. The Mandalorian, um, you know, finding out that Taika Waititi is going to direct an episode. Finally, getting casting news. I, I'm just getting really jacked up for this. Um, in a in a year 2018 where we really didn't get anything that kind of satiated my Star Wars need. I'm really pumped for our first ever live action Star Wars TV show, and I have a hard time believing that it's going to be a stinker i just so many good and talented people on this project i'm so pumped for it so and spoiler solo did not win any tupperwares from you sir from me from from you (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna win all of them from me (laughs) (laughs) and female actor goes to solo a star (laughs) i know it's so weird Best director of the year, Solo, a Star Wars movie. And they, I don't know who to choose for director because they had so many. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. I like that one. That's funny. Uh, let's see here. Uh, my announcement of the year is the Deadwood movie. Oh, great. oh, good, good choice. Excellent choice. We're getting a Deadwood movie to wrap up the series. The series ended at season three. I stopped watching after season one. And the reason was is because it didn't have a proper ending. And I was like, I what's the fucking point? And now with the announcement of the Deadwood movie and we're finally getting some set photos of uh, Timothy Oliphant uh, back in back in the role. And uh, that's his name, correct? I get. I said it right. Yes. Okay. Yes. O- Oliphant. Oliphant. I always just said like elephant, but with an O. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, we're getting the Deadwood movie, and uh, most of the cast is returning for this one, and I cannot wait. So yeah, definitely the Deadwood movie coming to HBO this year, and that announcement this year just was just. I mean, for so many fans of Deadwood, like. It was it was a huge deal because they're finally going to get a proper ending to that series. So that's that's great. All right, let's move on into our next category, which is going to be the best animated television show of the year. As soon as yeah, as soon as I can find it. Uh, here we go. Best animated show of the year. Yeah. 
All right. I have some runners up. Uh, if you guys have runners up, go over them and then we'll get to our big winners. Uh, let's start off with Rebecca for Best Animated Television of the Year 2018. Yeah, I've got one runner up here. Um, my runner up is going to be She Ra and the Princesses of Power. Uh, this was a Netflix uh, TV show, uh, animated TV show. And um, uh, quick synopsis, uh, if anyone hasn't watched it, it's on the planet Etheria. Adora is an up-and-coming soldier for the Horde, eager to defend her home from the menace of the princesses she has taught all her life to fear. Everything changes when a chance encounter with the mystic sword of protection in the Whispering Woods calls to her. Uh, Discovering to her horror the evil, the true evil of the Horde, Adora defects to the Rebellion as its foretold champion, She-Ra, Princess of Power. Um, I was super excited for this show when it was announced. Um, When I went to New York Comic Con this year with Brooke and Cindy, we went to the... um, she-Ra experience and it was a lot of fun and from the moment it dropped I just I was in love with the series um the 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 messages of friendship and equality and um how powerful girls are and just the updates they made to the She-Ra story and not putting She-Ra as a teenage girl in a bustier and high heeled boots and a mini skirt. They really gave her an age appropriate costume and they gave her age appropriate issues to deal with. Um, I was sold from the first episode. I Tupperware the whole season. So it was hard for me um, to not give the, give this the tuppy, but it, it's a very close runner up. And if anyone has not watched it, I really encourage you to give it a shot. Um, it is geared to a younger audience, but I think that the messages of friendship and teamwork are important enough to really give this one a shot. And the animation is gorgeous. Like that, that style is, is just absolutely beautiful. Jake, what do you got for your runner up? Do you have a runner up? Yes. I actually have just two runner runner. Oh, I have an honorable mention and I have a runner up. Um, let me do the honorable mention first. Um, actually this week I finally sat down and watched the first episode of Castlevania and I was just blown away by it. Um, God, what a perfect Warren Ellis vehicle. So I just wanted to give it a quick mention. Uh, I'm going to be finishing it up real quick here. I'm excited that they're going to be doing more of that next year. But for my uh, runner-up, I'm going to give it to Disenchantment, the uh, Matt Groening Netflix series. Um, a lot of people this started off slow for, but then got better. Um, I'm just glad to see a new Matt Groening series. I actually really loved this thing. Um, it's you know He's done the modern-day TV sitcom. He's done the future show and now it's the fantasy spinoff so kind of the natural progression of what he would do and it's a really fun take on it and with it being on netflix it kind of scores the line and does a, a few things a little bit more risque than what you were seeing on the uh, the network shows so disenchantment for my runner-up nice yeah i uh, i also watched disenchantment that was a that was a fun show i thought it it took a while it took a few episodes but like i what i liked about that what's different than about that than the Simpsons is like, I think it was more story driven. That's true. The, the episodes weren't like bottle episodes. Yeah. They definitely had canon and continuation from one episode to the next, which yeah. you saw a little bit of in Futurama, not much at all in Simpsons, but yeah, you're right. This show really did feel like chapters in the yeah. story. And I love the, I really enjoyed the story the more I got into it. So yeah, um, I've got, uh, three runners up, uh, 
I, uh, of course, South Park, uh, this late, I think, I don't know. What are we on season 22? I have no fucking clue. Season 22, 23, whatever it was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, everything from like the send off the goodbye to, you know, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo to, you know, tackling school shootings to, you know, the PC babies to the return of man, bear pig. This season was pretty fucking hysterical and I loved it. Uh, Bojack Horseman season five. Uh, that's also going to get a, uh, runner up, um, here. I, uh, love Bojack Horseman. It, uh, I have a love hate relationship with the show cause I absolutely love it, but I hate the way it makes me feel sometimes. <laughs> um, but I absolutely, I think it's a great show and Will Arnett, Will Arnett and Amy Sedaris and everybody involved in that cast. Um, oh, what's his name from Breaking Bad? Um, Jesse Pinkman, whatever the fuck his real name is, he's in it and he's great. Um, my last runner up is going to be Castlevania season two. This, uh, the show it's developed by Adi Shankar. Like Jick said, it's written by Warren Ellis and you just follow Trevor Belmont. Um, he's the played by Richard Armitage and he's the last living member of the Belmont family. And, uh, this season, it picked up right where last season left off with Trevor joining forces with Alucard and Sypha. Uh, uh, and um, we get a really cool look at the Belmont family library. And it, it great humor, great animation, um, full of adult gore, blood, violence, adult humor. And the, the story is just incredible. Um, Castlevania season two is my runner up for Best Animated TV Show, so I loved it. All right, let's move into our winners. Rebecca, what do you got? Uh, my winner is Big Mouth, season two. Um, I fucking love this show. It is so unique. I mean, this is a show about seventh graders going through puberty, and uh, season one blew me away, and then season two just built on that they had a whole episode about birth control and planned parenthood which was hilarious um this show explores um feelings of of puberty i mean it talks about masturbation it talks about um girls discovering their vaginas and their clitoris it talks about um boys just like you know every five seconds they're just ready to go any little thing turns them on and they feel so ashamed of it and they they introduced a new character this year the shame wizard and you know, we got more of the hormone monsters which are so well done by nick kroll and by um oh shit jason mansukas no the um the girl hormone monster oh uh maya rudolph Maya Rudolph, thank you. I blanked on her name. Um, just so well done, and every episode had me laughing. But it also, I've just never seen a show tackle such a sensitive topic before. Things that are still kind of taboo. People are uncomfortable talking about sex with their kids, but this show just dives right in. And um, I just, yeah, I could watch that series over and over again. It is just so well-written and well-acted and the whole nine. So, yeah, Big Mouth Season 2. Nice. Uh, Jake, what do you got? Um, I am giving Best Animated Series this year to uh, Gretsuko. It is the Netflix series about the office-working panda who sings death metal to relax on her free time. Um, This series really blew me away. They've announced a Season 2 next year, uh, hearing – 
Retsuku sing the Christmas songs in December really got me excited again for season two. Yeah, I just love this. It's like kind of a weird blend of like British office comedy with um, awkward death singing, death metal singing, talking animals. Um, this is one of the strangest cartoons I've ever seen. And I love that Netflix went ahead and uh, chose to get the license for it. I, I can't wait to see more of it. So yeah, Gretsuko is my winner. Uh, Gretzuko. Uh, mine is going to be Big Mouth Season 2. Uh, Rebecca, I, I awesome. couldn't agree. I, I, there's really not a lot I, more I can say about this that you haven't said. This is just hilarious. I, anytime that you can get Nick Kroll and Jason Mantzoukas together back on a project is just... I, you know, I was a huge fan of the league and like seeing what they're doing here with animation, what they're doing with... like cartoons and teenage pu- uh, like uh, childhood puberty and stuff like that it's just fucking hilarious and you can get away with this shit because it's all animated you can't have mm-hmm. you can't have real teenage actors doing the shit that they're doing in a live action show you have to have adult actors playing like these animated kids to in order to pull this off but it's so brilliant because like it does take you back to like those embarrassing awkward moments that you felt when you were younger you know, about like uh, when your bodies are changing and all this shit, you know, and it, it does. It makes you think back to like, oh, like, like I'm on a bumpy bus ride. Like, why the fuck am I getting a boner right now? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is shit that I dealt with when I was a kid. And like this show deals with it all in such a fucking hilarious way. And uh, you're, you're right, Rebecca. A lot of this stuff is taboo and it shouldn't be. It should be stuff that we kind of like are open about. And uh, I, uh, that's what I kind of love about this show is it's like it's tearing down those walls and we can all kind of like laugh about it. And I, because, you know, we all had these crazy thoughts growing up, you know, your hormones are going nuts when you're that age. So I don't know. It's just the most relatable and funny show, mm-hmm. uh, animated show that I've seen in a long time. Uh, I didn't I mean, F is, from, F is for family didn't make my list this year. Um you know, and that's it just wasn't as good. And uh, I was, you know, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, I, I would have said that F is for Family is going to be up there. And it just didn't. That uh, third season just wasn't as good as the first two. But Big Mouth season two just came out. And I can't wait for season three because they really introduced something completely new and fun that we could go into with season three. And I can't fucking wait. Oh man. You know, when you said it about it being relatable, there's an episode in season one. I think it's the second episode where Jesse, the, the, the girl character, she gets her period for the first time and she's on a school trip and she's wearing white shorts. <laughs> God, any woman out there, will tell you the horror that she's experienced when she's gotten her period and she's wearing white, white pants, white shirt, white, white shorts, white, whatever. It it was so relatable. I found myself like tearing up, remembering my own embarrassing moments, but then laughing out loud with just the reactions and like at the end of the episode where she gets in the car with her mom and the mom's like, how did your day go? And she just bursts into tears and she's like, I got my period and you made me wear white shorts. And like she can't even, and the mom just goes, Oh honey, I understand. And she hugs her. That is a moment that is so relatable to me as a woman that it just, I couldn't believe I was watching an animated show and it just, it just it's every episode just is so incredible 
you find yourself laughing and, and getting emotional and remembering your own embarrassment as mm-hmm. a kid. It's just, I, it's incredible. I, I can't wait for season three. I, I can't I either. Can't wait. Yeah. Nick Kroll, Jason Mancirkus, Maya Rudolph, they're all fucking amazing. Oh, and incredible. Big incredible. Mouth is great. So, all right, let's uh, move into our animated movie of the year. The animated movie of the year. Drink the drink. But I don't want the drink. He doesn't want the drink. He does. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You don't. I do. You don't. I do. You don't. Listen, when I say I do, that means I do. To infinity and beyond. We going in there? Yep. P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. Yep. We're going to just swim straight. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. All right. Animated movie of the year. I have two runners up. Uh, Rebecca, do you have any runners up? I just have one. Um, My runner up is going to be Ralph Breaks the Internet. Um, Surprisingly enough, I actually was not. I was lukewarm on the first movie. Um, so, like, going into the sequel, I I was like, I didn't know what to expect. But I, lo- I actually loved the sequel so much that I feel like I have to go back and revisit that first movie again. Um, because I'm thinking maybe I missed something or maybe I just wasn't paying attention. But Ralph Breaks the Internet was um, a really great follow-up. Uh, I thought it, I personally thought it was better than Wreck-It Ralph. Um, I thought the voice work in it was great. It was so neat to hear Gal Gadot here, but Sarah Silverman, John C. Riley, um, you know, uh, pretty much every everyone who was in the first one came back and they added on some new characters. I thought the animation was great. I loved uh, kind of the message in this movie about trying to expand your horizons and try new things, but still hold on to your friends. And I thought that was great. And um, yeah, so that's, that's my runner up uh, Ralph breaks the internet. All right. Awesome. Jake. Yeah, I have one runner up as well. And my one runner up is also Ralph breaks the internet. Um, You know, I thought it was the only Disney sequel we've had that didn't feel completely needless and just retreading the same waters. Um, Yeah. I loved this movie. Um, Yes. Sarah, Sarah Silverman was fantastic. Loved that she got to sing in this one finally. Yeah, this movie this movie was great. Easily my runner-up. Uh, I have two runners-up. Uh, my first one is going to be The Death of Superman. Uh, this one came out this year. I loved it. It's an amazing animated DC movie, in my opinion. Not everyone loved this one as much as I did, but I... I thought it was great. It, it it tells a story about you know the the battle between Superman and Doomsday, and uh, we even get the Justice League involved in this one, and then the people of Metropolis. Uh, they, they show their love for Superman, and it really gets you in the feels. I, I loved this one. Uh, my next runner up is going to be a movie that I actually just reviewed a few weeks ago on the show, and it's a 2018 Japanese animated film written and directed by Mamuro Hasada and produced by Studio Shizu. It's Mirai. I loved this movie, Mirai. And it follows the story about a four year old boy who's struggling to cope with the arrival of his little sister in the family. Um, and then things, magical things just start happening. He's got a mysterious garden in the backyard where the, the family dog becomes, uh, an animated man. Um, he's got, uh, he meets his, uh, younger sister, his baby sister 
Uh, as she becomes an older girl, he meets his great grandfather as a young man. He learns a lot about his family. It's just a magical fantasy adventure movie, and I thought it was fantastic. And it dealt dealt with family issues. It dealt with like why your parents are the way that they are and why they raise you the way that they raised you. I just thought it was a just a very fantastic anime. So those are my two runners up for animated movie of the year. Let's move into our animated movie of the year, Rebecca. Uh, for me, it is going to be without any question into the Spider-Verse. This movie, and I, I have a feeling this uh, may sweep the tuppies here, so I won't talk too much about it, but the animation style and the story were so amazing, and the voice work was just incredible. Um, I never thought... I, I, I like Spider-Man as much as the next person. He's not my favorite, favorite character, but going into this, I felt in love all over again with Spider-Man, both Peter Parker and Miles Morales, and to, uh, in a way that I didn't think I would. And then all of these different versions of Spider-Man, it just was so incredible. This was such a, a breakthrough on animation. It's easily my animated movie of the year. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jake, what do you got? Yeah, also Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, wow, I just can't wait to see this thing again and again and again. Um, Gosh, I can't wait for this thing for home viewing. Um, You know, this thing may be my favorite Spider-Man movie of all time, man, and I am a diehard Sam Raimi fan. I mean, he is my my go-to guy and my favorite director of all time, but I don't know. I mean, this movie... It doesn't break the mold or create a new mold like in, you know, how to tell superhero stories by any means, you know, but it's just really captured the essence of my favorite comic book character of all time. And just seeing Miles Morales finally get his due on the big screen and how well they mixed that with the Peter Parker mythos in this story. Um, Spider-Ham, one of my childhood favorites, finally gets some, you know, screen time. And that was just so wonderful. Um, and an amazing soundtrack to boot. Maybe my favorite, one of my favorite, you know, movie soundtracks this year was definitely this movie. So, yeah, easily into the Spider-Verse for me. Best animated movie of the year. Yeah, it's a sweep. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse for me was the best animated movie of the year. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. I can confidently say that. It is the best Spider-Man movie, in my opinion, that we've ever seen. The animation in this one was incredible. I thought it was incredible when we first saw it, but I was in no way prepared for the way that this was going to look on the big screen on a fucking DLP front projector in 3D. I was not prepared for this. It blew me away. This is an an experience. If you watch it at home on your fucking Toshiba flat screen, you're not going to get the same experience. You need to see this one in the theater in 3D. You have to because you're not going to get that experience at home. You have to. I mean, yeah, it's going to look gorgeous, but this is an experience when it comes to cinematic viewing. The story is amazing. Um, I love the ultimate universe that we got to see here. I love Miles Morales. I loved all the voice acting. Love the villains. I thought all the villains were fantastic. This is how it's crazy. Jake, you said it didn't break the mold. I feel like in a lot of ways, this movie did break the mold as far as introducing multiple villain characters and still being, being able to pull it off. I don't see a lot of movies being able to introduce and there's there are movies there are movies that are the exception and I get that but this one introduced so many different villains and they were still able to balance the time and and it, and it worked I mean you know I've seen like 
you know, with the Schumacher Batman movies. They just here's <laughs> here's three fucking four villains and like none of them work. And and here we've got literally all the villains are working for me. Like even just like the small like scenes of like Scorpion work for me. Everything worked. It was just the way they would introduce characters, each character's personality, the way that they introduced the different uh, dimensions. Spider-Ham was great. Everybody having their own different type of art style animation was just awesome. This was just an incredible fucking movie. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, easily best animated movie of the year. You could introduce this movie into any year going forward, and I'm sure it would probably win animated movie of the year. It doesn't matter what year you introduce this movie to. Mm -hmm. It was just that groundbreaking and that amazing. And this animation style, I want to see more of it. It is so fucking good. So um, that is my animated movie of the year. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to give you the best TV show of the year. And this is where things get interesting because this is where I am going to have a fuck ton of runners up that we need to talk about. <laughs> All right. Hey, we are back and it is now time for the best TV show of the year. Best television show of the year. Going forward, things are going to be a little bit different. We're going to go over. Uh, uh, we're going to go over. Yeah, things are going to be different. I'm going to have a fucking stroke and not be able to talk correctly. And uh, <laughs> no, um, it'll be the aneurysm and stroke show. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> the anal prism and stroke show. As Jake well, now would I put feel it. left out. I'd like to have some sort of traumatic brain injury too. Okay. All right. We'll work on that. <laughs> we'll work on it. It'll happen by the end of the show. Just let it naturally happen. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah, that's uh, this is wrong in every way. Um, what we're going to do is we'll all go over our runners up and then we've got our top three shows of the year that we will bounce back and forth on. So that's how we're going to do things going forward in the show. All right, Rebecca, I want you to talk about your runners up for television and stop at number three. You got it. So uh, I got a bunch of honorable mentions here to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about Cobra Kai with Ralph Macchio and William Zapka. Mm. Cobra Kai on YouTube Red. What a shocker. I thought it was going to be smarmy and stupid and nostalgic, but with no substance. And boy, was I wrong. It was amazing. Yes, it was nostalgic. And yeah, I got all the feels. And I teared up when uh, Daniel went to Mr. Miyagi's grave. And, And yeah, but it was amazing. There was real story there. There was all this background on on uh, Billy Zapka's character, which we never got in the movies. And uh, I, I loved that show. Um, American Woman with Alicia Silverstone on the Paramount Network. Incredible show. Alicia Silverstone playing a woman in the 70s who finds herself being a single mom, having to raise her kids because her husband cheats and she puts him out. Um, this is a woman trying to find her place in a man's world. I love that kind of shit. And it's a period piece. Costumes, hair from the 70s. Eh, amazing. Um, Slut Ever with Carly Scortino. Uh, that was the show you turned me on to, Brian. Um, yeah. It was the docu-series show of 
Carly exploring uh, women's sexuality and women taking taking back the stigma or taking away the stigma of the word slut as it's applied to us if women dare to enjoy sex. And, and I love that she explored female sexuality and talked about women just owning what they're into and what they want and what they want from a partner and not being afraid to ask for it. Um, Waco with Taylor Kitsch and Michael Shannon. Oh my God, that show... I mean, Brian, you and I and David uh, did a whole episode about it because we love that show so much. Um, Yellowstone with Kevin Costner, another um, Paramount show, uh, a Western, which I fucking love. Um, The story of like this, you know, this family who owns this incredibly huge ranch and and how things are changing in the modern world for them. Um, I also loved The Alienist this year. Uh, with Daniel Bruhl, Luke Evans, and Dakota Fanning. I mean, this was another period piece. This was set in New York uh, when Teddy Roosevelt was the police commissioner, and it's a serial killer show. Oh, my God. I mean, performances by these actors who normally are on tel- are on uh, the big screen, um, they are here doing stuff on TV. And the costumes were great. The acting was amazing. I fucking loved it. Um, and uh, nailed it. I fucking love Nailed It this year. Oh, my God. Uh, Nicole Byer and Jacques Torres and the buttercream. It was amazing. It was incredible. I I mean, I I got my mom turned on to it. My mom binged the whole show in like a weekend. Every episode, she watched it. She couldn't stop watching it. My mom does not binge network shows or any shows, really, but she loved it. Um Those are all my, my stuff that I really enjoyed this year. And so then down to my number three and this was really hard um my number three for this year is going to be altered carbon which was on netflix uh, starring joel kinnaman it was the sci-fi show that blew my mind the opening episodes um were a little confusing and they're building this world and they're kind of taking their time. But once this show kicked into high gear, oh, my God, the story, the the effects, the science in this world. And at the core of it, at the very core of this sci-fi story is a love story. And, oh, my God, at that final episode, I bawled my eyes out with how much he loved that woman. And I cannot wait for season two. There was a lot of great TV this year, guys. But yeah, uh, yeah that's my that's my number three. And it took me a long time to narrow it down because I loved every, <laughs> all these shows that I watched this year. Did you did you finish Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? No, I'm still on. Yeah. I forgot. Oh, I forgot about that. Um I am still in the middle of season two. Okay. I am savoring it a little bit. I'm not rushing through it just because I love that show and yeah. I just want to kind of stretch it out a little bit. Understandable. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I haven't started it yet. There's been so much, and I loved the first season. It was uh, one of my runners up for last year. So I I will say that season two. No spoilers. Season two starts in a way that you don't really expect, but it kind it, and I found myself being like. What what is this? Are we why getting, are we just, why is this happening? Uh, and then we, it made sense. Do we still get Lenny Bruce in the second season? Uh from what I've seen, not yet. Uh. He's mentioned, but um 
I, I haven't seen him yet. That doesn't mean he won't show up in, 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 in later episodes. It just makes me, and I don't know, have they announced, are we getting a Lenny Bruce biopic yet? I mean, is that happening or is that? I have not heard any announcement about that. I want it. I fucking want this. Me too. This show makes yeah, that me, would be fantastic. Yeah, this show makes me want a Lenny Bruce biopic so much. But yeah, um, Jake, what do you got for your runners up? Yeah, um, just a couple runners up um, before I get to my top three. Um, Escape from Domeria, the kind of the Showtime research. <laughs> you said it wrong. Uh, did I say it wrong? Escape, yeah, Escape from Domeria. That sounds there like it, no. It's Escape from Danamora, Chief. Oh, Danamora. Okay. <laughs> Demaria sounds like uh, that's not like uh, that sounds like a place that like Conan and Ro- Red Sonia would invade. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I got magic on the brain too. There's a Dominaria is a plane too, so I'm sure that probably seeped in there somehow too. No, escape. Yeah, I mean, this sh- escape at Danamora. Yeah, but yeah, this show's fantastic. A real kind of outside the box project for Ben Stiller and just. A cast, you know, unheard of for a show on Showtime, just except for these last couple of years. And yeah. another show I put on the list was Kidding, uh, just another Showtime show that yeah. kind of took me by surprise. Um, you know, honestly, since Dead Like Me, I don't think I've given a shit about original programming on Showtime. So it's really cool to see them actually doing stuff that, you know, catches my attention and I care about again. That's going to make, you know, get my money for another streaming service. Mm-hmm. So great to see jim carrey you know really in a power role again i can't imagine anyone else doing this role the way he does it you know with his career kind of meta influencing the role itself so just an amazing performance and then um i'll move on to my third place and my third place um rebecca actually already mentioned it is is nailed it on netflix uh the nicole buyer hosted cooking reality show awesome. i mean i this show is just so hysterical i absolutely love it um I don't know who's in charge of picking this, these contestants as well, but that is definitely half the magic, right? I mean, they just picked yeah. the best contestants. I, I wish we could see some of these contestants come back, honestly. So, yeah, this is great. And I know they did like the one episode where we do get to see that. Mm-hmm. So people returning. But, yeah, I, I absolutely love the show. Nicole Byer is just really entered my radar big time this year because of this show. I love the PCL buttercream references that it's brought brought to the whole thing. <laughs> oh man! So, so yeah, this this one was easy, man. I almost made this thing number two. Yeah. So it, nailed it. Was just absolutely fantastic. I uh, yeah. I'm. I'll get into my runners up here. I'm Rebecca. I'm definitely adding uh, Sled Ever. I you know, and that wasn't on my list until you said it and you reminded oh, wow. me. I love that show. I finished the whole season. I thought it was just. An amazing exploration into, uh, you know, kind of like uh, female sexuality and just mm-hmm. being, you know, kind of like uh, not being uh, women, not being afraid to just talk about their sexuality and, and, yes. and have it be so taboo. I, such a great fucking show. Um, and um, I love Sled Ever. Uh, great show. Um, uh, I'm also going to add uh, Nailed It. Uh, Nailed It was... <laughs> I love Nicole Byer. I think she I there is no other comedian that I would rather just chill and have a fucking drink with. You know, I would just love to sit around and drink margaritas with Nicole Byer and just laugh about bullshit. She is so fucking hilarious. Uh, Jake, I've also got here Escape at Danamora uh, from Showtime. Uh, I just finished the final episode. The seventh episode was uh, about an hour and 40 hour and 50 minutes and just incredible. Just incredible. Um, 
love that show. If you don't have Showtime, get a free subscription for a week or whatever the fuck and just nail, just watch Escape at Danamora. And while, you're, while you have that Showtime subscription, watch another show that made my list, Kidding, with Jim Carrey. That also made my list, Jake. I love Kidding with Jim Carrey. Uh, another runner-up, The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. I absolutely love this first season. They're going to be doing what I believe is an anthology kind of series with the second season. So we're going to kind of completely different story with The Haunting of Hill House going into season two. But this first season was just amazing. Loved Henry Thomas. Loved everything about this season. Uh, Barry on HBO uh, about the hitman from the Midwest that moves to L.A. and then gets caught up in the city's theater art scene. Uh, this show stars Bill Hader, Stephen Root, Henry Winkler, and Sarah Goldberg. Absolutely loved Barry. Barry was one of the biggest surprises for me, uh, and it really kind of solidified Bill Hader as an actor for me post Saturday Night Live. Yes, I loved the Skeleton Twins. Great movie. Needed to see more from this guy, and I got to see a lot more from Bill Hader in the first season for Barry on HBO. Highly, highly recommend this one. It is fantastic um atlanta season two. Oh my god are you kidding me uh yeah donald glover just nails it again season two was incredible love this cast absolutely like yeah you're talking i mean uh we've got uh uh, brian tyree henry um what's his name lakeith i can't is it lakeith stanfield is that his name um from um uh yes yeah yes I think he's great. Um, our uh, our domino actress. I'm I'm blanking on names right now. Zazzy uh, Beats. Zazzy Beats. Yes. Oh my gosh, she's great. Um, Rebecca, <laughs> uh, I am 100 percent in agreement with you on this show. Altered Carbon. Altered no, Carbon. So much. <laughs> I love this show. Starred Joel Kinnaman. It's set in a future where consciousness is digitized and stored and there's this crazy murder mystery and a love story and it was just an incredible show uh my final runner-up before i get to my number three is going to be and this show did come out in 2017 but it finished in 2018 i hadn't put it into last year's I had not put it into last year's Tupperwares because the se- season hadn't finished, but that season is now finished, and season two has actually started this year. But I'm going to give season one counterpart with J.K. Simmons. Oh, what a great choice. This series created by Justin Marks. This is just an incredible show. It's about a U.N. employee that discovers that the agency he works for is hiding a gateway to a parallel dimension. That's in the Cold War with our own. And this show is just absolutely incredible. There are spies on both sides, both dimensions. And everybody's trying to get information from one side or the other. Technology is different on one side from the other. All, the few, all, all these dimensions were the same up until this one year in the, in the 80s, I believe. And like after that year, when the dimensions kind of were able to cross over, things have changed on both sides. And it, this show is absolutely incredible. I love Counterpart on Stars, and my number three is going to be Cobra Kai. I loved <laughs> Cobra Kai. I nice. Uh, YouTube Red just fucking killed it this year with Cobra Kai. I 
Oh my gosh, Ralph Macchio. Like, you know, this guy's been doing other stuff. He's been in the Deuce, but man, it's always nice. And he's great in the Deuce. And the Deuce didn't even make my list this year. Uh, uh, spoilers didn't make my list this year. But the Deuce was my number one TV show last year. <laughs> and the Deuce didn't even make my list this year, which is crazy. But yeah, Ralph Macchio in Cobra Kai, it's always great to see him back as Daniel Russo. And uh, William Zapka is great in this show. I, I loved Cobra Kai, so I got to give my number three to Cobra Kai. And if you haven't seen that show and you're a fan of The Karate Kid, don't worry. It's not going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. You're still going to love The Karate Kid. And um, I would highly recommend Cobra Kai. So let's move into our number two show of the year. Rebecca, what do you got? You have no idea how much I agonized over this because I, my top two were neck and neck up until maybe about an hour before we recorded. And then I just threw my list to the side and I said, fuck it, it's done. Um, my number two TV show of the year is going to be Titans on DC Universe. It was almost my number one. Um, D- Titans on DC, I mean, this show blew me the fuck away. Um, I did not expect a ton out of the show or out of the streaming service because I had been burned by the DC on the cinematic side, but my God, one episode in, with that first fight scene in the alley with Robin, when he tells those guys, fuck Batman, when we got the Doom Patrol episode with Hawk and Dove, hmm. with the actress who's playing Starfire, Anna Diop. Jop. Um, it's, I believe it's pronounced Jop. Oh, Jop. Oh, thank the, you. I did not know that. There was okay. a basketball player. And the only reason I know this is there was a basketball player that played for the Chicago Not Chicago Bulls. He played for, uh, I can't remember who he played for. But his name was Sagana Jop, and it was spelled the exact same ah, way. Ah, okay. So. I'm sure you're right. There. Okay. Uh, uh, Anna Jop playing Starfire. Um, Tegan Croft playing Raven. These actors blew me away. Brenton Thwaite, I, I know you were a little kind of lukewarm on him. I thought he did an amazing job as both Dick Grayson and Robin. Um this show just, I mean, the violence in it, the storylines, the the absolute adultness of this show has elevated. I cannot wait to watch anything now that comes out on the DC streaming network. I mean, I will just, I'm here for it. Yeah. This show sold me to want a Doom Patrol show, which I had never heard of these characters before and now all of a sudden one episode and i'm like oh my god i love these guys what what give me more i want to read comics with these characters i want to know all about them i want a whole show with them oh look we're giving you a whole show it's incredible absolutely incredible titans um so close to being my number one but it's it's my number two of the year did you see we're getting uh felix from westworld gonna be on swap thing yes Oh my god, I was like, I love that guy. So do I. I. Wait to watch him. He's great. I love him in Westworld. Fucking A. I love Felix. Yeah, I know. Felix is like the best. Yeah. I love Felix on Westworld. It's going to be great to see him in Swamp Thing, whatever uh, whatever he's doing there. Uh, he's playing a CDC scientist, I believe, is what they said. So I'm looking forward oh, to that too. Okay, cool. Yeah, Titans. Uh, um, Jake, what's your number two? 
Uh, my number two television show for 2018 is going to be Glow Season 2 for me. Um, I, I liked this even more than the first season. It, once they'd kind of established kind of everyone, it, it felt like they kind of got to spread their wings a lot more as far as telling stories. And in fact, um, even though Glow is not my favorite television series of the year, it definitely produced my favorite single episode of the year, which was the uh, Welfare Queen episode, if you guys remember. You guys watched this, right? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just absolutely loved this episode. I, You know, I've been an in-and-out fan of professional wrestling all my life. And to see kind of these outrageous stereotyped storylines presented in this way where it's like a mother and son dynamic and like just feeling embarrassed by something that's just made up propaganda in the first place. Like the lines of reality between wrestling and real life and human emotions were done in a way that I've never seen in any kind of TV show before. And I just fell in love with this episode and they had a really, you know, it was one of the first TV shows to do any kind of like touching on the me too stuff going on in Hollywood these days. I thought it was admirable for that. Um, I liked the evolution between both Ruth and Debbie from season one. I loved Mark Maron's Sam character even more this season than the last season. Yeah, I cannot wait for season three of, of freaking Glow. This is surprisingly just one of my favorite shows Netflix has done yet. Jake, that's a great fucking choice. Um, I uh, I actually I forgot to uh, add. What is going on? Is somebody doing some carpentry over there? What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> All right, but I don't know if Bob v, Bob Villa Bob Vila was doing like a like a home project or something, <laughs> or maybe that 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 Ty Pennington was uh, telling somebody to move a bus. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck is going on. <laughs> move that bus anyway. Um, yeah, uh, I I forgot one of my runners up. One of my runners up was Daredevil season three. I apologize that should i should have mentioned that it was in between altered carbon and the other one and i'm also going to add glow season two as a runner-up jake i totally forgot about that it was an incredible fucking show yeah even better than the first i <laughs> think that was possible yeah really really good um my number two is going to be uh sharp objects from hbo i um i thought sharp objects with amy adams was just an incredible show about um this reporter, Camille Preaker, comes back to her, you know, hometown to, to cover the murders of these two preteen girls. And uh, it basically we get to learn a lot about her past. We learn about her crazy family. Um, it is just a psychological thriller throughout and um, an incredible show. So I got to give it to Sharp Objects on HBO. The uh, limited series, um, just a great, fantastic show. So Sharp Objects on HBO. All right, let's get to our number ones. Rebecca. Brian, can I, can I interrupt? Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip in front of Rebecca here because my number one is actually Sharp Objects. I had a feeling it was. Mind. I had a feeling it was. Yeah, Yeah, uh, I had to give this my number one. Brian, you've known me long enough. It takes a lot for a television show to get me to the point where I have to watch that episode within 24 hours of it airing. And honestly, this was the only show that did it to me this year. Like after seeing that first episode, I I was just hooked. Um, Yeah, unbelievable. Almost very David Fincher-esque in its directing, in my opinion. Very much so. And that that goes without saying, right? This is based off of another Flynn book, um, you know, who wrote Gone Girl, which is a David Fincher movie. 
So it, it definitely very much had that feel. Just love that creepy family feel that this had. I forget the actress that played her mother, but oh my gosh, she was just fantastic. Like if we did just best TV actress, I might, I might give it to her and actually Google her name. That too. was uh, Patricia Clarkson, I believe. Yeah, it just uh, blew me away. Like the Preaker family was so messed up. You could see how, you know, Amy Adams' main character, you know, Camille got to be like, you can't really relate with her, which is kind of off-putting, but you can kind of understand the puzzle pieces that got her to be so messed up in the first place. And Mm -hmm. just what a crazy, you know, shitty family portrait on HBO. Yeah, this was just fantastic. And knowing that it's one and done and you don't have to worry about any kind of cliffhanger and getting the full story. Yeah, this one just really sucked me in if anyone out there missed sharp objects i mean same thing with like getting the free week of showtime you can easily get the free week or month of hbo and just binge this thing it's eight episodes and you could easily do this thing in two days it'll suck you right in yeah this show is addictive as fuck dude it was so good it was like crack I've never tried crack, but I'm assuming it's good. <laughs> yeah, it was almost unfortunate that this was the show that I like had to watch right away because it, I was never satisfied when it was over. I always just wanted more. And, you know, I have not yeah. revisited it and watched like just all eight episodes in a row. That would be a fun watch. I, I mean, just the casting on this show was incredible. I mean, you had um, the, the young version of Camille was uh, Sophia Lillis, which was the, you know, the girl from uh, the It film. And she was great. And then the younger sister, um, Eliza Scanlon. Oh, my God, she was good. Oh, she was so creepy. Yeah, so good. Yeah, Sharp Objects, man. Fucking great show. I, I kind of felt like this was going to be your number one. And I can't fault you. It is a fantastic show. Rebecca, what do yeah, you got? So sorry, sorry to cut in front of you there, Rebecca. Oh, no, that's fine. Um so, yeah, Jake, you and I are on the same wavelength because Sharp Objects is my number one as well. Um, I I struggled between this one and Titans, but at the end of the day, I I gave it to Sharp Objects strictly because of Amy Adams' performance of a woman who cannot help but destroy herself. And that just – her performance really sucked me in um, – one of the things I thought that was really so um, so important in this show was talk was showing how all the different ways that Camille destroys herself, the way that she self destructs through cutting, through uh, her drinking, um, and when you see the extent of how much she has cut herself, it is shocking and. To think of, like, all the makeup that went into making it look like she was um, a lifetime cutter um, was incredible to me. And if if anyone has not watched this, when you watch the last episode, watch past the credits. There is a very brief scene. There's two post-credit scenes. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. There are two post-credit scenes that tie this whole show together and talking about a dysfunctional family talking about people that don't know how to show love without hurting each other is just so I couldn't look away like and and Jake I have gone back and watched the whole the whole series as like a 
Like in, in a day, I watched all the episodes together again, and it is so powerful to watch it. It's almost, it's almost uh, painful to watch it all at once because of how deep it is. You know what I mean? Like it, it's almost like halfway through, like I wanted to take a break and like watch something else or like go lay down or something. Like it was just it, it, it impacts you so much and. It's just, yeah, it's it, it's my number one TV show of the year. Inched out Titans by just a tiny bit, but I, I thought Sharp Objects was some of the best TV we've seen. And Amy Adams just, she just continues to impress me, um, and especially in, in this show. Amy Adams hasn't done anything wrong, in my opinion. Like, no, I don't, I don't not think really. I don't think, no, I, I honestly can't tell you I've seen her in anything bad. Like, even her, like, Lois Lane, it's not her fault it's like what they've given her and she's done a great job with what they've given her i mean she's just she's just incredible i've never seen her in a bad performance yeah she's fantastic my number one is titans um this yeah this was like a game time decision for me i i love striped objects but like Titans had everything not going for it going going into this year like i did not think that they would be able to pull this off you know, with like the current state of like the DCEU and where that was at. And with this being a DC project and with them launching this service, I was just like, how are they going to do this? And then this show just blew me away. I, it was fun. I just had fun watching this show every week and every episode was just so different. This is not like watching, I've given, I, I have not I have not made this announcement on the show. I have stopped watching the CW shows. Um, I'm not watching any of the CW shows. I mm. totally quit. I you know, and it just started with this season. After the last seasons of Supergirl and The Flash, and last season I dropped off of uh, Legends of Tomorrow mid season. I stopped watching Supergirl after last season and stopped watching Flash after last season. I'm just done. And mm-hmm. I am 100% on board with Titans. Akiva Goldsman is killing it on Titans. This show is incredible. Love Hawk and Dove. Love Doom Patrol. Um, I love the, the blend of humor with the adult violence, the adult language. Everything works. Everything works on Titans. The the action, the choreography is amazing. I um, the I, I haven't I haven't loved a show this much since like watching like you know like the new Doctor Who that came out. Like this is just like one of those shows. Like I love watching it week to week. Yeah, I kind of like held off on the last four episodes, but I did binge them, and they were just as incredible. This is. Titans is just a phenomenal fucking show. I I got to give it to Titans and I can't wait for the next season. I'm hoping that we get Nightwing. So um yeah, Titans Titans just edges out sharp objects for me this year. So if you don't have a DC Universe subscription, get one. It is that good. And now I can't wait for fucking uh Swamp Thing. I cannot wait for Swamp. I can't wait for Doom Patrol. I can't wait for Stargirl. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, I, I just yeah. cannot fucking wait. So let's move into our next category, which is going to be our director of the year. Pop culture leftovers, director of the year. 
the best director of the year. So when I'm on stage, I want quiet on the set. NWA take All right. So yeah, Rebecca, we'll start with you and you can go over your runners up for uh the director of the year. I have a I have a fuck ton. Um but uh go ahead and go over your uh director's runners up. Yeah, so I have a I also have a bunch of runners up here. Um so some standouts to me um, this year were uh, Steven Spielberg for The Post, uh, one of my favorite movies that I saw early in the year. Um, of course, uh, Meryl Streep is in that. Tom Hanks is in that. It's really the story of how The Washington Post broke the news about Nixon, a powerful, powerful movie about First Amendment rights. Just so good. And I love the way Spielberg – it's a very – Spielbergian movie, you know, uh, at the core is uh, hu- human nature and people search for the truth. And um, it's it's very Spielberg, but I love the way that he shot this film. And it's another period piece, of course, uh, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Max Winkler for the movie Flower. That was a very, very small movie that I talked about on PCL Earlier last year, um, that was the movie about the young girl who's very sexually curious. And um, halfway through, the movie takes a really odd turn. And she uh, goes on this crazy adventure with one of her friends. Um, uh, To me, I I just thought Max Winkler, that's Henry Winkler's son, actually. He, uh, I think it's one of his first movies he's directed. I thought he did an amazing job with that movie. Um, Paul Schrader for First Reformed, uh, another movie that I loved this year with Ethan Hawke as a priest. This movie was wild and out there, and it kind of blew my mind with how uh, odd it was. But Paul Schrader just, like, killed it. I thought it was so well shot. I watched that this week, by the way. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, Uh, uh, Canopy added, like I said a few weeks ago on the show, Canopy added all the A24 films. Right, right, right. And First Reformed was one of those movies that I had not watched. And, uh, yeah, um, that movie is wild. Oh, my God. It's so weird. (laughs) Halfway through, not even halfway through, three quarters through, I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? This is insane. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I've never seen anything like it. I I would never have predicted, like, (laughs) it goes down Mm -hmm. some strange roads. Oh, I know. It goes roads, and you're like, Okay, did not see that coming. Yeah. Oh wow, definitely did not see that coming. Yeah, and the and <laughs> yeah. the ending, I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. First reformed. Okay, yeah. Um, Lynn Ramsey for "You Were Never Really Here." Uh, that was the Joaquin Phoenix movie. Um, <clears throat> I thought oh, God, that's another great movie. I loved her direction on it. Um, John Krasinski for "A Quiet Place." Um, absolutely, just. Wow. No clue how how good of a director he, he is. Um, I thought for a first a first effort into a major motion picture, I thought he did amazing. Um, Wash Westmoreland for Colette. I thought that was shot incredibly well and directed so beautifully. This was a labor of love that he started with his husband and then his husband passed away, but he continued the work on the film and was finally able to bring it to the big screen. Uh, Ryan Coogler for Black Panther. 
God. I mean, Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan just should make every movie out there ever. Like, they just work so well together. Oh, uh, yeah. Watching watching him direct Michael B. Jordan and then Chadwick Boseman and all these amazing characters, what he did with the world of Wakanda, I just oh, have you I seen, loved it. Have you seen uh, Fruitvale Station? Absolutely, I have. Oh, I fucking love that movie. So great. That's an incredible film. Another like labor of love for from Ryan Coogler. Um, I, I got to mention the Russos for Infinity War. I thought, yeah, we've seen them direct a bunch of stuff before, but this was a culmination of ten years of movies, and the Russos have put their heart and soul and blood, sweat, and tears into it. And I thought this was another movie that they just they juggled so many characters so well to the point that you never felt like anybody didn't get enough screen time. At least for me, I didn't feel like, uh, I, every time I would start to think, Hey, I, I wonder what, what, uh, you know, um, visions up to boom, there would be vision in the next scene. And Hey, but what about cap? Oh, there's a, now, now there's a scene with cap. And so he would like, they were like anticipating to not, uh, not anticipating, but they were like basically just, um, balancing it out so everybody got a good amount of screen time um, and then also too this was another game time decision Alex Garland for Annihilation I loved that movie that movie was another one that was wild and weird and mm. sci-fi and out there but my god was it beautifully shot and incredibly well directed um, but I gotta give my number three spot to Boots Riley for Sorry to Bother You. Uh, I, yeah. I I know not your favorite. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know not your yeah. favorite. Um, I know I was I was way higher on that movie than you were. Um, I know. It's I, it's it's crazy because like either people loved it or they didn't yeah. like it. And most people loved that movie. So Yeah. And and I totally get like where you're coming from and your review of it. Um I felt like for me, Boots Riley just gave me a movie that when the twist happens, when the thing happens, and I won't spoil it, no one, you haven't seen it, but when the thing happens that happens, I sat forward in my seat in the theater and I was like, whoa. And I sat that way the rest of the movie because I just couldn't <laughs> wait to see what was going to happen next. And <laughs> that so rarely happens to me in a movie that I'm on the, I was literally on the edge of my seat because, and not because of like, tension or scariness or horror but just because i was so intrigued i had to like i wanted to get closer to the screen um that that's my number three is boots riley i know not your favorite movie of the year yeah. but um i i loved it i know I, I can i understand with that movie i understand i'm getting the directorial nod i understand that <laughs> i get it i get it no it makes sense <laughs> like if if it would have been like if this would have been a graphic novel like i it, it was so weird what happens in that movie, Rebecca. I know. I know it's weird. That's why I loved it. Uh, it was so all right. fucking weird. All right. Jake, what do you got for your directors, man? Uh, I, I have just one honorable mission in a top three. Though I got to say, listen to Rebecca, listening to Rebecca, man. I wish um, Alex Garland would have made my list. I, I need to revisit Annihilation because still only seen it the once. And it was still kind of uh, it did not do it for me. But I've heard so much good stuff about it in a lot of people's year-end list. And I'm like, man, I need to go back and check that movie out again. Because I don't know if just the hype from how much I loved Ex Machina was in the back of my head. 
and maybe just the whole meaning of it was lost on me but and the ending was kind of weird but i need to revisit that because i really love that director but yeah, my, my only honorable mention is the Russo brothers. Um, and yeah, a lot of the same stuff Rebecca said. Like, I think we all had faith that they were going to be able to handle this job. But to see it executed so perfectly, like they were just master chefs in the kitchen with this, you know, and they put you know just the right amount of each ingredient in. And even I was a little bit cynical and worried like, oh, well, these two guys are the Captain America movie guys. So it's going to be a little bit more, you know, gluttonous with what they're going to do with Captain America which you know wasn't the case at all he was probably one of the least screen time characters of you know the big main characters in the whole series in this movie so yeah the russo brothers really knocked it out of the park like i said we all it's not that we didn't think they they couldn't do they could do it but i'm really surprised at how well it was pulled off can't wait to see uh if they can stick the landing in 2019 here but yeah that's the only honorable mention i have all right who's your number three Oh, my number three is actually uh, Ryan Coogler from Black Panther. Um, just an amazing job. There's lots of um, petition right now to actually try to, you know, get the movie nominated for Best Picture. And, you know, I'd love to see him get nominated for Best Director. I think, you know, we've seen so many of these Marvel movies and we've seen the formula and we kind of know the cookie cutterness that happens in them. And I, I think more than any of these movies like this and Guardians of the Galaxy, you really, you know, felt that personal stamp. Of a, of a director really, you know, putting his all into it. And you could really feel, you know, Ryan Coogler making just a not cookie cutter Marvel movie. And I just absolutely loved it. You know, it's a lot of people even complain about like the CGI, but you know, the, the CGI is definitely very spotty in that movie, but I, <laughs> there's so much, you know, Ryan Coogler emotion and the fact that he was able to, you know, out, out of the what eighteen Marvel movies, only four of them have decent villains, and this is one of them. And I, I think a lot of that's Coogler too, and his direction. You know, teaming up with Michael B. Jordan, like you guys were talking about, just it, it's a dream team. So yeah, easily Ryan Coogler for my number three. Nice. I have you guys know I watch a fuck ton of movies, and so I have a fuck ton of directors that I want to give some. <laughs> I want to give some love to, and. Uh, First off, I'm going to give uh, my love to a TV director here, Ben Stiller, for Escape of Danamora. Um, this is the uh, – talk, we talked about it earlier. It's about the, uh, you know, the, the prison breakout. Uh, you got Paul Dano, Benicio Del Toro, and Patricia Arquette. And uh, Patricia Arquette plays an employee at a prison who becomes romantically involved with a, a couple of these inmates played by Paul Dano and Benicio Del Toro, and she helps them escape. Uh, I'm also going to give, uh, the Russo brothers, uh, you know, um, for their, for their work on infinity war and not here, just like everybody else for the same reasons. I thought that they, they definitely deserve a nod for like the balancing act that they did with all these actors. I mean, and all these different characters that they had to give screen time to is a fucking amazing film. Uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa for before we vanish. I <laughs> fucking loved this movie got to see this one in the theaters. If you want to watch it now, you can watch it on Hulu. But it's about uh, three aliens take possession of host bodies, human bodies. Uh, they they assume human form, and with their technology, skills, and strength and endurance, they invade Earth and uh, try to take over the planet. This is an incredible movie. It's got a lot of humor in it too, and it works. 
Um, but uh, cannot wait to see my next Kiyoshi Kurosawa film. Fantastic movie. Uh, Peter Jackson, for all the work that he did with They Shall Not Grow Old. I just reviewed this one last week. I love this fucking documentary. They basically did all this meticulous work, you know, uh, taking these old, all this old World War I footage and uh, making it 24 frames per second, colorizing it, adding audio. Adding audio. Just, it's a labor of love from Peter Jackson. Did a great job with this one. Lee Winnell, the director for Upgrade. I loved fucking Upgrade. This is one of those movies that caught me by surprise. And one of the reasons I loved it so much was because of director Lee Winnell. And um, it's about uh, Gray Trace, played by Logan Marshall Green. Um, you know, he has these guys who left him for dead and killed his wife and left him paralyzed and he couldn't walk. So they had this, so this device called stem is like a artificial intelligence and it takes over his body and allows him to walk again. And it, like I said on a previous episode, it's kind of like the crow meets a black mirror episode. And, and Lee Winnell is such a great director when it comes to action. Um, Anish Shaganti for Searching loved this movie. This was the movie that takes one hundred percent on a takes place one hundred percent on a computer screen. It ta- it's it's basically a whole movie that takes place on a computer screen, and uh, a sixteen year old girl goes missing, and uh, the father, played by John Cho, tries to find the clues to find his missing daughter. Um, Barry Jenkins for If Beale Street Could Talk. Just saw this one yesterday. Had to drive two fucking hours away to see this movie. But I love Barry Jenkins. Moonlighting, as you know, uh, Moonlight, as you know, won um, a uh, tuppy for me uh, for best film in the past. And I just did not think that it would be a Tupperware awards show if I didn't get a chance to see If Beale Street Could Talk. So I drove two fucking hours away to watch this movie, and it was definitely worth it. Um, Yargos Lanthimos for The Favorite. Uh, just saw this one last week, and um, I, I really enjoyed this movie, so I want to give some love to The Favorite. Uh, Lynn Ramsey for You Were Never Really Here. Rebecca, this is it's coming up again. You said this one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, so you got good. Joaquin Phoenix playing a traumatized veteran who tracks down missing girls for a living. And this movie was just incredible. And Lynn Ramsey, she did a great job here. And it's just an awesome film. I highly recommend this one. Alex Garland for Annihilation. Yeah. Love Alex Garland. And uh, – this 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 had to pop up on the list. I, I loved this movie. Love this movie. Great female cast here. Love Tessa Thompson. Um, she's great in the movie. Uh, what's her name? What's her name? The main girl. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman in this one. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we got Oscar Isaac. But I loved Alex Garland. I loved Annihilation. Fantastic film. Ryan Coogler, again, for Black Panther. Had to throw that out there. I loved him as well. I, I love Black Panther. Ryan Coogler is a great director for that film. Uh, Peter Farrelly for Green Book. Absolutely loved Green Book. Green Book with uh, Mahersa, Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen. Um, this movie deals with uh, uh, Tony Lip, 
he's a bouncer and he starts to work for a uh, American classical pianist Don Shirley as his uh, driver as uh, they tour the deep south in the 1960s where uh, people are not uh, so it, there's a lot of uh, racial segregation and um, so everywhere they go is uh, you know they've They've got problems with, with um, you know, a lot of white America down in the South and how they deal with Mahershala Ali's character of Don Shirley in this one. And it was just a beautiful movie. And Peter Farrelly, known for, you know, the Farrelly brothers, known for comedy, um, just put together a fantastic film. John Krasinski, directorial debut here for A Quiet Place. Loved that movie. Uh, a movie where the characters can't make any sounds. They can't make any noise. Um, uh, otherwise a creature could, could hunt them down. Um, shit. How many more do I have before? Yeah. Okay. Two more. <laughs> uh, Deborah Granick for leave no trace. I loved leave no trace. Saw this one in the theater. Uh, you've got, uh, will this character will played by Ben Foster and his teenage daughter, Tom, um, they have lived off the grid in the, uh, forests of Portland, Oregon. And, um, the reason is basically Ben Foster's character was in the war and he's suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And he just wants to get away from civilization. Wants it wants to be out in the woods where it's quiet and, and he's raising his daughter out there. And, um, you know, they, they, uh, they're living on uh, land owned by, you know, the government. And so they're both put into social services and it's about uh, their struggle. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada for Blind Spotting. I had not watched this movie yet. So I watched it this morning. It was only playing in one theater here for maybe a week and I did not get a chance to see it. And I had to see this movie. I love this fucking. Has anybody have, have any, either of you seen Blind Spotting yet? No. Rebecca, I don't think so. No. Please seek this movie out. Oh my god! I fucking. What is this one? That, what is this one about? Colin must make it through his final three days of probation for a chance at a new beginning. He and his troublemaking childhood best friend Miles work as movers and are forced to watch their old neighborhood become a trendy spot in the rapidly gentrifying Bay Area. When a life-altering event causes Colin to miss his mandatory curfew, the two men struggle to maintain their friendship as the changing social landscape exposes their differences, explores the intersection of race and class set against the backdrop of Oakland. This movie is fucking incredible, and this director is amazing. I loved Blind Spotting. So, um... Yeah, and then I'll get to my number three, and then I'll pass it off to you guys. My number three for best director of the year is Bradley Cooper for Stars Born. Um, yeah, I saw this movie twice in the theater. It's a powerful, powerful movie. This is his directorial debut. I, I fucking love this movie. I fucking love The Stars Born. Um, he plays Jackson Maine, and um, everything. I thought the direction was fantastic. I know a lot of people did not care for some of the directions and for some of the close-up shots and things like that. But I, I thought it was an, I thought I thought it was an amazing. I thought it was amazing direction, and you really got to feel how these characters were feeling. And I, I thought the love story was incredible. 
I, I absolutely love the star is born. So that's my number three is Bradley Cooper. So I'll pass it off to Rebecca for her number two. My number two is a move is a director in a movie that you mentioned. Uh, it's Lee one L for upgrade. Nice. Um, oh my two, God. Awesome. I love this movie so much. It is so fucking good. It is. It's sci-fi. It's, and then the camera angles with the hyper-violent action as you are with this guy who's paralyzed. And when Stem takes over to help him fight these, like, super fast moves, um, the camera angles and the cuts and the way that it's shot. And it is so amazing. The story is incredible. There's a, a fantastic twist in this story, but the direction is just so incredible. I mean, I want to see this guy direct so much more. I want to see him do, I want to see him do more action stuff. I want to see him maybe uh, dip his toe into maybe a little comedy. Um, But I, I want to see him do more movies and wow. Like this movie surprised me. Like I, I going in, I kind of knew I would like it, but I didn't expect to love it. And it's just a lot of that goes to the director and the choices that he made for how it was shot. When he chose to speed up the film to get those super fast fighting scenes. Oh, my God. I just I can't say enough good things about this movie. And mm-hmm. I just I loved it. I I have to get that. That's my number two. I bought this movie day one on Blu-ray. Oh, dude, I I've. I've watched it again since it was in the theater and it it holds up on the small screen at home because the story is so engaging and the way that the director shot this movie, it keeps you involved. You're like in the driver's seat with this guy as he's uh, as he's being controlled by STEM. You're right there with him. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's a lot. That's all the director. It's just so good. Fucking a Lee Winnell. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Jake, who do you got for your number two? Uh, my number two is actually um, John Krasinski for a quiet place. Um, first time director here. I was just blown away by this. I um, watched a lot of the special features now that this has been available on VOD and like the links that he went to, to get the movie that he got just really impressed me. Like he was made sure that, pretty much no one on the crew was talking like they kind of developed their own system of letting people know when and what things were going on as far as the production and the filming of the movie so that the crew itself was a silent operating crew on the movie set which i'm sure had to add to you know the actors emotions and kind of feeling that isolation and it also was very interesting that they were able to record the natural sounds in the movie by doing that like just simple things like rolling dice and stuff like that that in a normal movie you don't get those sounds you have to have a foley artist come in and you know make fake rolling dice sounds and put that in later but because of just like the rigorous directing process that he went through for this movie they were able to catch so many natural sounds on set from things making noises and that's just something that you haven't seen in, in just honestly any movie 
for the last, you know, 50 years is natural sound work without Foley artist and outside settings, especially. So just really impressive. Like he, he obviously is, this craft is very important to him and this is his first outing. So who knows like what he has in his imagination for his next movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited to see what the future holds for, uh, John Krasinski as a film director. Yeah. He's awesome. He's incredible. Great, great directorial debut from him. Fucking great movie too. So, uh, my number two is Bo Burnham for eighth grade. Um, Bo Burnham is a stand-up comedian. I mean, this, <laughs> and what's wild about this is like I didn't realize how personal of a story this was. I mean, it's a story about an introver- introverted teenage girl and her last week of eighth grade, and um, he's a stand-up comedian, but he got his fame when he was a teenager by doing YouTube videos and he was riffing on his insecurities. And so like this story kind of like makes sense and it's uniquely his story, but he's telling it here through the story of Kayla and this movie for me, it would have you, there's a part in this movie, Rebecca, have you seen this one? No, not yet. I missed it in the theater. Okay. And I, I know you raved about mm-hmm. it, and I really want to see it. There's a, It feels like a horror movie at times. There's a scene in this one with her and a teenage boy in a car that makes your stomach turn. And it oh, like, boy. And, um, but immediately after that, like we get a scene with her and another boy and you're laughing out loud. And like, it's like, it's like Bo knows that like we, Bo Burnham knew that we needed that scene. We needed, we needed something to get over that. It's like, and like, as I'm watching this, it's like, this movie was so powerful to me. And it was, mm-hmm. it was, um, because this girl has her own voice and she has her own personality, but she's very introverted and scared to bring herself out. She's so awkward in social situations, but like you being the viewer and seeing her by herself, you kind of like get to see like that look of like who she really is. And then you get to see her dorky dad. Who's like a single father trying to like raise this teenage girl and how hard it is. And it's, it's such a, it's such a personal and I don't know in some ways in in many ways there's times where it feels like it's a fucking like horror film like watching this poor girl go through what she goes through and you I wanted to like there's a scene where I just wanted to jump into the movie and save her I was just it just I loved this movie and Bo Burnham this is his directorial debut and I can't wait to see what this guy has in store in the future he was such a great director for this one. So let's move on into our number one choice for director of the year. Rebecca, who is your number one director? So my number one uh, is a director in a movie that has been mentioned already. And I just want to add that um, I, I forgot to include Barry Jenkins on my honorable mentions for Beale Street because mm. uh, I did see that also. So I'm glad you brought it up because I completely forgot so I would like to add Barry Jenkins to my honorable mentions because that movie yeah. is incredible. Um, but my number one is going to be Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born. Um, I picked him as my number one because, I mean, I think Bradley Cooper's a fine actor. I've enjoyed a lot of his work. and 
But then to find out he was directing this movie, when, when I first heard that, my, my knee-jerk reaction was, oh boy, this is not going to go well. Um, and then I was so surprised. I was so shocked. I fell in love with every character in this movie. I fell in love with Bradley Cooper as an actor and a director. I fell in love with Lady Gaga. I fell in love with Andrew Dice Clay as her, as her, as her dad. Like, he made me love everybody in this movie. Even when his character is being an asshole and a jerk, I still loved him. And it's hard to do that. And this was like the year of director of directors that came out of nowhere and like surprised you with what they could do. And, and Bradley Cooper surprised the hell out of me with what he could do. As much as I enjoy his acting, I want to see way more of his directing. I want to see him do a lot more stuff. I want to see him take on more projects, interesting projects and bring his eye, his, his viewpoint, his, his, point of view to these projects and yeah so and, and I've seen all the previous versions of A Star is Born many times and I, I, I enjoy them all but this was the first one that really to me flushed out the characters as much as it did and a lot of that has to do with him as the director and that scene with him and his brother in the car you know what I'm talking oh, about yeah. The, the, yeah that scene brought me to tears and there's so few words in that scene and it's all told through emotion and looks and body language and oh my god I just like thinking about it now makes me emotional because of what I know happens later and mm-hmm. and it's just yeah I he 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 gets he gets my my number one vote for Star is Born Bradley awesome. Cooper awesome yeah Jake uh, what do you got yeah, it's it's same here actually. It's Bradley Cooper for a Star is Born. I mean, exactly. Like just on paper, this thing could have just been a big mess. I mean, this is actually something the fourth remake of A Star is Born is something that Hollywood's been shopping around for a long time and it's been through a bunch of different iterations before it finally got made. And a lot of times when that's the case, you end up with just some, you know, cookie cutter paint by numbers Hollywood bullshit. And that was definitely not the case here. Yeah, at one point it was like Clint Eastwood was directing this thing, Bradley Cooper was starring in it, Beyonce was gonna be the female lead before it finally, you know, years later ended up in the form we got. And Bradley really just, you know, made it so personal and made it so good. And just from, you know, getting with, um, you know, Willie Nelson's kid and getting with Lady Gaga and spending over a year just thinking about this movie before directing it is just just really impressive to me. And, yeah, the actual direction job, it was just so much work, right? Because this is just kind of so many movies in one right you're kind of directing a live performance movie you're directing a little bit of a rom-com a little bit of a drama and then it you know just how you know heartbreaking it becomes during the second half it's almost gut-wrenching to watch you know but wow you know he holds no punches and he doesn't you know try to glorify anything in this movie and i I absolutely love it for it i I agree this is also you know my favorite version of this movie i've seen and i've seen all four too grandma loved the chris christopherson version of this so i've seen that many a time but yeah oh me too (laughs) i love the chris christopherson barbara streisand one i think it's just it's so 70s i love it so much (laughs) yeah i think technically it may be the worst one 
Probably, but, but I still love it for how terrible it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's the nostalgia factor a little bit for that one. But yeah, wow, I can't wait to see what Bradley Cooper's next next project will be, you know? And if it's something that he takes as much care as he did with this, it may not be. It may be three to five years before we see another Bradley Cooper-directed movie, honestly. My, so that is my number two. My number, uh, that's your number one. Oh, my number one. Yeah, da 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 Sorry, brain fart. Numbers are strange. Um, I know. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's that aneurysm again. <laughs> yeah. uh, my number one is uh, Alfonso Curran for uh, Roma. Um, this is one that I saw in the theaters. Just I and actually just reviewed it like a few weeks ago. So um, this is fresh off my theatrical view. Have either of you seen Roma yet? Not yet. Yeah, me neither. I need to. I love Quran. It's on fucking Netflix, people. Just like it, just fire up your Netflix, please. No, um, it's it's on Netflix. You can watch it on Netflix. And um, this is such a personal story from Alfonso. It's about uh, his. Uh, it's it's his life, not his life, but it's the life of his maid that 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 the, the his family made when he was growing up. So it's ninety percent of this story is true about this woman. Um, I believe her name was in the movie. It's Cleo, but in real life, her name was Lebo. I believe, and um, it's it's such a. Uh, it's an amazing and moving film. And Quran basically captures like 1970s Mexico City in such. I couldn't tell you what Mexico City looked like in 1970, but I feel like I know what it looks like now because of Quran and his amazing director, uh, uh, his, his work here. He did the cinematography as well. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. And um, this movie was just very powerful. And it kind of sneaks up on you. This movie really sneaks up on you. And I'd say in like, like the third act of this film, it just kind of all hits. And uh, it's very powerful. It's a very powerful movie. Um, and from un, an unlikely um, main character. You know, usually, in like, like I said in my main review, you usually get the story of the family, not the story of the maid. And that's what we got here. And that's it's 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 an incredible fucking film, and uh, yeah, Roma, uh, Afonso Cuarón, um, loved this director, loved Gravity, loved you know loved his fucking Harry Potter movie for crying out loud. So, and and I loved Roma. So let's move on into our next category, which is going to be Female Actor of the Year. Female Actor of the Year. Yeah, we'll start with our runners-up. And uh, Rebecca, what do you got? So, yeah, I I got a bunch. I'll run through them real quickly. Um, There were a lot of women who just did amazing work this year. Um, I want to talk about Jessica Chastain and Molly's Game. Um, That movie, I didn't know what to expect going into it, but, boy, did she knock it out of the park. I thought... 
she was so convincing to me as this this person who went from being like a secretary uh, or even before that from being like a uh, um, an an Olympic sports person then to losing that and and moving into like being a secretary and then becoming like running her own poker game and then having to fight for um, her freedom and, and not uh, to be locked up and lose everything. Um, I thought she was incredible in this movie. Um, Zoe Deutsch, who was in flower, she played the main uh, character. She played the young girl who is 16. She's not 16 in real life. She is an adult because in this movie, she does a lot of adult things. Um, She's 16 years old in this movie, though, and she loves giving blowjobs, and that's what she does. And she charges, she either charges men for them or she extorts money from these men because her goal is she wants to get away from her mom and her stepfather. Um, she blew me away. I think this may be her first big thing. Um, she's incredible, an incredibly talented young actor. I want to see her do a lot more stuff. Um, Olivia Coleman in The Favorite. She played the Queen, Queen Anne. I thought she was incredible. Um, I thought she she sold it as this incredibly needy person who, at the end of the day, is more in control of things than everyone around her thinks that she is. And I, I kind of, I loved her portrayal of that. I thought she was amazing. Candy Newton this year in Westworld, I thought she stole the season. Um, she was incredible, as she's incredible in everything that she does. Um, I really loved her. Were you, uh, were you a big fan of her in Mission Impossible 2, Rebecca? Were you? No, I was not. Sh- but, I'm uh, not but I'm not a fan of Mission Impossible movies. Get out that of here. Get out of here. Leave, leave my show right now. Uh, okay. Good night, everybody. Um, <laughs> um, Rosamund Pike for Hostels. Uh, I thought she stole that movie personally. Um, she was incredible in that film. There's a scene in that movie where um, they have to dig graves, and she goes up on this hill, and she's like, "No, I'm going to do this. I'm going to dig this grave." And she, the the earth uh. is so tough, so hard packed. She the the shovel can't make it through. She doesn't have the strength. She gets down on her hands and knees and starts clawing at the ground. And she has a complete emotional breakdown. And it happens early in the film. And my God, I, I lost it. Like the even the man sitting next to me, whoever he was, he was sniffling. Like grown men were crying in this movie at her performance. I just I thought she was incredible. That was a good movie. And that was oh, that was a it. powerful scene. That that scene to me I thought was probably the most powerful scene in the movie if I'm as I recall, but to me I just I don't know, every time she was on the screen, I couldn't look at anybody else. I just I, I was always drawn to her. Um Jesse Buckley, who was in Beast, uh, was another small movie that I saw this year. It was an odd film. Um, she she played uh, Lorna Bow in T- Taboo. Oh, I know. Film. You don't have to tell me. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that name would ring a bell. Oh, yeah. yes. I love her. Okay, cool. Yeah, I um, I didn't make the connection right away. I'm watching this movie, and I'm going, oh, my God, who is this woman? She's so familiar. She's so familiar. And I had to Google it later, and I was like, oh, fuck me. That's why. Lorna Bow. I love that show, and I loved her character. Um, 
Beast was a weird movie. It made you question who was a good guy, who was a bad guy. And she did an incredible job in this movie. If you haven't seen it, I really encourage you to seek it out. Um, it is a small film that did not get a big release, but man, I thought she uh, stole the show in that one. Um, uh, real quick also, Regina King in If Beale Street Could Talk. She plays the mother. Yeah. Um, I thought she was amazing. Um, but my number three is going to be Lady Gaga for A Star is Born. I thought she did an incredible job for her first, if I'm not mistaken, her first role in a, in a big motion picture like this. Um, she stepped out of her comfort zone because she normally is the person that puts on all the makeup and does the performance art. That's who she is. That's how she likes to, that, that's, that's who she is. That's where she feels comfortable. And she had to step out of that comfort zone in this movie to portray a, a woman who was uncomfortable being in the spotlight. And I thought she sold me. She convinced me that that's who she was. And um, yeah, she's my, she's my number three. There you go. Nice. Um, Jake, what do you got? Yeah, I just have a couple um, honorable mentions before I get to my top three. Um, I wanted to bring up Aubrey Plaza for the Legion season two. Um, I thought she had to do even more work as Lenny in the second season than she did, did in the first. And I thought she did an incredible job. Um, I also wanted to bring up Tessa Thompson um, for the Thor Ragnarok. I thought Thor Ragnarok was a movie that was kind of um, that came out in 2017 though. Jake. Oh, that came out in 2017. I'm yeah. crazy. I also wanted to bring up 2017, Jake. <laughs> it was a good year. <laughs> well, I guess I have one honorable mention. <laughs> it came out in November 2017. I'm sorry to get technical. Hey, remember technical? No, no, no. no. Te- I, at one point, I used to be Mr. Technical. <laughs> that was until the, the an- until the aneurysm. <laughs> that was. <laughs> 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 it's fucked up when I gotta keep you in line. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> Go ahead. God. I can't even think. Now I'm like crying. Jesus. That is. I only. Um, oh, my number. I guess I can move on to my number three. Then number three. Oh my gosh! Um, I have Amy. I have Amy Adams from Sharp Objects. I'm her yeah. first television. You know, perf- I, I believe it's her first big television role. I, I could be wrong about that. I guess I'll fact check me later. But yeah, it just blew me away. Just such a vulnerable role, um, and you know, a really nuanced role. It's like that character where everyone you know thinks she's so great and she's so popular, but then you know, it's not phony baloney like she really has a lot of demons and through her acting you you see exactly what they are and there is no blanket over them and yeah wow just what a powerful powerful performance and and just all the you know the scarring and all the work that she had to go through to do that i'm just incredible so yeah amy adams is my number three i'd be fucked up if jake started bringing up like uh you know yeah, Judy Garland uh, for her performance in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, that came out in 1938. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, I'm going to give this one to uh, Orson Welles. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's like, uh, who played Scarlet in Gone with the Wind? She was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Gone with the Wind. Yeah. <laughs> and my comic book movie of the year is The Shadow with uh, Alex. <laughs> The Buster Crab cereal of Flash Gordon <laughs> from the 30s. <laughs> oh, my You're ridiculous. Oh, my God. Jake. I think I need a break. <laughs> we broke Jake. Oh, man. I hate to be that guy. Like, when you're. When you're when you're saying you're like you're trying to say you love Tessa Thompson's performance, and I'm trying to tell you I'm sorry you can't love it right now because that happened in 2017. Oh man, what's fucked up? Like, did she make your list last year? Because wouldn't it be fucked mm. up if she didn't? And now you're getting around to it. Yeah, that would have been really shitty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Um. Let me go through my runners up here. Uh, Betty Gilpin for Glow season two. Uh, we already talked about uh, Glow season two. I love Betty Gilpin. I think she is amazing. Uh, absolutely love that actor. Uh, Thomason McKenzie. Um, she plays Tom in Leave No Trace. And yes, I understand that Tom is a boy's name, but there is a girl named Tom in the movie Leave No Trace. That's the movie that I talked about uh, with Ben Foster and his daughter living out in a, in a, in a state park. Um, Rachel Weiss for uh, The Favorite. She plays Lady Sarah. Um, I thought Rachel Weiss was incredible in this fucking movie. I think this is her best performance I've ever seen her in. She's come a long way since the fucking Mummy films. Uh, Tony Collette as Annie in Hereditary. I only gave this movie a high taste it, but her fucking performance is a Tupperware. She was amazing and hereditary. So got to give it to Tony Collette. Emma Stone as Abigail in The Favorite. Thought she was incredible in this movie. What's going on there, Shifty? We got Tristan on the show? What's going on? A lot of shifting going on. Here's some shifting. Is there? Yeah. Oh, jeez. That must be me then. I'm sorry. It, no, it it's a, just a fuck ton of shifting going on right now. Yeah, I put it on mute while Brian was doing his mentions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Thanks, thanks for narking on me, Jake. That was nice. I, put I got, I got your back anytime. Jake it is totally yeah, yeah. Rebecca. Jake, <laughs> Jake is trying to get the target off of his back for forgetting what year it was. So, um,. Uh, yeah, Emma Stone as Abigail in The Favorite. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about uh, Olivia Coleman from The Favorite. Re- Rebecca, you already brought her up. Uh, she played Queen Anne in The Favorite. Just an amazing performance from Olivia Coleman. Patricia Arquette as Tilly Mitchell in Escape at Danamora. She was incredible in that whole series. Uh, Melissa McCarthy as Lee Israel in Can You Ever Forgive Me? I gave that movie a high taste. It her performance is a Tupperware. She plays Lee Israel, and she's selling fake autograph, uh, fake autographs, and fake letters, and and things like that uh, to different uh, bookstores and and uh, collectors. And that movie was it was a lot of fun. And Melissa McCarthy, this is her best performance as far as a dramatic role I've ever seen. Uh, I also have Rosamund Pike on my list, Rebecca, but not in Hostiles. I have her as Marie Colvin in A Private War. 
um, where she plays the journalist who uh, mm-hmm. basically goes um, all over the world and tries to give a voice to the voiceless people that can't get their story out there. She goes into the front lines and shows you what war really does to people and how it affects people. And um, she she got hit by a grenade while she was in Sri Lanka, and so she has to wear an eye patch. Had to wear an eye patch after that, and uh, you know it cost her her life. This was a fantastic film. Rosamund Pike's performance was amazing in this one. And then my final runner-up, of course, is Amy Adams as Camille Preaker in Sharp Objects, which we've talked at. I was going to say talked ad nauseum about, but I won't say that. We've talked about it a lot. We love, we all love sharp objects. But um, so my number three is uh, Yalitza Aparicio. She played Cleo in Roma, and I thought she was just. This is her first acting gig ever, and she was incredible in this film. I thought she was great. And I loved this movie. Roma, if you have, I'm telling you, like, I'm, if you have a Netflix subscription, just watch this one. Like, I, it'll take a little while for you to get into it. But I'd say once this movie starts to go, get going, once you've, once, once you've kind of, like, um, gotten into this movie for about an hour, things really start to pick up and, and uh, it all comes together, and it's a, it's an, and it's an incredible story. So, yeah, Yalitza Aparicio uh, as Cleo in Roma is my number three. Rebecca, your number two. My number two is going to be Tessa Thompson uh, for I, Thor Ragnarok. No, <laughs> yeah, how do you know? Um, oh, I no, feel way better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's cool. It's cool. Um, uh, I. I loved her in Sorry to Bother You. I thought she was great in Annihilation, and I thought she was amazing in Westworld. Um, she just had so many interesting projects this year, uh, doing a lot of... She always impresses me. She always surprises me. Just when I think, like, oh, Tessa Thompson, yeah, I like her stuff. Oh, I wonder what she's going to do in this movie. And then, boom, she does something incredible, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is so different. Like, she's always something different. She's always reinventing herself. She's always changing herself around to play these really interesting characters. I just, I enjoyed so many of her performances this year. She is my number two for for this category. Nice. Jake, what do you got for number two? Yeah, my number two is Lady Gaga for A Star is Born. Um, This one actually surprised me. You know, I'm... I've always been a huge fan of her musically and her pop music and even her like other experiments musically. But on the acting side from the TV stuff, like the American Horror Story and whatnot, I, it just never really did much for me. So when this all was announced, even as much as a fan as I was, I was still very ho-hum about it. And then even hearing the soundtrack before seeing the movie, I was ho-hum about it. And it was just her performance and her chemistry with Bradley and then finding, you know, how much work she did leading up into the movie to get ready for this character. And yeah, just, it completely, I just loved it so much. Like, I can't wait to see what she does next. I don't know if this is going to be a one-time flash in the pan type of movie for her. Cause you know, the character is in some ways, very like kind of an opposite mirror of her real life. I, you you yeah. kind of touched on this a little bit. This too, could Rebecca. be uh, this could be her bodyguard, like Whitney Houston, right? Yeah, exactly, mm, exactly. Yeah. 
sure. and that's fine, and that's fine. But I do, I do hope for more. I do hope that there's more breakout performances to come. And I don't know if it's working again with Bradley or, or what it'll take. But yeah, I hope it, it's more a star is born in her future and less American Horror Story. Yeah, my number two is also Lady Gaga uh, as Ali in A Star Is Born. So yeah, just. An incredible performance. I, I love this fucking movie. Saw it twice. I had to go and see it again. I mean, I I loved everything. And I'm not like a musical guy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna consider this a musical. Musicals feel like when musicals for me, the music feels like this is for me. Okay, I can see a live musical. I love seeing it live because like these are people doing their craft. And I'm watching it live. I'm seeing them do it in person. I love watching a live musical. But in a movie, it just feels like, for me, it just feels forced. And it doesn't feel natural. This just felt like a movie that had music involved in it. And the music became mm-hmm. part of the story. And um, God damn it, if she, when, when her and Bradley sing for the first time, when he brings her onto the stage for the first time, I fucking cry. That's a that's an amazing scene. I fucking cry yeah. every fucking time. I'm fighting tears in the fucking theater to not look like a huge pussy every time he brings her on stage. And uh this you know, it's the scene of them in the in the in, in the uh grocery store parking lot to just a just an incredible love story. It, a true love story. Not all love stories are fucking like, you know, bullshit where it's you know i mean the guy doing something chivalrous and all this stuff sometimes it's just two people that are fucking that just find each other at the right time and just fucking connect that way you know he's a fucking drunk <laughs> mhm yeah i thought the scene in the in in the bathroom was one of the most powerful in the movie too where she's taking a bath and he comes in and he's a mess yeah. and they're fighting. God, yeah. Um, I, I mean, talk about just raw emotion between two people who really do love each other. And um, that whole movie was full of moments like that. These are two people that really do love each other. But there's so much raw emotion here that it is it's overwhelming well, to both yeah. of them i love i love the fact that that she fucking sings uh for the, she sings uh for the drag shows yes oh that's yeah that great. seems wonderful that they fucking involve that whole thing it's like you know that's a, like like for some people like some people look at that and like oh drag shows like what the fuck is that all about and it's like more people should be going it's it's a fucking good time it's, well, the only reason he goes, it's the closest place with beer. Exactly. But like when he gets there, he's not all at the, on the flip side, though, Jake, he's not a complete asshole when he gets there and like, ooh, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, he just kind of like, hey, I'm at their place. And yeah, oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. And if he was, Ali would sense that kind of yeah. hypocrisy in him for sure. And exactly. never even have that first drink with him. But he's kind of like, you know, yeah, maybe this is like not a place that I usually go to, but I'm in their place and I'm going to be respectful. And you know what? He makes some friends along the way. And, um, you know, it, I, I love that. I, you know, I love this. Fu- I, 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 and I thought her performance was just incredible. Her chemistry with Bradley Cooper on screen was just amazing. Just, 
Yeah, I don't know if this is. I think I think this could be like a one and done for her, Jake. I I don't know. This could be her Whitney Houston bodyguard, where she never. No, really... I, I I smell it too, Brian. I yeah. completely agree. But I she, hope not. But yeah, I hope not too. But she deserves it for this. So, um, Rebecca, what's your number one? My number one is Amy Adams. Um, I am giving this to her not just for sharp objects, because just for that alone, I would that we've talked about, as you said, uh, at length, uh, how much we love that show, how much we love her performance. But I also want to give it to her for her work in the movie Vice. Um, I thought she did a really damn good job playing Lynn Cheney. Um, I thought her performance in that movie as her pushing Dick Cheney to be who he eventually becomes her being almost the driving force behind the person that he becomes. I thought that was a really interesting, I thought that was just interesting to watch, but I thought that her performance, the way that she did it. And obviously that's really like a Christian Bale movie. Like he's the big star and he's not the, not the big star, but he's like the main character in that movie. But I thought for supporting and being the character who she was in that movie, I thought she did an amazing job. Um, but also, I mean, uh, how, how much more can I say about Sharp Objects? I thought she was so incredible and believable and real and raw. And when she has that moment of realization of what has really happened in that show, it is, you're right there with her in all of her feelings that's just on her face. And the things that she has to come to realize about her family, all the different people in her family, what they've done, who they really are, it's just, yeah, it, it, Amy Adams, she's my number one this year. There you go. Jake, what do you got for number one? Uh, my number one female actor of the year, I am going to give it to Emily Blunt, um, not just for A Quiet Place, but also for Mary Poppins Returns. Um, man, Emily Blunt just, I mean, she stole my heart this year. I didn't think anyone could replace Julie Andrews, and, and she definitely didn't replace her, but just uh, this performance was so much to me. Um, loved her performance with the songs. Can't wait to see this movie 50 times in a month when it finally comes out at home. Uh, yeah. Emily Blunt, I absolutely just adore her now. I never by any means disliked her, but I mean, this just skyrocketed her to like one of my favorite people in existence, her performance and appearance in this movie. So, yeah, I had to give it to her. Maybe you need to watch Sicario again. Give it a fucking Tupperware this time then. I do need to watch Sicario yeah, again. Yeah, you do. Jesus Christ. Fucking high taste for Sicario. She's so good in that, too. She's incredible. Like, besides that being an incredible movie, she's amazing in that, in that film. <laughs> that's the only, I think that's the only rating to this day that bothers me about Jake. Is, <laughs> the high taste. High taste, it's a it's solid Sicario. rating. No, but it, the, it just the, it, high taste, it is a solid rating. It's just the high taste that going to Sicario. Mario. That's the only yeah. rating that you've ever given that bothers me to this day. <laughs> I Tupperware the cinematography. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you and your little bullshit handouts. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. This is not a soup kitchen, you son of a bitch. This is Sicario, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I Tupperware the dinner scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I would have performed the dinner scene on you right now, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Ha 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 ha! 
<laughs> this ain't no Olive Garden, you fucking asshole. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> my number one is uh Elsie Fisher for uh uh Kayla Day, her performance as Kayla Day in eighth grade. Um <coughs> excuse me. Uh I loved like I said, I love this movie. This movie made me feel very uncomfortable at times. But uh, this girl, like, I'd never seen her in anything. I think that this might be her, like, theatrical debut. But uh, just the way that she plays this awkward teen. And in real life, she's nothing like that. She's very outgoing. I was just very impressed. I, I, I think the sky is the limit for Elsie Fisher. I hope to see her in more stuff going forward. Um you know, I, I want to see her get more leading roles in movies going forward. You know, like people were talking about, like, oh, I want to see Shannon Purser as Squirrel Girl. No, I want to see Elsie Fisher as Squirrel Girl, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, this girl is, the sky is the limit for her. She was incredible in eighth grade. And if you haven't seen eighth grade, I highly recommend that you watch this one. It is uh, a fantastic movie. Um It'll make you think. It'll make you think back to your childhood. And it'll make you think back to your eighth grade year, and and um, I loved this movie. Bo Burnham, fucking, I don't know. I, it makes me wonder if he's like a one and done director, but uh, we'll never know. We won't know until he comes out with his next film. So um, let's um, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and we'll do our male actor of the year. Sounds great. All right, hey, welcome back. <laughs> we are back. I'm, I'm welcoming. I am welcoming you and Rebecca back. Welcome back, Jake and Rebecca. Welcome oh, back. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, hey, <laughs> let's move on into our next category, which is uh, the pop culture leftovers male actor of the year. Best male actor in a film. All right, yeah, Rebecca, what do you got for your uh, runners-up? All right, I've got a few here. Um, I, I have to talk about, real quick, Christian Bale in Vice. Uh, we were talking off-air about that. Um, he transformed himself to play Dick Cheney, and um, I thought, I mean, this was this was a movie about him. This was a movie about this character, so Christian Bale has a ton of screen time. But my God, there were moments where I was watching this movie and I look I was looking at the screen and I was going, oh, my that that is Dick Cheney. Like, I, I, I can't see Christian Bale in there. Like, how in the world did he do this? But um, not only just physically transformed himself, the acting, the way he spoke, um, the his body language, the whole nine Christian Bale did an incredible job in this movie for me. Um, so I, I did want to give him some attention. Um, I do want to talk just real quick about Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody. I know that that movie is not like 
It's not terribly historically accurate. Um, there's a lot of stuff that never happened that they put in this movie. But I thought Rami Malek was another actor who really transformed himself and really got into the role to play Freddie Mercury. And, you know, whatever the script was, it was. And I think, though, that Rami Malek did an incredible job playing that. When you watch that the end of that movie with with the, when they recreate Live Aid and you watch the YouTube video right after it of the actual Live Aid, I mean he's got it down the 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 movements the arm movements the piano the way that he stands the way that he walks the way that he moves, um, I I enjoyed his performance this year in that um, a movie that wasn't like super great um, the front runner I, I want to talk about Hugh Jackman real quick playing the lead in that that's another movie that um, it's okay but I thought Hugh Jackman did a really good job of playing Gary Hart in that movie and I remember vaguely remember that happening when I was a kid about him trying to run for president and the scandal that came out and the whole issue of is it the business of the American public of what candidates do uh, or don't do and I thought he did a really amazing job of playing this character um, I enjoyed his performance. Uh, Giovanna Depo and Pilo Azbeck. I have probably mangled both of those names. The, they were both in Overlord. I thought they were the, the good guy and the, and, and, and the bad guy, basically, in this movie. I thought they were great in Overlord. Um, I thought both of them turned in amazing performances in a really enjoyable film. Viggo Mortensen in Green Book. Um, I... I love Mahershal Ali. I thought he was great in this movie. But Viggo Mortensen, when he the scene where he's in the hotel room and he orders a pizza and he folds the whole pizza in half and eats it like a taco, I I, just, I died. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, who is this guy? Like the character he played, he was playing this loud New Yorker Italian guy who was kind of mobbed up. Um, I I don't know. He he kind of stole that movie for me a little bit i he was great i loved watching his character arc i loved watching him um just kind of become a more enlightened person because of his friendship with uh, don shirley um another movie i saw this year that i thought this guy turned in a great performance jason clark in chappaquiddick he played Ted Kennedy. Uh, most everyone knows the story of Chappaquiddick, how Ted Kennedy was, um, he was involved in a car accident and a young woman died. Um, Jason Clark plays Ted Kennedy in this movie. And my God, does he do an amazing job of getting down that accent, of getting down uh, the affectations of, of Ted Kennedy, um, watching him struggle, watching him try to face face his father, uh, Joe Sr., after what he's done, and knowing that his family wants him to run for the presidency. Um, I, I thought he did an incredible job in, in that movie. Um, Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther. I, I He was the most... He was the villain I understood the most this year. I, I got where he was coming from. I understood why he was angry. I understood why he was hurt. I understood why he did everything he did in that movie. And yeah, he's the bad guy. But my God, my heart broke for him every step of the way. And a lot of that has to do with Michael B. Jordan's performance as Killmonger. Um, 
my but my number three this year is going to be Logan Marshall Green for Upgrade. Oh, uh, nice. I loved him. I he's Tom Hardy light because he kind of looks like Tom Hardy a little bit, but. My God, I thought he was amazing in that movie. The way he moved his body, the way that he would go uh, dead when he was supposed to be playing a, a, a paraplegic or a, a quadriplegic, excuse me. Um, the way that he acted, the way that he moved, the way that he, uh, his body language, he knocked it out of the park for me playing uh, the character in Upgrade. Um yeah, he's he's my number three this year. Rebecca, now you call him Tom Hardy Light. I like to call him Jai Courtney Plus. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Sounds fair better. Enough. Fair enough. But he is Tom Hardy Light. You can't deny that. But he, he also is, is Jai Courtney Plus. We're both right. We're both right. I love Logan Marshall it's, Green. He, it's a dessert topic. It's a floor cleaner. You're both right. Yeah. That's, that's where we are. Just so people know, he was the first shocker in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yep. And so I wanted him to be our new Wolverine. Not going to happen since he's already in MCU canon, unfortunately, and they wasted him on the first shocker. Anyway, um, yeah, Jake, what do you got for uh, your great choices, Rebecca? Um, what do you got for uh, your runners up? Um, just a few honorable mentions. Um, I definitely wanted to throw out both Josh Brolin and Michael Michael B. Jordan for um, you know being great Marvel villains. Uh, two great Marvel villains in one year. It's hard. It's hard to freaking believe it. Um, I also wanted to bring up Taylor Kitsch for um, the David Koresh in the Waco series. Um, awesome to finally see him in something that you know is actually well revered and people watched and enjoyed and just his performance was just unbelievably good i mean you could really see the charm in david koresh and how people were falling for this and just based on his performance you know if it was, if it was anything like the deliverance that he gave you can easily see how people were falling for this thing just a marvelous performance and just go right to my number three i'm going to give my number three a little bit of an unconventional pick I'm going to give it to Tom Hardy for Venom for just being so amazing and what by every means possible he did not have to be or, you know, he just elevated this movie into something else to me just based purely on his performance and his comic timing and his, you know, just really giving it all to this freaking movie. Like I, I what a professional unbelievable so got to give it up for tom hardy had to fit some venom love in here somewhere so giving it to him for third place i fucking love tom hardy uh let's see here uh, my runners up uh robert redford as uh forrest tucker in the old man and the gun i love this movie it's based on the true story of forrest tucker and his escape from san quentin at the age of 70 um and um it's it goes on and it uh, deals with like his uh, uh, bank heist where he's robbing banks and uh, Sissy SpaceX in the movie, and she's great. Um, great movie. If you haven't seen uh, The Old Man and the Gun, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, next one goes to Rafael Casal as Miles in Blind Spotting. Oh my God. Blind Spotting is incredible. And Rafael Casal and David Diggs. Uh, the main actors in this film both wrote the film and um, just incredible performances in this movie. Ben Foster as Will in Leave No Trace. I've talked about that earlier. Love Ben Foster and he's great in this movie playing uh, Will. 
um, a guy suffering from PTSD. And uh, Lynn Ramsey kind of like gives us, not Lynn Ramsey, um, Deborah Granick gives us a portrayal of PTSD. This movie's rated PG. It's not even PG-13. Um, and it's still a powerful movie. And uh, Deborah Granick gives us a, um, a, uh, a movie here about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and it's presented differently than I've ever seen in any other film and it's really powerful. J.K. Simmons as Howard Silk in Counterpart and then also again as Howard Silk in Counterpart because he plays Howard Silk in two different dimensions in Counterpart. (laughs) And I love them. He's great. J.K. Simmons is amazing (laughs) in fucking Counterpart. He's great. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Not just for, you know, his performance in Paperboy, uh, as Paperboy in Atlanta, but also for his role as the villain in Widows, and also for his uh, very brief appearance in If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, John David Washington, son of uh, Denzel Washington in uh, Black Klansman, uh, where he plays Ron Stallworth, uh, Stallworth, a... uh, black police officer from Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado, who infiltrates the local Ku Klux Klan. This is a movie that was directed by Spike Lee. And uh, I thought this movie was a lot of fun, had some really great humor and um, (laughs) really uh, very, very topical film this year, in my opinion. Uh, Bradley Cooper as Jack, uh, Jackson Maine in A uh, Star is Born is my uh, last runner up here. Um, I thought uh, Bradley Cooper was incredible in this fucking movie. And um, I, I love A Star is Born. I can't. I, I, is that out to own yet? Uh, digital on the 15th. Okay, because I'm buying this movie. Um, but I love Bradley Cooper. Number three is David Diggs as Colin in Blind Spotting. Oh my God. This movie. I. Just an incredible movie. If you have not watched Blind Spotting, and not a lot of people have, it just was not out in wide release, and it was not in theaters for a long time. Watch Blind Spotting. I'm telling you, Rebecca. I think you would love this movie. I think you would like. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I I do want to see it. Like I missed it in the theater, and I didn't realize it was streaming. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do want to see this movie. And, like, after tonight, like, how much you've talked about it, it's probably the first thing I'm going to do tomorrow is watch that movie. Find it and watch it. Please, please do it. Please do it. Please watch Blind Spotting. I definitely want to hear what you think about it. Um, the humor is on point, but also the message and the theme is on point. Um, I fucking loved it. Loved, 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 loved Blind Spotting. So wow. I, everybody's awesome. got to watch this fucking movie. So, like, you're talking about how, you know, uh, what was that Lakeith Stanfield movie? Um, sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. Like, both of them take place in, like, Oakland, but this is the Oakland movie that I loved. <laughs> I loved this <laughs> yeah. fucking movie. So that was my number three. Rebecca, what's your number two for Male Actor of the Year? My number two is going to be Joaquin Phoenix for You Were Never Really There. Um, this movie, um, and you, you did talk about it a little bit earlier, too. Um, he plays a guy who is like an ex-army uh, guy. 
he now is a contract killer and he's out there and he's killing uh, real bad guys, guys who kidnap and hurt children. Um, but there is a lot going on in his head. To say that he has PTSD is a huge understatement. This guy has been through the ringer. And as a child, terrible shit happened to him. And he takes this job, and this job is not what it seems. And a lot of bad stuff happens after he thinks he's completed this job that he now has to deal with. Um, there are scenes in this movie that, I mean, were heartbreaking to watch. Mm -hmm. And then there were scenes that were so violent they were hard to watch. But um, when he goes to town on these, on these pedophiles, all he does is he goes to the to the hardware store and he buys a hammer, like a cheap hammer. And that's his weapon of choice. And he just beats the shit out of these people. And, you know, you're like, yeah, kill those terrible pedophiles. But then when stuff starts to happen uh, based on this last job that he takes, now it becomes very personal. And there's uh, incredible scenes that happen that he imagines or he thinks uh, we're watching his imagination um, and then we switched to real life. And I, I thought he turned in an amazing performance. It really surprised me this year. I, I don't think this movie got as much attention as it deserves. If you have a way to see this movie, it's probably streaming somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's got to be available to buy. I really recommend this movie. It is quite violent. Uh, I think it's R. It's, it is R. It's a hard R. But, oh, my God, I thought he turned in an incredible performance this year. So he's my, he's my number two. You're not lying. And like, I think critics love this movie. I just don't think it was like, it didn't get the wide release. I had to, yeah. I, I had to drive to the art theater to watch this one after I heard you talk about it. And I'm glad that I fucking made the drive out there to watch it. Cause it is fucking incredible. And his performance is amazing. So mm -hmm. yeah, fucking great movie. Jake, uh, what's your number two? Yeah, a little bit more glow season two love. I'm going to give my number two to Mark Marin. Um, I thought in season two, especially, he proved not to be a one trick pony. Uh, you know, in season one, it was like, oh, wow, Mark Marin can, you know, do the angry, grouchy guy. And it, yes, it was incredible. But I think season two, two even more proved that he's got a lot of acting chops. And I'm really excited to see him, him do some more roles. I, I, I know he's in a undisclosed role in the Joker movie with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. And yeah, I just wanted to give Mark Maron some. I really struggled with uh, male actors of the year this year, honestly. So hey, you guys definitely watched a lot more movies than me for show. Well, look at you being all insecure and shit. Oh, I'm not insecure. A little bit. <laughs> say so. I do pay. I do pay you for the psychiatric help, so I'm not going to deny what you're saying. <laughs> Just fucking with you. <laughs> no, the male one was hard for me. I was just like, geez, I just I was really struggling with it. All right, that's fine. I mean, I uh, I don't know. It, my list is ever it was ever changing. It was like at one point in time, I had more men. And then, then I had more women, and then all of a sudden it's like then I had more men, then I had more women. So it kind of like balanced itself out after a while. But um, yeah, there wasn't a single category I, I think I didn't have a harder time with than this one. Uh, my number two 
might be a little controversial for some people. I do not care. This, I thought that this performance was absolutely fucking amazing. My number two goes to John Cho as David Kim in Searching. I thought, like, this guy put on a fucking acting clinic in this one, basically acting in front of a fucking computer screen the entire movie. Like, are you, you got to be kidding me. Like, he's really not, like, bouncing off of... In most of the movie, it felt like he was not bouncing off of somebody that he's in the same room with. Now, yes, there are scenes where he is in the same room with uh, somebody... Um, not many though. And then there are scenes where he's talking to somebody through the computer, but like most of this was basically, we're watching John Cho react as he's like trying to discover like what's happened to his missing 16 year old daughter. And John Cho was fucking incredible in searching. And I loved searching. It was one of my favorite films. So got to give number two to John Cho, most people know him from the Harold and Kumar films he played and he was also in the, the American Pie movies uh, and then he was also uh, Sulu in the J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek films but uh, John Cho as David Kim in Searching fucking awesome if you haven't watched Searching seek it out you'll love it it's incredible love that movie so yeah number two John Cho Rebecca who's your number one my number one is I'm giving it to Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born. Um, I've seen Bradley Cooper in a lot of stuff. I, I like his voiceover work with Rocky Raccoon. I've, I even enjoy him in the Hangover movies. Um, I liked him in Silver Linings Playbook. I, I enjoy his acting. But this, this movie, I don't know, it, it was another level. And I don't know if it was because he was directing himself. Or if it was just this was like a passion project for him or just all the pieces happened to click and make this the movie that it was. But my God, I don't think I've ever enjoyed Bradley Cooper more in something. And he's playing a the way that he changed his voice in this movie to play a guy who supposedly lived this hard drinking, hard smoking life for me to believe that he's got this raspy southern voice when Bradley Cooper does not really sound like that. I mean, I thought it was incredible. In a lot of ways, he really did so much transforming for this role. And then to hear him sing, I, I enjoyed that. Um, his his chemistry with, with Lady Gaga was absolutely incredible. And I just, I mean, he really blew me away in this movie. And um yeah, he's he's my number one this year. All right. I have a feeling Jake is going to pick the same guy. I, I, I have a feeling that you're picking Bradley Cooper as well. Yeah, Am I right? Yeah, nice. It's just such – yeah, exactly. I picked the same guy. I mean, just to go go on to what Rebecca said, it's it's such a not a flattering role too, like, right? Like, that's the scene where he, like, pees himself at the award show. It's, like, one oh. of the hardest things ever to, like, even watch, right? It, yeah. It's just – terrible and but then on the other side there's parts that are just he's just so sweet you know like i gosh the scene when he's at the the drag bar and he sings the song for the drag queen is one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie as well and in fact that may be my favorite one of my favorite vocal performances in the movie is that song bradley sings right there and just it's such a nuanced performance from beginning to end you see so many different sides of the same character but yet they're all undeniably that character just yeah wow just blew me away and you know other than 
Silver Linings playbook, maybe there's never been another role where I really thought of Bradley Cooper as really a phenomenal actor. And not that he's someone that I disliked by any means, but yeah, wow, this is just another level. Uh, my number one is uh, Viggo Mortensen as Tony Lip in Green Book. I oh, great choice, great choice. God damn it! Like like everything. I saw this movie, I believe, on Thanksgiving Day, and um, just the mix of like this is the best performance I've ever seen from Viggo Mortensen, and like just like the the comedy that he was able to pull off and being such like kind of like such such an archie bunker like character at the beginning of this thing right rebecca Mm -hmm. like kind of like complete he's that's a good call he's very archie bunker right but but towards the end he's not archie bunker anymore like he still is he's like the good all the good parts of archie bunker but like Minus like the terrible racism that you hate, you know. Yes, like absolutely. we get to see like that like growth from the character to where like he has like this amazing bond with Don Shirley while they are road tripping through the South, and um, I like this just just amazing character growth that was portrayed and fucking Viggo Mortensen stole the show in this movie. I loved it, you know? Um, so yeah, I got to give it to Viggo Mortensen. The comedy was just on point. Like, and it was, I'm telling you, like I had a very diverse kind of like audience that I saw this with. Like there was, you know, a lot of, uh, there was black and white people watching this movie together with me. And it was crazy. Like we were all laughing at the same stuff in this movie and it's like oh my god are we really laughing at this racist guy like are you kidding me oh my gosh it was like it was it was a just a bizarre film but like the way that peter Farrelly kind of like pulled off this whole movie at the end and the character growth that we got from tony lip in this movie um i loved it and it made me like I understand, like, I've, like, gone out, I've gone out and I've, like, kind of, like, read about the true story and, like, what they've changed about it, but I didn't care. Unlike Bohemian Rhapsody, where they changed everything, it felt like, the stuff that they changed, <laughs> yeah. the, the stuff that they changed in this one, I didn't mind too much, because um, I loved the movie that much. I really got into it. But, yeah, Viggo Mortensen is my number one. Hi, Clark. How you doing, buddy? Oh, geez, Clark. Always something with Clark. I'm so sorry. No, He's cool. got things to say, too. He's a dog. I'm not going to get mad at a dog. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Stop barking, dog. Oh, stop, stop doing what you're yeah, doing, dog. Stop it with your dog-like ways. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a big Vigo fan. He was approving. A he is. Yes, he is. Surprisingly, Clark likes those uh, those little art house films. He's, he's, very, uh, he's very critical. <laughs> All right. We're going to move into our next category, which is comic book movie of the year pop culture leftovers best comic book movie of the year big man in a suit armor take that away what are you genius billionaire playboy philanthropist (laughs) why are you here there must be reason for you to be here yes i'm here to fight for truth and justice in the american way i want you to do me a favor i want you to tell all your friends about me what are you i'm batman All right, let's see here. What are you giggling about over there, huh? <laughs> oh, the 80s Batman drop. I love it. 
my god <laughs> i remember how old was i when i saw that movie it was like I was uh, 11. Is that how old you were? I was 11. Uh, it was the summer, and I actually saw it on vacation. We were in Florida, and my God, Batman, that Tim Burton film changed my fucking life, dude. Oh, me, me too. Me too. I'm fucking believable. Oh we we all were saying, I'm Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were so used to seeing I'm not taking anything away from Adam West, but my God, we were not used to seeing Batman this dark. And that was dark no, back then, man. That's hilarious to think, too. You're absolutely correct. Like, by today's standard, it still seems like camp theater. Yeah. But next to Adam West, it might as well have been Frank Miller, Dark Knight Return. Right. <laughs> much. It yes. was, oh, my God, it was crazy. Like, I remember, like, the last shot of that movie and just thinking, like, oh, my God, that was badass. Like, you know, showing him up on top of the building and, like, the bat signal and him in Gotham and I was just like oh my god this is incredible I god I fucking loved that movie I need to, I need you to know, watch that right now you know every year I get older I think I like Batman 2 more than Batman 1 oh returns yeah, yeah you're, really yeah you're nuts yeah. you're fucking nuts I don't, I don't I don't know what it is about it it's just so it's just so wacky it doesn't have the Nicholson performance and nothing matches that I was but, never uh, a fan I've never been a fan of Batman Returns and I know some people love that movie I've never been a fan yeah it's just oh, the sets are so much better and uh, Walken's pretty great and yeah I, I, I really like it no I can't no I just can't yeah, I, it's not, not as bad as 3 and 4 to you though right Come on! Are you even asking me that right now? Well, some some people some people put it all in the same camp. No, I would rather watch Batman Returns than three and four. <laughs> Batman Forever and Batman and Robin are fucking garbage. Okay, They're, of course you've got your redeeming things. You've got in, in Batman Returns, you've got Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, and she's incredible. She's great as Catwoman, but like, I don't know. It's you go with the penguin and i i love danny devito i'm a huge fan of him but i've just i've never been a fan of the penguin to be quite and never really penguin's never been my favorite gotham you know batman's rogues gallery as far as like the villains go i've never been a big penguin guy so yeah the penguin the penguin running for political office stuff is seems even more insanely great today than it did then so that's all I'll say. Please, yeah, yeah. I wish you would stop saying things. I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jake. I love you. I I would never, Jake. I love you. I love you so fucking much, and you know this. Like I, I don't know why you're apologizing to me. I'm not one of the baby guests. I, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, wait. So is is Batman two your comic book movie of the year, Jake? Is that what you say? <laughs> no, it is the Shadow with Alec Baldwin. Oh, that's right. That's right. You did say that earlier. Yes. <laughs> Batman Returns is the runner up. Returns um, <laughs> is the runner up. Rebecca, what are your runners up? <laughs> I mean, uh, as far as like runners up go, I'm gonna. I only have two runners up. Um, Black Panther, which I fucking loved. I saw it like five times in the theater, and every time I saw it, that my theater was packed. And I thought, to me, that was um, 
a, a testament to how good that movie was yeah. and how important that movie was. I can't believe and it. I, that movie was like in its last. It felt like it was in its last like one or two weeks in the theater. And I went and saw it, and it was my fifth time seeing it in the theater. Mm-hmm. And the theater was fucking packed. Fucking I, I, packed. That's what I'm saying. Every time I went, and I went also toward the end of its run because it butted up right up against Infinity War. I went and saw it right at the end of its run, and my theater was still full. It was still full. And I know that there are people out there who say that Black Panther is overrated and that uh, there it, people make a big deal about it because of its significance in our culture but <laughs> I, I i can't disagree more with that i yeah. i think this movie number one sh- shows that representation is important it's essential on the on any screen but number two i also think that when you get an interesting director and you get a really great cast together and you make a movie about family, because that's what this movie's really about, family and family secrets, you can make a damn good superhero movie. And it's absolutely uh, one of my runners-up. And then I only have one more runner-up, uh, which is going to be Into the Spider-Verse, which I gave it for, of course, animated movie of the year. But as far as a superhero movie, it's, it's, it's right up there. All right. Who's your number three? Oh, sorry. I only have those two. Oh, sorry. okay. And then my, you got your winner. My bad. Yeah. Wow. You just totally fucked that up. Yeah, I did. I did completely <laughs> fuck it up. I'm sorry. I'm so thrown off by the Batman Returns talk. All right, I got so, all turned around. Hold on. Hold on. So your number three is uh, Black Panther. And then your number yeah. two is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I'm so sorry I messed that up, guys. My bad. <laughs> yes. You're fired. Okay. You're fine. I deserve that. I I deserve it. I I deserve that. (laughs) All right, Jake. Did Thor Ragnarok make the list? (laughs) (laughs) It did. It did. But not. I'm going to have to apologize. My list of honorable mentions is going to be like ten minutes long here. All right. So no, I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) I've got no honorable mentions. I've got a top three, and my number three is. Also is Black Panther as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a testament to this movie that it's the movie that came out right before Infinity War, and we had just seen a lot of these characters, but for some reason they were a bunch of the characters we were most excited to immediately see again. Like, there was zero fatigue in between these two movies for these characters, you know, the main and the supporting. Yeah. I mean, everyone couldn't wait to see what Shuri was going to do in Infinity War. You know, and was I'm gonna mispronounce her name for sure, but okay, okay, or is that how you say it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) I'm gonna pass out. I'm gonna. I am literally gonna pass out here. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okoye. Thank you, thank you. And just you know, I, I think it's just a testament to how strong these characters uh, are. That, yes, I don't know why I found that so funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Jake. I I should have I should have reeled that in a little bit, but I couldn't. 
Oh, <laughs> oh man, I love, I love. You even warned us, like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I am going to destroy." I get ready for this. Whoa, hello, <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, and it's like I almost like want to get like the uh, visual countdown of like three. Two, one, and then like <laughs> I'd really I'd like like a family feud no buzzer to butcher it. <laughs> I want to hear you. I want to hear you pronounce the actress's real name too. No, it's <laughs> not gonna happen. So that's my number three, Black Panther. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, number three is Black Panther. <laughs> you might as well give your number two since Rebecca already did. Oh, I should give my number two already. Well, Rebecca already did. No, you you want to hold on to it? I do want to hold on to it. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. My my list is basically. All the comic book movies that have come out this year, and I just ha- kind of have them in order of my least favorite to favorite. Um, and uh, so here's my runner up, and I'll stop at number three uh, Aquaman. And uh, then my next runner up is, and I. I totally this is totally a typo I'm reading I'm just gonna read what I wrote down (laughs) I put any man and the wasp oh yeah I was like what any man (laughs) any man and the wasp it's supposed to be ant-man and the wasp but I I wrote down any man and the wasp (laughs) you only care about the wasp whoever whoever her partner is yeah you don't have to get fucking Paul Rudd I don't give a shit any man (laughs) it doesn't matter Uh, and then I've got Deadpool 2 uh, and then I have uh, Venom. And then my number three is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So that is my number three. Um, Jake, what is your number two? My number two comic book movie of the year is Infinity War. Yeah, this this was a great movie. I, who who would have thunk it that they would have pulled it off this well? And they did, so... Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, this movie—it'll be interesting to see how it ages, right? I think a lot of this rests for me on on part two, since both movies are going to be so you know succinct with each other, and you're probably always going to watch them back to back, you know, in the near future. I think a lot of my how much I enjoy this movie in the future is resting on this uh, this part two. So we'll see how that works. But yeah, this is my number two comic book movie of the year. Jake, how do you pronounce Denai Guerrero's character in Black Panther? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I remember it. It's Okie. Oh, my God. I love it. That's great. Okie. <laughs> hey, Rebecca. Let's, let's, uh, let's move on to your number. Did I give my number two? No, you need to give your number Mm-mm. two still. I'm all frazzled. Uh, my number two is Black Panther. I absolutely love Black Panther. Like I said before, I saw this movie in the theater five fucking times. I loved it. I think I thought I think I saw it like three times that first weekend, and then I came back and watched it again. And then before it left theaters, like it was like Infinity War was already out in theaters, and I'm watching Black Panther for the fifth time. Like. I loved this movie, and it was a great theater experience. Um, loved the 
one of my favorite scenes is like the car chase scene. I fucking thought that that was so incredible. And it's like, I didn't expect like Ryan Coogler to give me like a fast and furious car chase scene that I would care about. And it was like, you've got, you've got uh, Shuri doing like a telepresence car race, like with Black Panther riding on top of the car and she's driving. I'm like, how incredible. Like, they're basically like taking James Bond technology and throwing it into a Black Panther film. And it worked. And it was awesome. And I love Wakanda. And um, I loved everything about that movie. So my number two is Black Panther. Uh, Rebecca, what's your number one? Okay. After I messed it all up, let's. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Who gives a shit? We're having fun. It's the fucking <laughs> Tupperware. This is true. It doesn't matter. Um, my number one, I mean, maybe this makes me hashtag basic, but I don't really fucking care. Avengers Infinity War was my number one comic book movie of the year. I couldn't wait to watch it. And then when I did finally see it, I wanted to watch it again and again and again and again. And I saw it so many times in the theater. And then as soon as it came to as soon as it became available to buy, I bought it. And I even watched it on Netflix, too. Like, I loved this movie so much. It was uh, bold choices in this movie, especially with the ending of the snap and uh, getting rid of so many characters, which, yeah, I know they're all coming back. But still, at the moment when you're wrapped up watching this movie and you expect the good guys to win and save the day at the end and they fucking don't. I give a whole lot of credit to Marvel, but to the Russo brothers really for doing that. I thought everybody just was played their characters so well, but turned up to 11. And I just love that. Um, this movie got me so hyped, not just for Avengers. Um, uh, what the fuck are they calling it? Endgame? <laughs> not just for that, but for Captain Marvel coming up. I can't wait to see what, what happens with her story now. Like, knowing that she's going to have a big part in Endgame. And this was the culmination of 10 years of films, of movies that I loved for the most part and enjoyed. And so, yeah, it, it was my number one comic book movie this year. I absolutely loved it. It made me cry. It made me laugh. I was on the edge of my seat. It was everything I, I wanted in, in a comic book movie. There you go. Avengers Infinity War, number one comic book movie of the year for Rebecca. Number one for Jake. Yeah, my number one this year is going to be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, for me, it just edged out Infinity War. I mean, I, I fucking love Infinity War to death, too. But, man, I, I guess I just didn't know what to expect when I saw Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And I just kind of emotionally really fell right into it, man. As soon as we saw Spider-Man doing Spider-Man things, I was like literally crying tears of joy in my theater seat. And I just never experienced anything like that in my life. It was, it was crazy. And I just absolutely love this movie. I mean, we kind of, you know, just gone on and on about it. So I'm not going to go on too much more about it i don't know what else there is to say but yeah for me i don't think infinity war is like a basic bad pick at all and i I completely get that i was right there with you and never would have thought this movie would affected me the way it did so i mean they're basically one and two like on that same tier for me but i had to uh i had to give it to spider-man all right my number one call me basic brian because i'm also going with avengers infinity war this movie was an event 
I saw this again. I I saw this five times in theaters. I there's this movie is just incredible. Um, just an amazing movie. Like this is the movie. Ten years, like you said, Rebecca. Ten years of culmination up to this movie, and like that's 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 like a big thing right there. When we've got like what is it like eighteen, nineteen previous movies or whatever it is before this that it's got to lead up mm-hmm. to, and 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 like we've got to be happy with like what we're getting here. Um, they did it. They pulled it off. Like this is, they did it. It, it was an amazing movie, and um, yeah, Avengers: Infinity War was. Uh, an easy choice for me. I, I, I absolutely loved this movie and the way that the Russos balanced all the characters in the movie, especially Okie. Right, Jake? I am not going to was She was my favorite. <laughs> she was so good. Okie. Okie. I love Jake, like, prefaced it too. He's like, I am going to fuck up her name. <laughs> and like we all knew he was, but we, like, we didn't know like what the pronunciation. <laughs> we knew he was like everybody that's listened to the show before knew he was gonna fuck it up, but we didn't know like what brilliance was about to like spew forth from his mouth. And he's like, you know, fuck it, Okie, that's her name. That's her name today. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, everybody else calls her Okoye. I'm going with Okie, and uh, yeah, I. You know what? That's that. I'm gonna Tupperware that pronunciation, Jake. I love it. Um, Thank you. Totally does the character disservice, but whatever. Um, let's move on. <laughs> it's just a joke, people. It's just a stupid joke. Let's move on into our hero of the year. And yeah, I'm going hero first because I always think the villains are more interesting. So here we go with our hero of the year. Best hero of the year. Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost. You got the touch. You got the One shall stand, one shall fall. Why throw away your life so recklessly? That's a question you should ask yourself, Megatron. Right there, that's my favorite Tupperware bumper. Like a Tupperware's bumper, that's my favorite. Right there, just throwing that out there. Yeah, it's a good one. Anytime you're hearing that song. Oh, my God. Uh, Hero of the Year, uh, I only have two... Rebecca, um, who are your heroes of the year? And then save like your main one. Gotcha. Uh, my number three. So I approach this category with who did I enjoy watching the most save the day um, in a movie or a TV show. So my answers might be a little out there, but these were the people that I had the most fun watching. So my number three is going to be Jason Statham in The Meg. I fucking loved him <laughs> in that movie. Um, that movie was everything I wanted it to be, like giant sharks, uh, a bigger shark eating the big shark, 
Jason Statham being the smartest guy there who knew in an instant that it was a Megalodon. I just, everything about this movie is so stupid, but I loved it so much. And I loved Jason Statham. That that guy does not make Oscar-winning movies, and he said that he's never going to make one of those. He just makes fun movies. So uh, number three for me was Jason Statham. Did you uh, did you watch this in IMAX as well? Oh, uh, yeah, I did. So, That's so, how I fucking roll. Yeah, I did. I, I when I saw the trailer for this one, I was like, the only way to watch this movie is gonna be in IMAX. And oh, I, I agree. It, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was fucking fun. So I agree, one hundred percent. So yeah, number three, Jason Statham in the Meg. That's right. That was my number three hero of the year. That's a great pick. I like it. Oh man, yeah. I I just have three myself. Um, this was kind of one I struggled with too. I just picked people that I enjoyed watching that were hero characters. And for that, number three, I put Spider-Ham. I, I had to give him some love. This is Peter Porker is a character that I never thought I would see any form of on either a movie or a television show. I always thought it would be to the comic pages of my childhood. So to see it get the translation and with such love and a great vocal performance by uh, John Mulaney, yeah, had to give him number three. Good stuff. Nice. Um... Let's see. Rebecca, did you have a number two? Was it? Did, I do. Okay, because I didn't know. I forgot what number you were on. So who's your number two? Who's your number two? Because I only have a number two and a number one. So who's your number Got two? Gotcha. My number two is going to be Haley Steinfeld in Bumblebee. Um, God, first of all, well, you, you guys know I loved that movie just as much as you did. And um, what a great hero. Like, this was a girl who uh, had everything against her, and then she gets this car who's really a transformer, and her whole life obviously changes, and she goes on this crazy adventure. Um, but at the end of the day, she, yeah, like she, you know, learns about friendship and family and blah, blah, blah. But more than that, I mean, she just had so much chemistry with a, a fake character that you can't even believe it was a fake character and i thought i just enjoyed watching her on screen uh with bumblebee i loved watching her with um the kid who played memo i thought they had fun chemistry as a just a fun team like two teenagers hanging out and just watching her on her journey um i absolutely loved her in that movie so she's she's my number two hero of the year nice jake number two uh, number two, I have Black Panther. Um, yeah, I just had to give Black Panther some love. You know, I I don't think any of us, you know, really lauded Chadwick Boseman for his acting performance. Not that it was bad or anything. But, yeah, I think the character is hugely important, proved how important he was with those huge box office numbers. And, yeah, had to give it to Black Panther. Awesome character and glad he got an awesome movie. Uh, my number two is also Black Panther. I uh first time i watched black panther i was like i don't know about i love chadwick boseman i loved him in 42 but i don't know if he's my black panther and then i watched the movie the second time and i was like oh my god yeah this is my black panther this guy this guy is awesome this guy's incredible i love him so yeah and my number two is black panther i i loved uh i loved the movie i love chadwick boseman's performance 
And so, yeah, number two, Black Panther. Uh, Rebecca, who's your number one? Uh, my number one is Black Panther. <laughs> um, so right right up there, uh, as you were saying, Brian, I mean, Chadwick Boseman, I also loved him in 42. I thought that was, he did a great performance in that movie. Um, you know, the, 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 the small-ish amount that we got of Black Panther, small compared to everybody else in, in Civil War, um, really sold me, like, as far as, like, wow, this guy could bring some really interesting depth to this character. And then watching him in his own movie, watching him just be this incredible uh, hero of Wakanda. He's the king of Wakanda, but he's also the protector of Wakanda. Watching him have to make difficult decisions, when he goes to M'Baku and asks him for help, he humbles himself um, to go and ask this guy to please help me. And then we see him uh, just reaching out to anybody that could possibly help him save Wakanda, which is just the mark of a true leader. Um, watching his relationship with his mother, uh, with uh, Nopita Leongo's character, watching him with Shuri. Um, he just was so engaging with everybody in this movie. And everyone looked to him without hesitation as the leader. And even the way he handled the end with with Killmonger, wanting to try to save him in some way, wanting to try to keep him alive, um, it just he turned in just a stellar performance. So um, yeah, hero of the year for me is going to be Black Panther. All right, Jake, who do you got as your hero of the year? Um, a hero of the year, a little bit of an unconventional pick here, I guess, as well. But I had to give some love. To my man, Star-Lord, I'm giving him my Tupperware for Hero of the Year. He took a lot of flack this year, and I'm just here to say that I don't blame him for what he did. I think even if he wouldn't have done what he did, things probably still would have turned out badly. And I think people are extra hard on Star-Lord and giving him you know, all the weight on his shoulders for this whole thing mess- messing up and the snap happening. And so I had to give him some love. There you go. I like that. I agree with that pick 100%. I think it's a fantastic pick, Jay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, my number one is Bumblebee the robot. He saved, basically saved the whole Transformers franchise for me. <laughs> I, uh, I loved Bumblebee. Bumblebee is a fantastic film. Um, and uh, this is the movie that Transformers fans needed. So, yeah, Bumblebee, without a doubt. You can hear our Bumblebee review. Just listen to that. But, yeah, Bumblebee, without a doubt, is my hero of the year. Absolutely love Bumblebee. Let's move on into the next category, which is Villain of the Year. Best Villain of the Year. (laughs) Silence, you funny fool. I've had it with your whining and bumbling. Excellent. They haven't spotted us. Cobra, attack! I would have waited an eternity for this. It's over, Prime. Ancient spirits of evil, transform this decayed form to Mumra, the Right, villain of the year, Rebecca. I've got, I've only got three. So, Rebecca, what do you got? 
Uh, I also only have three. My number three is going to be, I mentioned him earlier, Pilo Aspek. I'm sure I'm killing that name terribly. I'm terribly sorry. Uh, not as sir. bad as Oki, eh? But... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to help you out. Okay, thank you. I, I, appreciate, it. I appreciate You can it. say whatever the fuck you want to now, Rebecca. <laughs> it doesn't matter at this point. And the, the, the like, the like, the, I don't even like when that when Jake makes that like fucking uh, you know when he says Okie, I, I make <laughs> I, I'm not subtle about it at all. Like how, <laughs> <laughs> my feelings about Jake's pronunciation of that name, there's no secrets, man. I just come out. I can't stop laughing. It's ridiculous. Anyway, who's who is who, who's Pilo? He's um, <laughs> he was the he was the head Nazi and overlord. Oh uh, shit! Wapner. That motherfucker was great. Yeah. He was yeah. first of all. I mean, anytime you got a Nazi as a bad guy in a movie, yeah. like okay, yeah, he's a terrible bad guy, right? And yeah. uh, but then he had extra layers of terribleness on him, so. Definitely, there was stuff in there that reminded me a lot of Red Skull from the first Avenger. Um, but like this, this jerk—he's running around. He's forcing women to have sex with him because he can. And then he goes back to the castle and he's injected himself with the serum, turning himself into like uber Nazi zombie guy. Um, and he was just so terrible. Like he did so many horrible things and. I thought he played so well off of the heroes in this movie. And, um, you know, I'm all about a sympathetic villain, but when it comes to, like, Nazis and shit, I I don't have any sympathy, nor do I want to see any sympathy to Nazis. So watching him just kind of eat up the screen and be like, I'm a Nazi and I'm terrible, look at all these terrible things I'm doing, I enjoyed watching him get his comeuppance at the end. And... Um. Yeah, he's he's my number three choice. Fantastic fucking pick. Fantastic. I'm gonna add him as a runner up right now. Oh, awesome! Thanks. That's, fucking that's, yeah, fantastic. That, uh, that that movie was just that was a great movie this year. Overlord. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic fucking pick. I want to see that guy as a fucking. I'll be honest with you. I want to see that guy as a. Uh, if we're gonna get another, if we have to get another. Um, Indiana Jones movie, throw him in there somewhere. That guy is. Ooh, good pet. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that yeah, that, that's really nice. Yeah, 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 he would fit right into the in Indiana Jones universe. Absolutely, absolutely. Jake, who do you got? Uh, I just have three myself. Uh, my number three is Johnny Depp's portrayal of Grindelwald in the Fantastic Beast sequel, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, yeah, I thought this, you know. On paper, I thought this could end up being very terrible, but I thought he ended up being a very menacing, formidable bad guy. And I really enjoyed his portrayal and hope we get to see more of it. My number three is Bullseye from Daredevil Season 3. I'm going to give as much love to Daredevil as I can. Why? Because we aren't going to get a Daredevil Season 4. Fuck you, Netflix. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Fuck you so hard for that. But yeah, Bullseye in Daredevil Season 3. Rebecca, who do you have as your number two? My number two and my number one, I waffled back and forth about this. Um, my number two is going to be... My number two is, is Killmonger. 
from from Black Panther. Um, I've given Michael B. Jordan a lot of love this episode. I gave Black Panther a good amount of love this episode. I Killmonger, uh, talking about sympathetic villains, right? This was a guy who, from a, a young age, was abandoned or, excuse me, orphaned through no fault of his own, through choices made by his family that he didn't even know existed at that moment, um, left alone to grow up in a terrible, rough neighborhood all by himself. This is a guy who's got a lot of anger inside of him and frustration and resentment, who spends his entire life plotting how he's going to get what he's owed. And watching that journey, even when we meet him, he's already an adult. He's had all those kills. He's marked up his body to show how many people he's killed. He's been training and fighting, preparing for this one moment to take over Wakanda. And then he fucking does. Like, he wins that fight. He becomes the king. Of course, he messes it all up. But the motivation behind it the anger, the frustration, the betrayal, and the desire to help. When he says he wants to use Wakanda's resources and he wants to send weapons to other black people in other parts of the world so they can stop being marginalized, so they can stop being abused, so they can stand up and get some kind of justice, how could you not understand where he's coming from? And I just, I mean, at the end when he dies, I mean, when he says, I mean, like, he, he even says to, to Black Panther, like, I'm going to live and, and then what? You'll heal me and I'll, you'll, I'll rot in a jail the rest of my life? Throw me into the ocean like my brothers did when they jumped off the slave ships. Oh, my God. I mean, talk about pathos and emotion and trauma and Michael B. Jordan just knocked it out of the park. So that's my number two. Jake, number two. Yeah, my number two is is also Killmonger. Yeah, Rebecca just said a lot of it there. I mean, to me, like some of the best villains are the ones that you kind of have to scratch your head after you see the performance and go, man, were they a villain? And then, you know, actually put the facts together and go, you know, you know, some of the foundations of why they were doing were definitely correct, but the way they went about doing them were probably not the best ways. And that's one of those type of characters here and just such an amazing performance. And yeah, I was blown away when he won that fight and became the king. Like I never expected that to happen. Like one plus one always equals two. And just to have the movie make that swerve just really blew me away. And that was kind of the moment it cemented him as just one of the great comic book movie cinematic villains for me. So yeah. Uh, my number two is Vincent D'Onofrio. As Kingpin in Daredevil season three. Oh, very nice. So excellent choice. Excellent choice. <laughs> love Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, love his portrayal of the Kingpin. This is the last year that I'll be able to ever give him this award for villain. He's won it before from me, and uh, he's he's you know he's won a uh, an award from me before, and I'm going to give it to him again. He was incredible. In uh, season three of Daredevil, and uh, gonna give it to Vinny D. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny D. For his uh, portrayal of the Kingpin in uh, Daredevil season three. I'm sorry, I'm having like this battle right now 
with my cat on my table. <laughs> yeah, you seem distracted. I am. I'm very up. distracted because he he is going after me right now. We're having a little battle on the table, aren't we, buddy? Uh, yeah, you're having fun, aren't you? He's vying for villain of the podcast. Yeah, there. you are. Yeah. Oh, he he, you are just a beautiful kitty cat, aren't you? He's a beautiful white kitty. He's just a, and he got a little bit of, a little hint of caramel on you. Aren't you? You're a little caramel vanilla squirrel baby, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Brian, we're recording. No, it's like. <laughs> I love this. Little, I love this little feline son of a bitch. You get me all wrapped up and I forget that I'm recording because you're so you're so handsome. You're a handsome little shit, aren't you? Hey, Rebecca, who's your number one? <laughs> I'm sorry. He's a handsome little shit. It's adorable. Um, so my my number one, um, I was going to give it to the guy who decided to show the Mission Impossible trailer 8,000 times. Oh, later. fuck you. Fuck but, off. I love that pick. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course you would. The two, pe- the two people that haven't seen the fucking movie are going to sit here and fucking. I definitely saw the trailer, though. <laughs> Yeah, and and you've seen you've seen Black Panther too, and you still don't know how to pronounce half the characters' goddamn names, do you? Uh, <laughs> Okie. Okay. Oh man, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the character's name here. Okie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the first thing we were talking about was now. Uh. Um, okay. No, that's not really my number one villain of the year, but my number one villain of the year is going to be Jake's like, oh, I kind of wish it was. Um, my number one villain is Rebecca. I for know. Not- right? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Who's your number one? Uh, it's, I, I have to give it to Thanos. Um <clears throat> Thanos was a character that was teased uh, over several movies to us, of course. Um, from the second that we got just that side view of him, the purple face, the helmet, all, all that, uh, I remember clearly being in the theater and everybody gasping and going, oh, my God, Thanos. And, like, that was it. That was the tease that we got for this villain. And Did, every, did on, everybody say that, though? Because, like, I heard, <laughs> no. I heard a lot of people say... Who who is that? Okay, well, the person <laughs> I was sitting next to, uh, who was my sister Janine, gasped and said, oh, "That's Thanos." And uh, so it was exciting because we knew that there was going to be something big coming. Um, and then to know that Josh Brolin was doing this with this character, they were doing the mocap work, um, and just Thanos's motivations. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's insane. Just, you know, oh, I'm going to eliminate half of every living thing in the universe and then it'll be perfectly balanced. And then you watch what he goes through to make this happen. The sacrifices that he makes, the people that he leaves behind, the people that he sacrifices to make this happen. Because in his mind... He is the hero of his own story, and that is what makes a really damn good villain. You never think you're a bad guy. You always think you're doing the right thing. And 
to have that attitude of I'm just doing this for your own good. Why don't you just just even if you don't appreciate it, I'm doing this for you. Um, I have to give it to Thanos. Uh, he yeah, of course, he went about it all the wrong way. But his motivations, when you think about it, you go, oh, hmm, scratch my head. But it kind of makes a little bit of sense. But, you know, um, and then the final performance that Josh Brolin gave, I thought, was absolutely incredible. And, uh, yeah, it's it's got to be Thanos. Jake. Yeah, I, I also gave it to Thanos. I mean, just like, you know, a fantastical villain like this could have just totally easily ended up like, shit on screen like this was just such a hard job to pull off like we kind of saw it with ultron in the last avengers movie like it so easily turned into a joke character and i think it would have been even easier to fuck thanos up honestly it's an even more nuanced character than that and just so much special effects on top of it as well but yeah it just they nailed it like you really believe this character there's actually people with you know thanos was right t-shirts on and he's that perfect villain that really believes everything he's doing for is for the greater good and you cannot convince him otherwise i mean to the extent where he's gonna kill one of the only people that he actually cares for and loves so you are not convincing this guy otherwise and it's just such a powerful entity the performance by josh brolin i mean he just really gave it his all um and i'm glad that he did because this character deserved that it would have been such a shame to have this character, you know, get Ultron as well and just be come off as a joke or a bad special effect. And that is not what we got here. And even in the early trailers, I feel like we were kind of worried that it could all end up being just a bad special effect. You know, lots of California raisin jokes until we actually mm-hmm. saw the plot and the performance. And that kind of grinded all that to a halt really quickly. And I'm glad it did. Yeah. My villain of the year is also Thanos. I mean, it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were all worried about this, Jake. We were worried. I mean, and Thanos is a big-time villain, and this is what they'd been leading up to since the end of Avengers back in 2012. This was six years in the making, and uh, they they nailed it. They pulled it off. I loved Thanos. Um, just, uh, yeah, Brolin killed it. Um, and the funny thing is, is, like, we could be a year from now saying Thanos again after Endgame. Uh, I hope we get the Mad Titan in the next one, because he seemed pretty calm and reserved in this one, and I loved that about it. But I want to see him kind of lose his shit here. And we've seen the promo pictures of him holding a sword, and uh, I want to see the Mad Titan in the next one. I want to see Thanos kind of like, uh, worried. I want to see him pissed off, you know? We saw him cool, calm, and collected, even in a fight with the Hulk this guy handled himself like Hulk was nothing. That was no challenge to him, man. And it's like, who the guys, you got to understand the Hulk fucking punched a Chitari space whale in the face and stopped it in its tracks. <laughs> do you get like, are you, mm-hmm. that's true. I mean, and here he is, here he is getting manhandled by Thanos. And we never saw anybody really challenge Thanos, you know, even even at the end, even at the end, you know, like when they've got him like, uh, you know, uh, arm pinned down and they're getting ready to take the gauntlet off. Who's to say once they got that gauntlet off, they, if they could have stopped him at that point, who's going to control the gauntlet? Who's strong enough to, hold, to, con- 
to control the gauntlet at that point. I mean, who's yeah, going to... St- I completely agree. Right? I mean, like, had they thought that pa- plan through? Because, you know, like, I, I honestly, I think the, the only character that could really control that gauntlet is maybe Doctor Strange? Possibly Strange? May, if, and Thor's not there? Thor's handling shit on Wakanda at that time? I mean, like... Yeah, and Strange has no learning curve. It's like put it on right now and, and use it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely yeah. true. So it it's yeah, Thanos was just an incredible fucking villain. Great performance by Brolin, great motion capture work. And um you know, just I mean, you look at like the the mistake of like what uh, Justice League did with Steppenwolf and introducing him in one film and just making him like a cookie cutter boring villain that last that left no lasting impression and yet marvel had been sprinkling in thanos and then by the time we actually got him for a film he's basically he feels like he's one of the main leads in the char- in the film and he and, and he was a great character and great representation so yeah thanos is a fucking sweep for the best villain of the year. Let's move on. Now, this is the biggest category of the year. Let's move on to the movie of the year. Pop Culture Leftovers Movie of the Year. This is the final category. So, Rebecca, give us your honorable mentions for movie of the year. My list is very extensive. I don't know about yours. Oh, God. This this was the hardest category for me because I had so many movies that I absolutely loved this year. And then just to pick one to say this was my movie of the year and then, like, honorable mentions, blah, blah, blah. But... Uh, some of the movies that I absolutely loved this year are my honorable mentions. It's going to be Green Book uh, with Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Um, I really encourage everyone to seek that movie out. I thought it was one of the best movies of this year. Um, if Beale Street Could Talk, uh, that came out at the end of the year, and it's not playing everywhere yet. But when it comes around wherever you are, you have to go see this movie. Uh, the soundtrack is incredible. Barry Jenkins did an incredible job. It's based on a on a book, and it's just the performances are beautiful, and the story is amazing, and it's heartbreaking, and it's beautiful, and it'll make you cry, it'll make you angry, but when it's over, you're going to love this movie because it made you feel all those things. Um the favorite, uh, that was another one. Um, a, a documentary that I saw this this past year that we haven't really talked about was Three Incredible Strangers. Mm. Um, I saw that in the theater. It's Three that, Identical Strangers. Oh, ident- incredible. Oh, my God. Identical Strangers. Thank you. Jeez. Um, but they were incredible. No. Um, 
<laughs> Listen and, to you trying to justify your fuck up. I know. I was trying to like make it work. But, that, you know, the most um, incredible thing is you trying to justify that bullshit. Anyway, I know. That, no, that no, was uh, ridiculous. No, <laughs> that is a great fucking documentary. I loved it. Yeah. it's Again, it's, I'm sure it's streaming now somewhere. It's the story of uh, three men who did not – they were triplets separated at birth and – they find each other, and and if you remember, um, I I don't really remember this story, but I was alive when it was happening. But um, these guys got a lot of fame and a lot of notoriety, and then when you find out the reason why they were separated, it is the the movie just takes mm-hmm. a turn. You're just like, oh my god, what the hell is happening here? Um, Another documentary I saw this year, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Mm. The Story of Fred Rogers. Um, this was a movie, I grew up watching Mr. Rogers. You guys probably did too. Uh, a lot of people grew up watching Mr. Rogers. This was a movie about the man behind the show. And just, this is a this is a documentary that I feel like is so relevant in today's climate of hate and people screaming at each other over differences in opinions. The story of Fred Rogers, how he got into children's programming is absolutely incredible. Um, You were never really there. We talked about that during uh, the show. Um, Overlord, uh, Bumblebee, Upgrade, A Quiet Place, Flower, The Post, Vice, which, um, you know, just came out also too. I think, I, I I think I, I really loved this movie. It, I I laughed, uh, but it was also very eye opening. Uh, it was it, it talked about a lot of stuff that I was just like, if it's all true, my God, this is absolutely insane. And also to uh, Annihilation and um, American Animals, which was another really great movie I enjoyed this year. It was half documentary, half of. Uh, half um scripted movie about a, a, a heist that these kids pull off at a college um was absolutely insane but so well done rebecca Kept me engaged. Mm-hmm. american animals i saw that movie too um just something i wanted to bring up to you since you have seen yeah. this movie is i love the movie as well but let me ask you this question yeah after seeing the movie do you think that the movie kind of turns these guys into celebrities do you think it kind of glorifies them you know that's a really that's a really good question and it's a fair question to ask um to be completely honest it kind of does and and it is a negative strike against that movie because it it does a little bit make them a little bit famous and Obviously, like I'm not, I I don't agree with making criminals famous. I don't think that's a good thing to do. But um, I thought for the story they told and the way that they told it, it kept me engaged and interested the whole time. I loved the movie. This wasn't something. Yeah. This wasn't like something that I thought about when I watched the movie. It was something like post watching the movie and reading up about these guys and then reading different. Uh, you know, articles about them. And then I was like, Oh my God. Um, yeah, this movie does kind of turn these guys into celebrities and try to make them look fun and cool. And 
glorifies this story, but in all actuality, like these guys like scared a woman half to death and made her pee herself. That was very hard to watch. That that scene yeah. was very difficult to watch and I felt like I if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that when they show the real people in the documentary portion of it, when they talk about that scene, all those guys get very emotional and they really regret it. And I'm not here saying like, oh, they're fucking heroes because now they feel sorry for that. But They're fucking uh, douchebags. I still think are. they're all fucking they douchebags. They are. I, I think they are. And I think like th- there's no good guys in this story. Th- th- this is not like. The problem uh, is like I, the the director actually like when he first started doing this didn't know if he was going to put the real guys in the movie got to talking to them and then threw them in the movie and I think that the director became friends with them throughout this process and okay. I, I think that that kind of affected the way that they're viewed throughout this movie when in all actuality like the movie's called American Animals these guys are fucking animals in my fucking opinion for them to do what they did and to fucking put that like that woman I guarantee you like anybody that's involved in like I know I'm like this is like the Tupperwares. We're supposed to be talking about stuff that we love, but like I've been, you're like the only, you're one of the only people that I know that have watched this movie, and it's like this woman, what she went through. It feels like she's probably going to be like going through some sort of like post traumatic stress disorder for the rest of her life, dealing with like these guys right. holding her up in this way. She she pissed herself. It was like a terrible fucking yeah. scene. It was like. And like the movie does kind of glorify these fucking pricks. I don't know. I I love the movie when I watched it, but then I like now I have a problem with I it. I got you. I, I hear. Yeah. You. I, I I I don't think anything you're saying is unfair or or untrue. Oh, I, yeah, and I'm not attacking I, you for like loving oh, this movie because no. I, I I don't feel that way at all. Yeah. Like I, I think I, ta- I, I I think I Tupperwareed it so. Yeah, I think I would too. Actually, I I thought the way that the story was told, and and, and at no point did I personally sitting in the theater feel like, "Wow, these guys are fucking heroes." Like at first, I never did. It, it's like it's a difference between watching this movie, but and it like does try to humanize them in a way where, like, I feel like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I I get what you're saying, but like. I don't know. I, I I can't really like defend these guys as people, but like when I watch Ocean's Eight or a, a heist movie like that, or any heist movie really, like there's always somebody getting robbed. There's always going to be somebody that is going to be traumatized and and victimized. And at the end of the day, like I'm watching a movie about a bunch of guy, a bunch of people who steal something from somebody else. And then the, the thing is, like, if I'm entertained by it, why am I entertained by it? Is it because, like, it's like a Robin Hood complex or because just the way it worked out, I thought it was interesting? In this case, I, I didn't feel like these guys had a Robin Hood complex in any way. I thought these were just a bunch of dumb kids who got high all the time and decided, hey, we should steal that art book and make a bunch of fucking money. And I thought it was interesting the way that they presented the story. I do, too. But I honestly feel like post the film, these guys are now like mini celebrities in the world that they live in. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to think about like these guys fucking like getting laid because they were in this fucking cool movie. Right. 
and that bothers me now. Upon- I, I hear you. I, yeah. I, I absolutely, mm. I absolutely hear what you're saying, and I, I absolutely value your opinion on think that. Think about I this. I disagree with you on that. I know you. Uh, here's the thing. It's like think about this. Think about if that was your fucking mom. That was sure. the woman that was doing her job in that library, and these guys come in there and scare her half to death, waving guns around, and she pees herself. And like right. now these guys are on this fucking documentary and they're fucking like joking around like you got the one guy showing his fucking funny tattoo. And now and now you, now they're out there fucking like, you know, oh, yeah, I was in this movie, like sit, bringing some girl home and saying, hey, you want to see this movie I was in? And she watches right. it. Oh, look at this guy. He was in this movie. And then this piece of shit fucking, you know, you know, look, I don't know. It's just like it just make kind of makes me sick now that I think about it. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? It's a, no, it does make sense what, what you're saying. And I, I'm sorry I to like hijack your whole thing here. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. It, it, it's a movie that is very polarizing. And it obviously yeah. like it brings out a lot of very strong emotions in people. It's bringing out strong emotions in both of us about how we feel about the movie. And I, I'll be honest, like I saw it one time in the theater. I was like, oh, my gosh, this movie's amazing. Mm-hmm. I could go and watch it t- tomorrow and watch it again through different eyes and go, Oh man, this movie's kind of gross. Yeah. Like, why did I like this? Yeah, it's and, called American Animals, and I, you can probably watch it right now. And like, the, upon first viewing, I thought it was an amazing movie. But then I thought about like how they kind of like portrayed these guys, and like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, I, let's. Sh- I'll shut up and I'll continue with your list. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. You're fine. That, that's actually it for my honorable mentions. My number three. Uh, it's going to be A Star is Born. I mean, we've talked about this movie a million times now, so uh, nothing more to add. That's my number three, Star is Born. There you go. I'm so sorry. Jesus. (laughs) I was like a fascinated listener during all that, too. I'm I'm sorry, Jake. I hope it wasn't like No, don't be sorry. I've had experiences like that all the time, man. With reading books, honestly, a lot, too. I I really enjoy something in, in movies, and then it's like, yeah, kind of the way I feel about it months later or even days later completely changes. You know, I'm almost embarrassed for myself for like, God, why did I enjoy that so much? That's a terrible thing, you know, but you, you can't just, beat yourself up, up or stuff. Yeah, like that, I just you know? I had a different viewpoint about American animals upon like thinking about it and like reading up on it and stuff like that. And then I was like, yeah, what if these douchebags are bringing, you know, like, get, you know, getting action because of this, uh, their celebrity now in this movie. And it's like. These are the same guys that terrified a woman thinking that they that she might lose her life and it's right I don't know. Yeah, you're a I mean you're a good dude, man. Yeah, I mean and you feel guilty for enjoying this thing and then finding out all these facts after, you know. Yeah. After the fact, it's like fuck, you know. Yeah. Somebody I had listened to, you know, I had listened to some discussions on other podcasts and read some articles and I was just like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really well done. But then I was like, I saw it from another angle and I was just like, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I was fascinated what you're saying about how even the directors kind of became a little bit chummy with these guys. Yeah, that's kind of fucked up. It is fucked up. It really is. It didn't start off that way. It just kind of turned into that whole thing. So. That doesn't help matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jake, but what yeah, do you got? Um, I, I just have a few honorable mentions. Uh, I mean, of course, the fantastic comic book movies we got this year with Infinity War and, and Black Panther. 
Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to A Quiet Place. We've talked about it a few times. Um, and hard to bring it up, it up without bringing up the recent Bird Box, which I absolutely loved. I know it's kind of polarizing and some people detest it. But yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I also wanted to bring up a comedy I really loved from 2018, which was definitely Game Night. Um, that one kind of came out of nowhere. I did not see it in the theater, but got it on the VOD and just I'm not really the biggest comedy guy, but I was just dying during this movie. And Rachel McAdams was fantastic. And I don't really ever think of her as much of a comedy actress. And Jason Bateman, of course, you know, we know he's got the comedy chops. But, yeah, that's about it for my honorable mentions. And then let me get to my number three here. I'm giving number three to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, yeah, I had to put it up into this list, too. Honestly, it was one of my favorite movies of the year not just my favorite comic book movie of the year it was my third favorite movie of the year altogether so giving it to spider-man into the spider-verse i we've talked about this one on and on and on and on so i will pass it over to you brian i can't wait to hear where your uh, your countdown is Whew, i have a fuck ton of movies here people i watch a lot of movies in a year so i've got a lot of honorable mentions uh first honorable mention is going to be bumblebee loved bumblebee Next honorable mention uh, is going to be Before We Vanish. I talked about that earlier. Loved that movie. It is now on Hulu. Get on Hulu and watch Before We Vanish. Uh, next movie I want to talk about is Minding the Gap. This was the uh, documentary that's uh, on Hulu. Had a limited theatrical release. It's directed by Bing Liu, and it tells the story of three young men that bond together to escape volatile families in uh, Rockford, Illinois. And um, it's a story that talks about their decade-long friendship. It's, a, it's an amazing story about uh, these guys who their friendship is about skateboarding. That's how they became friends. But it also deals with their story of poverty, their story of abuse, their uh, masculinity. And it, it's, it, you know, it's told in such a personal way. And you would not have been able to get this story from these different men if it was not for the friendship that the director actually had with these men personally. Um, we never would have seen the, the side of these guys had it not been for Bing Liu's friendship with these guys. It's an incredible movie. Um, next movie is Won't You Be My Neighbor? Won't You Be My Neighbor? Just like Rebecca, you love this movie too. It's the documentary about Fred Rogers. Um, next runner up is you were never really here. I loved it too. Rebecca Joaquin Phoenix, amazing performance. Um, Mandy is my next runner up. I loved this movie. Um, Nicholas cage. It's about, uh, a couple living in the forest and something terrible happens to them. And, uh, you've got Nicholas cage being, the most Nicholas Cagey you've ever fucking seen. And he fights demon biker henchmen and um, a Charles Manson-like cult leader. It is an amazing drug-fueled fantasy thriller horror film. My next movie is Halloween, the new reboot. Uh, 40 years after the events of Halloween, it totally says fuck you to Halloween 2 and then like the 3, 4, 5 sequels that happened after that. <laughs> Um, next movie is Assassination Nation. I loved Assassination Nation. Not many people saw this movie. Not many people were talking about this movie. It is one of my favorites of this year. It's directed by Sam Levinson. And uh, it's about a, a data hack that happens in this very small town of Salem. And it exposes all the secrets of the people in this town. 
And uh, at that point, chaos just kind of ensues this town, and people are fighting and killing each other. Joel McHale stars in this movie. He is great. I love that movie. Overlord is uh, up there on my list. Love this movie. World War II movie. It happens on the D-Day, on the eve of, uh, eve of D-Day in 1944. Um, American paratroopers go behind enemy lines to destroy a radio tower, and they find out that the uh, Germans have developed some sort of a serum that is turning people into, I, I want to say zombies. Fuck it, zombies. They shall not grow old. That is also on my list here. Just talked about that last week. Loved this movie. Saw it in 3D. It's the World War I film directed by Peter Jackson. Highly recommend it. Free Solo. Free Solo. This is the movie that follows Alex Honnold. The uh, climber, uh, rock climber, mountain climber, and he becomes the first person to ever free solo climb Yosemite's 3,000-foot-high El Capitan wall. This is a wall that basically is uh, just like kind of like a 90-degree angle. It goes straight up, and he goes he, – he climbs it with no ropes or safety gear, which is a free solo climb. And it is all documented, and I saw this on the big screen, and it was incredible. Next movie is Crazy Rich Asians. I loved this movie. One of my favorite rom-coms of all time. I think it falls behind uh, When Harry Met Sally and Forget Paris. And then right there is Crazy... Oh, I I love Serendipity. Fuck everybody. I don't care. John Cusack. John Cusack. (laughs) I love serendipity. Fuck you. I hate that one. Fuck you. Who's the Who's the female lead in that? It's the girl from Underworld. Oh, Beckinsale. Uh, Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack, and it all starts in a little fucking shop where they're trying to get gloves. They want the same pair of gloves. <laughs> Fuck you, Rebecca. <laughs> I know. It's fine. Rebecca audibly groaned. I was like, ugh. I, I don't like that one at all. I fucking I love that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> that's number... Th- I will say that's number three, and then number four oh. is going to be crazy. Fuck you, number again. Three? <laughs> number three? I'm number three? Number three is okay. serendipity. Number one, When Harry Met Sally. Number two, Forget Paris, another Billy Crystal vehicle. Number three, John Cusack, Kate Beckinsale, and Serendipity. And number four is Crazy Rich Asians, which is also on my list this year. Um, number, I don't care. That, this is, these are my choices. Um, also, uh, The Favorite. I uh, loved The Favorite. Um, I did not think that I was going to love this movie as much as I did. The performances by Emma Stone. Um, Rachel Weiss and um, uh, what's her name? Olivia Coleman. Absolutely incredible. Upgrade. Upgrade. Throwing that on my list. Loved Upgrade. This movie is incredible. Lee Winnell, we've talked about it before. Watch it. Great sci fi. Searching with John Cho. Loved this movie. This movie is so good. I'm telling you, the first time you watch Searching, it is an experience. There is nothing like it. It is awesome all takes place on screens. It's a total screen movie. It's just an incredible way of storytelling. Uh, Game Night also made my list, Jake. I love this movie. Saw it twice in the theaters. It made me laugh so much. I have a huge crush on... Uh, what's her face? What's her, what, what's her name, Jake? 
Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. Love her. God, she's just uh, just so she's just adorable. And I love her. And she's got a great personality in that movie. And I love her character. Annihilation. Fucking neighbor. Oh, yeah. Oh, fucking Jesse Plemons is the neighbor with his Westie dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the, the scene with the fucking blood. <laughs> I love I love that movie. Game Night is incredible. Um, Annihil- yeah, that was one of those movies when I when I tore my Achilles tendon, I was still rocking the the fucking boot and shit and going out. And uh, Game Night was one of those movies that really helped me through that time. I saw it twice and it made me laugh and I love it. Annihilation, Alex Garland's film. I I I loved this movie. Alex Garland destroyed. Um, this, uh, he's destroyed the sci-fi genre. He's amazing. He killed it. I loved Annihilation. A Quiet Place is on my list. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, again, on this list. If Beale Street Could Talk, the new Barry Jenkins film, is on this list. Leave No Trace, uh, Deborah Granick-directed film starring Ben Foster. I loved Leave No Trace. Blind Spotting again. I cannot recommend this movie enough. Please watch Blind Spotting. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this this movie is brilliant. It's not. I'm telling you, this isn't just like an. This isn't like an artsy film. There is. There are like Kevin Smith levels of like humor in this. Like I'm talking like good Kevin Smith humor. I'm not talking like fucking like. Uh, you know what's the new one that he did with the uh, the girls and the what was that thing called uh, yoga hosers? No, like this is like old school Kevin Smith humor, like some and like this the Raphael Casal, the guy that um, that plays his buddy Miles, like like the, like he reminds me of like uh, Vince Vaughn in many ways, just like how cool and how smooth he is and what a great actor he is in this fucking film. Incredible movie. Um, and David Diggs is great in it. Um, eighth grade makes my list. Uh, green book makes my list. Black Panther makes my list. Roma makes my list. These are all runners up. I loved all these films and my number three Fuck you, Rebecca. Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> this is you the. You didn't just change that to spy her, did you? No, I did not. I t- okay, I could okay. take a. Sc- I'll, I will take a screenshot right now of my computer, and it says number three, Mission Impossible Fallout. Mission Impossible Fallout. None of the actors won any awards this uh, uh, for this tuppies, but in the past, Rebecca Ferguson has. She's won Female Actor of the Year. And she won that a few years ago uh, for the last Mission Impossible film. This one, she was pregnant, but she was still kicking ass in this movie. Um, Mission Impossible Fallout, like, this is the perfect summer blockbuster as far as, like, wanting to see, like, spy action film. Like, this is it. It is incredibly shot. And um, just an amazing action film. So that is my number three, Mission Impossible Fallout. I loved it. Saw it in IMAX. I saw this one in the theater like two, three times. Um, I absolutely love this film. And it really, like, really brought together, like, past films in the Mission Impossible franchise. Like, it didn't forget about them. Many things from the past Mission Impossible films are brought up 
throughout this movie and it is so good so that is my number three movie of the year um, i love that pick brian i love a good popcorn pick yeah so that is it uh rebecca what is your number two my number two is black panther i what else can i say i love this movie uh i thought everybody in it was absolutely amazing i thought the girl who played shuri practically stole this movie um, I loved all the new characters that they introduced here. Um, I love what they did um, with uh, all of the... I, I just love what they did with Wakanda. I love that they made Wakanda as amazing as the comic books have always told us it is. And we saw it on screen. And I loved all this. I loved all of the women warriors. I, I loved how badass they all were. I loved how these were the women who were charged with protecting the king and they had no problem doing it and no one had a problem with women being in charge of it. Um, such a good movie. I, I just I loved it so much. That's that's my number two. All right, Jake, what do you got for your number two? Uh, my number two is Mary Poppins Returns. Um, I had to give it to this. I was so worried that this movie would be absolute, just total dreck. And it was not that in any way for me. I, I just completely adore this movie. Um, like I said earlier, Emily, Emily Blunt stole my heart. Um, I'm not the biggest Lin-Manuel fan. Like, I just don't know what it is about him that i not the big Hamilton guy. So I was kind of worried what I was going to feel about that. But I thought he was just fantastic the obviously the dick van dyke performance was just amazing and just the fact that they did you know so much old school animation here and didn't try to really modernize it with a bunch of fancy cg stuff it really felt like a sequel that took place just a year later with you know the types of scenery and effects we were seeing so yeah i'm so glad that this wasn't a mockery of the franchise i i hate when sequels make me think lesser of the original thing and i was very much worried that that was going to happen here and i would get get the whole thing a little bit tarnished but no it, it just got enhanced by this amazing movie so thank you uh, my number two is a star is born yeah we've talked about this like, i don't know what else to say i loved it i thought it was great loved the music loved all the acting lady gaga's incredible bradley cooper's incredible um this movie made me feel things and that's why it's so high up on my list it made me feel things like i'm i'm you know like i'm tearing up in the theater the music the music pulled emotions out of me and it made me feel things and i love this movie um so yeah star stars born is my number two rebecca what is your movie of the year all right Call me basic once again because it's Infinity War. I just, I mean, what else can we add to this movie? I just, I loved it. I loved it so much. I mean, yeah, it's not an art house film. It's not a documentary. It's not some, uh, it, it's, it's a comic book film, uh, but it's the movie that I had the most fun watching this year and the movie that just fulfilled so many expectations that I had for it. And um, I don't know, watching this movie right at the end where they're on Titan and Spider-Man says to Tony Stark, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. I don't want to go. And how sorry he is. I'm so sorry. And it just reminds you that 
Spider-Man's just a kid. He's just a teenage he's just a teenage boy who's in high school who's trying to do the right thing. And I know this wasn't a Spider-Man movie, but it's moments like that that made me it 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 hit me more than I I ever thought it could. And then just watching it all play out, watching Steve have to watch Bucky die again, having to watch um watch Black Panther disappear, watch Groot disappear and and Rocket just being like devastated. These are CGI characters, but they made me feel a lot of things that I didn't expect to feel in a comic book movie. And so that's that's my number one of the year. There you go. Uh, Jake, what is your number one? I'm giving my number one to A Star is Born. Yeah, and like you said, we've said so much, but I'll talk a little bit more about it. I mean, yeah, this movie just absolutely melts me, and it's almost a harder watch the second time than the first time, right? Because the first time, the first half is just so magical, but then with the second time, when when you have all the knowledge of how everything's going to end up, it's just almost more painful to see the good stuff, right? It's just such a crazy roller coaster of emotions when you watch this movie and just this movie is the movie with the best soundtrack of the year i mean just listening to the soundtrack now gives me goosebumps every time it's just incredible like there's little snippets of dialogue that's on the soundtrack in between every track and you're just like oh and oh yeah this movie was absolutely wonderful so like we said i hope it's not a the bodyguard for lady gaga hopefully she has something else you know, inner. And I, I'm pretty sure Bradley Cooper is going to direct another really good movie, though. I think that one might be in the bag. My number so, one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Star is Born. Oh, sorry, Brian. I was just going to say a Star is Born. It gets my Tupperware for a movie of the year. Uh, number one for me is when I, I mean, you know, I try to, when I pick these movies, I try to think about like, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, what is the movie that I'm going to remember, you know, from that year? What's the movie that I'm not going to forget? And uh, number one for me, 2018 is Avengers Infinity War. Like, that's the movie that I will never forget. Like, that's the movie that hit me the hardest. And, yeah, call me Basic Brian, I guess, Rebecca. Because, like, for (laughs) me, I mean, Avengers Infinity War is 2000. Like, Avengers Infinity War owned 2018. It owned this year. Like, this was the year of Avengers Infinity War. Like, it was all leading up to this. And, you know, like, I saw a lot of great movies this year. And I saw a lot of great movies in the theater. Like, I loved Roma. You know, I loved Green Book. You know, I loved Leave No Trace, If Bill Street Could Talk, Mission Impossible, Stars Born, Eighth Grade. I loved all those movies. Like, this is a hard thing to to pick but at the end of the day in 20 years if somebody asked me like you know like what mo- and I gotta think to myself like how many times did I see Avengers Infinity War in the theater I saw it five fucking times I mean <laughs> if, if that doesn't oh, tell no. you that I love the movie then I don't know what else to say there's a lot of great movies this year there really were a lot of incredible mo- I loved Annihilation saw Annihilation twice in the theater Loved and I saw a Star is Born twice in the theater. Saw Spider Man Into the Spider Verse twice in the theater. You know, I mean, these are movies that I Overlord saw it twice in the fucking theater. Overlord, you know, I mean, these are movies that I really, really loved. But like when it comes down to it, twenty years from now, 
somebody asked me, like, what was the movie of 2018? It's, and I'm not just saying Avengers Infinity War because, like, you know, that's the movie to say. I'm, that's the movie that defined my fucking year. And, like, you know, because I, I, I love the Marvel movies. If you listen to our show, like, I'll spend a lot of time talking about theories and about... And it's, I don't sit there and talk about it just because I think that's what our listeners want to hear. I talk about this shit because I fucking love it. And this movie gave me everything and more of what I love. And it um, that's why I'm speculating as to, like, what's going to happen in Endgame. Because I love it so much. And so Avengers Infinity War, for me, hands down, <laughs> is going to be my movie of the year for 2018. So it's not a basic pick, Rebecca. Yeah, yeah. Hands, great pick for both of you. Yay, we did it. We picked yeah. the movies. <laughs> yeah, we did so, stuff. Yay. Yay, us. I, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, how can you not pick it? I mean, and I think it's a bold pick for even like you, Brian. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, if you look back to just Avengers 2, which you absolutely detested, and within one movie, you're making it your movie of the year. So, I mean, that's, that's fucking awesome, you know? Oh, God. Age of Ultron was shit. I'm so glad <laughs> it was garbage. <laughs> I, I will stick to that to the day I die. That movie's garbage. Anyway, I don't, yeah, it is. It, it's a huge thing. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, I'm going to pick something else. Um, be, you know, no, it, like this year was Avengers. And it got me so excited. I loved it. It. And it did make it, it made me feel a lot of emotions as well. Like Rebecca, you're talking about like Peter Parker leaving us, and it's like that hit me. We're you know Gam- mm-hmm. you know Gamora dealing with the you know daddy issues with Thanos was like hard, and and Peter Quill having to make that choice of like, am I going to pull the trigger and take out Gamora? Yeah, we know what happened. We know it. It was bubbles and shit, but like he still pulled the fucking trigger, and that yeah. was still an emotional scene, you know. I mean, we saw, we saw, oh my God, the fucking, like, within one fucking movie, within one fucking movie, I care about the relationship between Vision and Scarlet Witch at the end of that movie. Are you kidding me? Are you Mm -hmm. kidding me? They they do all this. They, They do all of it within one fucking film. And you give me a scene where short, where Thor shows up in Wakanda and starts kicking ass with Groot and Rocket. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How do you do this? How do you craft this movie? How do you make it work? They did. They made it work. This is, I mean, and I'm not going to sit here. You people, you people know that I don't get on here and I fuck, I don't Tupperware and love every fucking Marvel movie. I still don't think Homecoming was this, was amazing. It's, it's, it's uh, shit, man. Homecoming is one of my least favorite Spider-Man movies. And I know some people think I'm crazy right now, but I don't think it's that great. So I'm not. But my, the, what I'm saying here is to prove my point is I don't get on here and I don't just like Tupperware every fucking Marvel movie. I'm very critical of these Marvel films. I just don't I don't give them a fucking pass just because they're Marvel movies. I will. If if it's a shit movie, I'm going to let you know. And I thought Avengers Age of Ultron was shit. And I tossed that fucking movie right out of the gate. So I'm not I'm not fucking around with these movies, but Avengers Age of uh, Avengers Infinity War, excuse me, was amazing. <laughs> it was an amazing movie, 
and uh, it was made by incredible directors. So I Tupperware the fuck out of it. And I don't know how was this. How was the Tupperwares this year? Was it okay? Mm. I loved it. It was fantastic. I had fun. <laughs> yeah, I had fun too. I don't care what people think. These these episodes are always super fun for me. I, I love hearing what you guys think and. I thought, Rebecca, you did a fantastic job. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much. I'm not going to lie. I told this to Brian. I was nervous. I was very nervous to pick uh, movies that I thought were the best or mm. uh, actors, actresses, etc. I got very nervous making my list. I had like several, I had like eight or ten drafts of my list here. But, uh, yeah, I, I also enjoyed listening to what you guys said. I I. I, of course, like I get excited when my friends like the same stuff I do, but then I also get excited to hear my friends talk about uh, movies that I haven't seen yet or shows I haven't seen yet and why they love them. And it makes me want to watch it so that I can like text you guys and be like, oh, my gosh, I watched that movie that you raved about. And now we can talk about it. And that's yeah, I always love hearing that stuff, too. My advice to everybody is like, you know, some of these movies you can watch right now. Like, you can watch them right now. If you have Canopy, you can watch like First Reformed. Um, if you have uh, Hulu, you can get on there and you can watch um, uh, Minding the Gap. You can watch um, um, Before We Vanish. Uh, I mean, you can watch. Uh, My big takeaways are upgrading Green Room. Not that green. I need to see. Green, green Book. Green Book. Green Book. Green book. Yeah, Green Room is with Patrick. Oh, that's the Patrick Stewart. Yeah, that's a Patrick Stewart Anton Yelkin movie. And that no, that's a great movie too. Watch that shit. But get on um, Amazon and watch Leave No Trace with Ben Foster. Um, I promise you, it is. I'm telling you, it is an incredible fucking movie. Um, Annihilation just got released on um, Amazon. You can watch Annihilation on Amazon. Uh, Molly's Game is on Showtime right now. Nice. And I know I that, need to see that that made my Tupperwares last year, Rebecca, because that came out at the end of 2017, I believe. Or. Oh, OK. Oh, the, OK. I thought it came out in January. My, it, okay. And it may have. But like, I don't know. I if it didn't make my list last year, it should. I think I remember. I think I gave Jessica Chastain a tuppy last year. I remember you talking about Molly's game last year, Tupperware, now that you've mentioned it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I guess I'm, I, maybe I thw in January then. Maybe that's what it was, but yeah, yeah it, it probably came out. On a, it doesn't matter. Tupperware. Like I gave counterpart a fucking tuppy and it's like that came out last year and this year. So like, I don't know. I gave Ragnarok a tuppy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fucking you gave the shadow a tuppy. Yeah. The <laughs> <shadow>. <laughs> I made one note that the, uh, the closest we got to bringing up Solo was when Brian gave uh, Free Solo an honorable mention. That's yeah, true. <laughs> that's so fucking true. Um, I recommend everybody needs to watch Blind Spotting. I'm telling you, Blind Spotting is awesome. It is so fucking good. Seek it out. You will love it. I'm not kidding you. It's funny. It's funny, but then all of a sudden, like, it hits you with, like, some real shit. And it tell and, like, it. it I don't, oh God, you got to see it. Like, and it's so topical right now with like, you know, like, um, you know, young black men getting shot in the streets for basically for being black men, you mm -hmm. know, by police officers. <sighs> it deals with that. But like, it also has a ton of humor in it too. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great fucking movie. I love blind spotting. So good. Anyway, that's it. That's the six annual Tupperware awards. 
All right. Good stuff. Awesome. We did it. Rebecca, you did it. It was your first time. How, how was it? did it. <laughs> how was it? Did you, you enjoyed it? It was a lot, of, a lot of fun. I had a blast. I had a blast uh, discussing all these movies with you guys. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on this episode. I had so mm-hmm. much fun. I hope to have you back next year. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. I like from uh, this is not just because of all the beer I drank this evening, but I, <laughs> I, I just want to say I really do love you guys. I mean, I know we say it all the time. Oh, I love you guys. Yeah. Whatever, but I mean, you guys mean the world to me. The leftover army means the world to me. Um, I, I don't know, like. 2018 ended on a difficult note for me, which uh, some people know about, some people don't. But just knowing that I I have you guys around, I have a leftover army around, like it's just it it's so it just means a lot to me. And yeah, I mean, getting on Skype and just talking to you guys, I don't know, it's just like refreshing to me, like just to just to bullshit with you guys. And it's, it, it's great. Awesome. It's a really cool thing. And and you know the thing is, it's like I. I, um, Jake, I know like some people have like listened in the past to our show with like a critical ear and, um, they've come out vocally and said like, oh, I hate this. And I, you know, I hate you guys. I hate Brian or most of the time it's, I hate Brian. Um, but, and I've heard that and I've read it and I've seen it and it's like, if these people would have just came out and maybe not said anything and stuck around. I think they could still have been a part of this community. It's crazy that people just kind of like turn this away. Cause like, there's a great group of people here. I don't like, I get it, man. I get it. Not, you're not going to like love everything, but it's, it's almost for me at this point, it's kind of crazy for people not to at least like the community that we have, like the people or just made, move on. Like why? Yeah. yeah. You know, like if why, you don't have why constructive criticism, why, why be an asshole? Why take the time to write something so hurtful and so negative when you could just scroll by and not say anything? Yeah, <laughs> like move on to the next podcast. Exactly. And we don't need to, to hear thing, about you, right? Exactly. Yeah, I've gotten I've gotten emails. I don't know. It's it's crazy. I've gotten uh, my skin has gotten a lot thicker over the years from doing this. Oh yeah, hasn't sure. yours, Jake? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I can just remember, like, the early days. Yeah. Like, I, sometimes I felt like I would have to be, like, the calming voice when we get, like, a negative review and be like, dude, fuck these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was, it, yeah, it was hard. I mean, it's because, like, you know, like, around, like, because we all, like, try to st- stick around in our s- little safe bubble. You know what I mean? We're, yeah, like, yeah. we have our friends and, like, we don't want to, like, nobody wants to go out and seek negativity. And but see the thing is like when you do a podcast like this, you are putting yourself out there. And like as we've grown, like we've picked up more of an audience, and like not everybody loves it. So like you are going to hear those negative things. Um, I've th- th- there was a point in time in the early days where like this shit kind of like really did bother me. But on the flip side, it's like there's nothing, Jake, that anybody can say to me that I already haven't said to myself and said it 10 times worse. I think I'm the, the, I'm the hardest on myself. There is nothing that anybody's ever written or said about me in any form of like email, Facebook post, 
um, Twitter message, um, you know, even on our website, people write stuff and say negative things about me. There's nothing you've said about me that I've never said about myself, and I've said it like ten times harsher. So, but it it it's not. I'm not saying like, oh, that makes it better. It makes it feel any better, you know. But yeah, exactly. My, people can be some real fucking jerks. Yeah, but my skin has gotten mm-hmm. so much thicker over time, and just like to the point where it's like somebody says like that first negative thing, and it's like okay you're dead to me now. And like, I will, I'll, I'll either never respond to your email again. Cause you've like destroyed any kind of like relationship we could have had, or I will just block you on Facebook or block you on Twitter. It doesn't take much. It really doesn't because it doesn't Jake. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you let, yeah, why fuck around? Why bicker? Exactly. If you let people in that are negative, that, that could be a poison and you, if you let, and some, sometimes I know we're not even talking about the Tupperwares anymore, but if you like let people in, that'll say like one negative thing that seeps in like that. And it just lingers there. Like that can become like, uh, you know, like that can become like a bigger thing. Like, and, and, and I just, I don't know. I, there's so much negativity, you know, that I just, I don't need it around. Mm. So, I, I'd much rather get on here with you guys and talk about everything that we loved about 2018 in pop culture. That's way more fun and that's way more therapeutic to me than almost anything else, right? So, like, just sitting here and like thinking about, like, Jake, when you, with with you talking about like Mary Poppins Returns and how much you loved it, and I I saw that movie too, and it just reminded me like. Yeah, I did like that movie. That was a really good movie. And, oh, man, yeah, it really did. It it felt like it fit in the world of Mary Poppins. Like, just hearing how much you loved it and especially knowing that how how much you loved that first movie, like, that just makes me so happy. Like, that that just makes me glad that you had that experience and went to the theater and had a great time and, and enjoyed that movie. Like, that makes me happy that my friend got to do that. And I'd rather sit and talk about that for five hours with you guys than anything else. Oh, Rebecca, don't worry about the fact that, like, not everybody is going to agree with our opinions. Because, like, the whole intro to this episode is me basically saying these are our opinions. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Trust me. Like, I don't fuck around with that shit. Because, like, every time that we come out with one of these episodes, like, I would say the last two or three years like the intros to these shows has been basically me saying like hey these are our opinions if you have your own opinion as to like what you loved and it didn't line up with like what you loved this year then you know like that's your opinion these are our choices like that's what this is about we're celebrating our choices and like you can come along for the ride. It's it's not like I hate it when like we get on here and we're like, oh, I lo-, you know, like these are our choices for the things that we loved. And then like somebody calls us out on Twitter and says like, I can't believe you forgot to bring up this or like I can't believe you brought up that as like one of your favorite things. And it's like, dude, if you if you feel that fucking strongly about it, start your own podcast and then and then podcast about that. Like like. You know, yeah, these, yeah it's I subject- agree. Even with each other on these Tupperware episodes, I feel like it's just mutual respect. Like yeah. I, it, it's not the episode where I'm going to argue with you about 
whether or not something's good. It's the fucking Tupperware. You exactly. Know what I'm exactly. Mm-hmm. Th- that being said, thank fucking God you didn't bring up Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, Jake. I don't give a shit what anybody says about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I love that fucking movie. It's a fucking pl- Fuck you, Rebecca, and your cackling ass over there. <laughs> you want to know why I'm laughing so hard? I don't know, Queen Cackle. Wait, Jesus Christ. On. I'm going to tell you why. Because as we're wrapping up, I said to myself, I can't believe Brian hasn't talked about Jurassic World. <laughs> because I knew you fuckers would do this kind of shit. No, I would have. Resp- I would have. I would have. Uh, unlike Rebecca with Mission Impossible, I would have even respected a Jurassic Park tub. I I didn't disrespect. Your hey, hold on a second. I didn't disrespect your choice of Mission Impossible for you. That's fine. You love that movie. You love that franchise. Oh I no, it's fine. It's fine it. since you haven't watched a single fucking one of them in over a no. fucking decade. Oh, oh, stop it. That is not true. That is not <laughs> true at all. I have watched them within the last, I want to say I've watched at least a couple of those Mission Impossible movies in the last three years. Oh wow. Not a decade. Okay, what's the last? Whatever, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> oh man, I'm loving the Tupper Wars. <laughs> Tupper Wars. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Listen, this is impossible. Makes you happy. That's fine. Enjoy it. Be happy with it. I'm not telling you not to enjoy it. I it, love it. That's great. <laughs> hold on. In <laughs> Jurassic <laughs> World, <laughs> man, it did not take much to stir up that shit. <laughs> No, I feel like you feel like you're talking to like a fucking like some stupid little kid that likes dumb dinosaur movies. Hey, if you like stupid little dinosaurs, that's fine with me, Brian. And if you like stupid little action movies with Tom Cruise, that's fine. I hope I hope I honestly hope that in Jurassic World Part three that uh, fucking Rexy fucking eats Mary Poppins and then <laughs> fucking then I we hope si- so too Mary I do I do and I time. hope he fucking shits out that goddamn umbrella like fucking six hours later <laughs> shit develop a fucking raptor that sings that'd be better than anything else they've done <laughs> oh my god we, ca- we get to call her- the tougher war. No, we get to we get to call her Mary. We get to call her Mary Poopins when he comes out of Rexy's ass. Oh my God! Can that be our mashup? Mary Poopins. <laughs> yeah, I just want to see a pile of dino shit with an umbrella sitting on top of it, and I want to see like flies hanging around it, circling it, and some steam coming off this huge fucking pile of Tyrannosaurus Rex shit. That'd be awesome. I want Dick Van Dyke dancing on the poop pile. So do I. I want poop splattering all over the place. Oh, my God. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Fucking Bohemian Rhapsody won best drama, dude. Are you serious? At the the Golden Globes? Yeah, I thought it was an Onion article when I just scrolled. (laughs) Fuck, man. So usually the Golden Globes are like right there with uh, the Oscars. I cannot see this winning the Oscar, though. Oh, my God. The Tupperwares just became more respectable than the Golden Globes. No shit. 
<laughs> no shit. <clears throat> Oof. Yeah, on that note, man, we're we're legit now. No shit. Bohemian <laughs> crapsody. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of poop talk at the end. I know. I like it. I like it. Oh, Snapsity. He just did not call it Crapsity. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't wait to see that movie never again. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Thanos snaps his fingers and, like, fabricates 50% of that fucking film, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man yeah yeah jake can you d- dude can you believe it next year will be the seventh annual seven the older this show gets like it's crazy to think i can't imagine that we're coming up upon seven we're coming upon yeah. actual six years of this show which is nuts. Which blows me away. Yeah, every time we get to the anniversary, it's always crazy. It's always crazy. Mm-hmm. How did we were? I, it's, this is like the latest we've gone in a long time on an episode too, which I find hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, I didn't think we were gonna go this long. <laughs> let's end this bitch, right? Yeah, let's end. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely talk forever, but fuck the listeners now. They don't get to hear anymore. No, it's like, it's like Jake had to get his like little his little jab in about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> Oh man, I had that no written before we started. If we make it to the end and it's not brought up, <laughs> I I loved the movie. Fuck you, but it's not getting it's not getting a tuppy. All right, don't worry, it's not up I there. It. I appreciate it. A Jurassic World was a was a runner up in a previous episode, so I still love that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we got cackling Rebecca over there. <laughs> I would not make fun. I would not make fun of Jurassic World. Jurassic World was Citizen Kane to she, the second. She can't hit her goddamn mute button when she's got Bob. <laughs> when she's got fucking Bob Vila over there, fucking hanging a shelf in her fucking apartment. <laughs> okay. okay. But when Jake makes a Jake makes a fucking fallen kingdom joke, she's all cackles. Because it was fucking funny. That's why I laughed at it. Because it was funny. But I still dispute that I disrespected your choice for Mission Impossible. I never said that. Jake's over there making up stuff. That was definitely a bait by Jake. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I fucking fell for it. Because here I am getting up. And have you noticed that Brian just says, fuck you, Rebecca? Whenever we talk about Mission Impossible or Tom Cruise or Jurassic Park, that's usually when he just like yelling. It's so Jurassic. yeah, I know. I'm not going to argue that. Grade filled in the blank just from that, you know. <laughs> yeah. It no, it's like I feel like I feel like I have been uh, just just chastised and beaten down for my love of the Mission Impossible films, and it, it's and of course like every time I need to bring them up. There's Rebecca hanging out, and it's like, oh, here we go. It's not like I go on Twitter or whatever, and you talk about Mission Impossible, and I'm there. I fucking hate those movies. I never say anything about them unless you ask me about it. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. The movie is titled Mission Impossible colon Fallout, and I feel like that's what's happened to our friendship. Friendship. Oh. Oh. 
Oh, 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 what happened to Snap Cackle Pop, huh? Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Cackles and leftovers fall out. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Damn. Wow. I no, I just like to call it Brian Rebecca friendship fallout. <laughs> wow, right to the point. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag, it's over. It's over. <laughs> You're done, JJ. <laughs> Pack your bed. <laughs> oh, God. Let's I sign off so we can yuck it up. Oh, yeah, all right, guys. Just like all good leftovers <laughs> say in their doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week of episode 267. All right. See ya. Peace out, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean it. It lets embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done. So we should separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture, leftovers And we're the uncool kids What's to say has already been said Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.
Leftovers.